Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Got any, like, conspiracy theories? Right? Is it true that AIDS came from men having sex with monkeys? If I have HIV and a mosquito bite me, then after that go and bite him, will he get HIV? This is your daily catch-up. This episode was done in collaboration with the National HIV Program. And also, if you're enjoying the Daily Catch-Up podcast, do remember to drop us a sub, hit that notification button, and also like this video. So to debunk and demystify some of the uh, questions we have about AIDS and HIV, we've actually asked uh, Dr. Wong to join us today. So Dr. Wong, you would like to introduce yourself. Oh, okay. So um, I am a consultant infectious diseases physician. Uh, My specialty is actually HIV medicine. And uh, I've been doing it for... Quite a few years now. Right. I'm also deputy director of the National HIV Program, like you said, at the National Center for Infectious Diseases. Damn. So how do you like come to specialize in like HIV? And why? Yeah. Ah, okay. Um, I'll answer the why first. It's more interesting than the how, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Content. <laughs> Great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, uh, when I joined medical school, uh, in the first year of medical school, we had the option during the holidays of volunteering, and then I decided we decided to go and volunteer action for AIDS, and I think okay. that's where I sort of figured that, oh, you know, I found something that I really enjoyed doing and it was a underserved cause, I think. Most people don't really want to go into HIV medicine. Mm. And I met some inspiring mentors along the way who sort of um, nurtured that interest. And I, I must say, I have no regrets. I really, really enjoy what I do every day. Oh, that's so um, nice to say. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the what that I do. Um, so, I mean, my day-to-day work is still as a infectious diseases doctor. So I see other infectious diseases apart from HIV. Okay. But the, the main bulk of uh, the work that I do is develop uh, programs to... Uh, try to fight, I mean, to lead the fight against HIV in Singapore at least. So that uh, ranges from providing clinical care to patients all the way to designing programs to help them and uh, advising uh, other stakeholders on what to do. Because uh, obviously the fight against HIV is not just for doctors, but, but it's a community level thing mm. as well. Yeah. Okay. So how long have you been doing this work? I became a specialist in 2014. So that's... Oh, well, how old are you? I am 38. Oh, wow. 38 but he's deputy director yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, but so I'm curious right because you mentioned that you started volunteering quite a while back right, right? right. do you think that the so like the HIV movement in a sense has like has Progress changed evolved. has progressed yeah thank you yeah I, th- I think I think uh, it definitely has um, oftentimes I think in Singapore we we, we uh, bemoan the fact that oh things are not as progressive or as advanced as in other countries but I think Every setting and every country is, is slightly different. But, you know, from the time that I started volunteering, and this was in 2001 to now, it's like been 20 years, uh, the changes are actually innumerable uh, in terms of access to treatment. You're using a lot of words, I don't know. <laughs> okay, so bemoan yes, means yeah, complain. Let's <laughs> keep Jermaine to the conversation. <laughs> uh, no, so I think in terms of access to treatment, in terms of uh, where people can go to get tested, 
And even in terms of the um, the campaigns, the advertising campaigns and awareness campaigns that are out there, I don't know if you have seen some of the uh, posters around bus stops and mm. uh, MRT stations. You know, they've just come out in the recent few days uh, to few weeks. Uh, they've actually featured you know a person living with HIV who's mm. out about her status, and um, you know talking about about how people living with HIV can live lives just as anyone else. Mm. So, I think even ten years ago. Five years ago, this would have been quite unimaginable, but yeah. you know, oh. things have changed a lot. And also, um, for a long time, medications in Singapore are quite expensive. But in 2020, you know, almost every single uh, one of the HIV medications that we use on a day-to-day basis have become subsidized as well. So okay. I think things have things subsidized have to really a very changed. surprising amount. I heard mm. right. Are you able to drop a number? Um, so it depends on what the medications are and it depends on uh, a number of other factors as well. But the subsidies can go up to you know, 75% or even more than that. Yep. Yeah, so yeah. We, we, we covered um, at least one or two HIV stories in, mm. in, I mean, as MOSG before. And to be honest, when I was there, it was quite scary because I was, I was not sure what that, that place was for. Um, what place? So... Uh, I mean, I, I don't remember the name of the place, right? But basically, it's 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 run by a little association union guy, and he also has HIV, and he someone very nicely just gave his shop house unutilized for him to hold his little, um, like little support group thing. And when it's very nice, it's like got guitars and you know, got like people just go there and hang because many of them what he's trying to what he's trying to fight here is that many of them get shunned by their own family mm. and they have no place to crash they got no friends to hang with then no one accepts them yeah, yeah and so they they like just come even yeah and and because the building was rather old right so you walk in then i could smell the i could smell the oldness of the building <laughs> then, why I'm, then you start wondering why am i smelling why am i smelling you know because then you, the, really because there's there's that lack of of education on yeah, yeah, yeah. why it is right because from from TV, the knowledge ends at transmittable by blood, right? Your saliva all won't gonna. But then, when I sit on the toilet bowl, that time I'm thinking, eh, menstrual blood okay, You know what? If you never wipe, you your going girls toilet? No, I mean it's, it's a it's a shop house with one toilet. Oh. Yeah, so I just I mean I every shoot I need to pee at the location. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's a thing. Understandable. <laughs> oh my, my god, he marking like his territory. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my bladder, my bladder is like this. Uh, yeah, and, and so. It was quite surprising. What I learned was that he was saying about how, I mean, th- this was at least back then, line for the condition he was talking about, right? That HIV meds is like twenty bucks uh, a month or something like that. Each one, uh, am I am I very off? Um, I th- I think it depends on what you were talking about. There was mm. a time before the subsidies kicked in, mm. um, where. Uh, you know that there were access to medications from other sources as well. So there are neighboring countries that make generic, what we call generic medications, right. um, that are sort of not the brand name medications, and right. they are allowed to do so under special uh, dispensations la, from the World Trade Organization as right. well. So uh, some of these uh, medications are used by patients in countries other than where they are produced, including in Singapore. Yeah. Yeah. So sometimes those are a lot cheaper. Uh, but nowadays, with the uh, the subsidies that we have, uh, you know, it's generally people don't have to go down that route anymore. Cause right. almost everyone in Singapore who needs medications has access to them. Yeah, uh, through through through. And, and they were saying he was, he was, so he was yeah. telling me as well that with medication, right, yeah. the viral load is suppressed to the point whereby yeah. it's close to be like undetected already. Yes. Yeah, and which is like oh, in all like no matter when they discover it. Yes. So. Oh. 
Um, one of the things that I tell my patients often when they come in to see me in clinic, right, is that uh, even though we, we talk about HIV as like, um, it's on a spectrum. So you have early infection when you are detected mm. very early after, after, after being infected, all the way to late or advanced infection. But it's quite different from other medical conditions where you have late stage disease, right? We think mm. about late stage disease often as like a one-way road where it's mm. irreversible. Once Terminal. you pass certain milestones, there's no turning back. But with HIV, it's very, very different. Uh, I can have a patient in my clinic who was infected last month and a patient who was infected 10 years ago with very, very different health statuses. But as long as they start HIV medications and they stay on their HIV medications, they can have exactly the same outcome uh, where even a, late, a person with late stage infection can enjoy you know, the same kind of good health and good immune system that they had before they were right. infected. Right. Yeah. What's HIV actually? Okay. What does no, it do you all know what you? it stands for? Humano-immuno. Eh? Yeah, okay. I, I, don't, I don't exactly know what is it. <laughs> but then also, right, when I go and Google, right, it says it's slash AIDS, right? Mm. Then, is it the same thing? No, one leads to another. AIDS oh. is acquired. God damn, the knees dropping knowledge. Because hey, <laughs> I researched on this like episode. <laughs> <laughs> I know you get Very HIV good. first, la, right? And then, yes. and then you get AIDS. So right? HIV, uh, I think you are almost there. You know, human immunodeficiency virus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you are too kind. <laughs> <laughs> they missed like half of it. So they got virus. <laughs> so the immuno part refers to our immune system, which of course keeps us safe from infections, uh, you know, from bacteria, from viruses, from parasites, anything that gets into our body, the immune system yeah. takes care of it makes mm. us prevents us from falling sick deficiency means you know a lack of something right so the hiv is a uh, is a virus uh, aids stands for the acquired immunodeficiency syndrome so you're right uh, and uh, one leads to the other so just because a person has hiv infection doesn't mean that they have aids aids yeah. is what happens when you have the hiv infection you don't get treatment and your immune system gets progressively weakened, right? Mm. Uh, so the, the HIV virus, when it's in our body, what it does is that it attacks a particular part of the immune system called a, a, a particular kind of white cell, called a white blood cell called a T-helper lymphocyte or CD4 cell. So sometimes, you know, when you go online and you read about HIV, they zone out already. Maybe I'll dial it back. <laughs> so it yeah. weakens the immune <laughs> system. And then when our yeah. immune system is weak, we fall sick more easily. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I understand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so back to the question, right? Like, so how does the, how exactly does the medication work? Mm. So HIV medications, um, I mean, the, the, the technical term for that are antiretrovirals. So they are antivirals, lah, basically. Okay. Uh, and what they do is that they stop the virus from creating more copies of itself or replicating. And so when you do that, you stop the virus from infecting your immune system or attacking your immune system. Mm -hmm. And uh, so you, you remain healthy. Uh, right. So... What you were talking about just now with uh, suppressing the virus to an undetectable level, right? Yeah. Basically, if if let's say I'm HIV infected and you you take a sample of my blood uh, and you send it to the lab, uh, and I'm not yet on treatment, the lab can actually run the blood test through a machine, and it can actually count how many viruses oh. there are per drop of blood. So remember that oh, viruses that is ridiculous. Are very, 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 very small, right? Yeah. Yeah. So in one single drop of blood of one milliliter, it can you can have thousands of viruses all the way up to millions of viruses. That's because viruses yeah. are very, very small. Um, but once you start <laughs> taking medications, you, and I, you know, you, you do the same blood test through the same machine, you can actually have so few viruses that you can't. The machine can't count them anymore. Oh. So oh. It, it comes back with a with a result that says it's. Undetectable. Right, right, right. right. I, have, I have a dumb question. So, 
of course not encouraging a test of this matter right? right but let's say the viral load is low until undetectable should that person have unprotected sex what are the chances of infection so I am often asked that question and I will usually um, answer in this way I have many patients who are married couples right mm. where one person is HIV positive and one partner is HIV negative and they want to have Unprotected. a baby oh, right. Right. right so obviously you can't have uh, you, you have to have uh, condomless sex in order yeah. to have a baby right for conception to take place so my, my, my patients always come into my clinic and ask hey, can or not I don't want to infect my wife mm. and I tell them that well once you're on medication and your viral load is undetectable there is practically no risk of you infecting your, your so wife so sick I feel like because HIV is a it's related to sex which is like a carnal nature of human beings right mm. It has, I mean, there's so much misconception, but it's also very privileged in the sense of funding, in in the sense of research, in a sense, you know what I mean. I feel like there are so many problems in the world, right? Yeah. But HIV has gotten a lot of support because everyone wants to have sex. And yeah, and people right, because people, <laughs> people want to have sex, right? Like everyone rich guy can he's like, oh my god, I'm gonna fund this, right? Yeah, it wasn't always like that, lah. Because yeah. I think if you, if uh, probably most of you, I mean, most of us in this room will not remember the worst days of HIV because they happened mm. really in the, 80s, in, no. the, in the 1980s. Yeah. And we have to remember that HIV still kills about 1.7 million people every year. Mm. 1.3 to 1.7 million people every year. Thankfully, the number of deaths due to HIV are going down. Mm. Most of the people who, who die from HIV unfortunately die because they don't have access to medications. Thankfully, right. this doesn't happen in, in Singapore, but yeah. it does happen in many other parts of the world as well. Advances and the progress that we have had is actually due to an uh, non-stop sort of uh, uh, drive to try to find a cure, right? Because we've talked about un an undetectable viral load, we've talked about a suppressed viral load and not being transmittable to, uh, you know, to, to an unborn child or to your sexual partners. But HIV is still, unfortunately for now, incurable in that sense. We can't mm. eliminate it from our systems. There have been a handful of cases uh, in, 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 in history. Mm. Uh, these have probably occurred as a matter of um, very, very good luck uh, and, and very, very chance occurrences. Right? Right. Of and actually being cured of it. Of actually being cured. I think it. recently there was one girl, yeah. one lady. Yeah. yeah. So they have some quirk in their immune system that, that has enabled them to eliminate the virus from their system. Uh, one other patient, uh, you know, who has since unfortunately died, uh, was cured when he received a bone marrow transplant. Ah, mm. oh, that one. I yeah, read about that. Unfortunately, he had to have a bone marrow transplant because he also had a very aggressive form of leukemia. So right. you, you, oh, shit. Yeah, so you don't... It's, it's not really practical for us to do that for all our patients at this point. Mm. Especially given that medications nowadays are so effective, they yeah. have so few side effects, and they are generally easy to take. So we talk about like the, the evolution and the progress that we've made in the medical side of things, yep. right? And the fact that if it's undetectable, like you, you could practically almost live as normal a life as possible, yep. right? In that yep. sense. But yet there's still a lot of stigma associated with it. Like we look at like what John said also, like even though he, he knows about this, he still went to that, that safe haven and was still a little bit scared and paranoid about stuff, right? right? Let alone what about those who are still misinformed. So I think like just like two years ago, there was an article about a man who like said that because he told his workplace he had HIV, he was terminated. Right, right. You know, he was working, he was working at this F&B restaurant. And like the F&B like, place came out to say that, oh, we terminated him because he wasn't honest on his application form about his health status. Sure. We then sparked another debate about why do you need to be declaring your, your HIV health status 
um, if it doesn't affect like your work performance to 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 that extent lah. So yeah. like the stigma is still very very real, especially for people living with with HIV as well. Mm. Like in terms of like your interaction with patients, like do they talk to you about like some of these grievances, a lot of these concerns? Yeah, I think definitely the the nature of uh, of my work is that uh, oftentimes once I um, you know once a patient comes to see me, I I walk that journey with that patient for his or her life, you know, for for, for their lives because oh, HIV wow. is like a lifelong disease. What a privilege, right? huh? So yes, it's 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 really a privilege for me because. Um, uh, I, we we, I, I see them through um, you know what it was like when they were first diagnosed to you know getting them through uh, to to being on medications and then eventually on the other side when when uh, their HIV almost becomes a non-issue because you know mm. their health is is back to norm you know back to what it was like before. How long is that process? You think like typically? So. Um, it depends on what stage they start treatment at, Because remember mm. we were saying just now, right? It, but I, a range, le? Um Generally speaking. Uh, within about three to four months of treatment, right. uh, most people are. And treatment is just oral meds. Yeah. Uh, majority of my patients take one or two tablets once a day. Right. So it's it's even after the undetectable viral load, they're still taking this. Yes. Okay. Yes. So I tell them that uh, you know most most of most of my patients you know the younger ones I'll tell them you know you have parents at home, likelihood is that some of them have high blood pressure, some of them have diabetes, right? They are also taking tablets every day. Yeah. We never talk about curing diabetes or curing hypertension. It's it's not exactly the same, but yeah. it's a similar concept. You take a daily medication to control a medical condition that you cannot cure, mm. but with this tablet that you take, you can control it so that you don't get any um, yeah. problems like, that arise from it. Yeah. Oh, that's good. I mean, based on my impression, like people living with HIV do go through physical changes and such, right? Does it actually affect their work? Um, I think there's sort of two parts to your question: right? whether they experience physical changes and yeah. whether it affects their work. Yeah. Mm. Uh, so the sim- the the part that's simpler to answer is whether there are any physical changes. And I would mm. say that um, there was a time, maybe twenty plus years ago, when uh, people were saying that, oh, you know, I. I, I don't want to go on medications because you could uh, there there were some older medications where the side effects could change the physical appearance of people. Is it, they, so based on what I read, yeah. it's like some like abnormal fat distribution or yeah. like you get very visible veins right. and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so that is really uh, I would say two decades ago oh. Those medications are no longer being used. You're like the doctor's worst nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> the fella try and diagnose you, then you're like no, that's not what I read. Google <laughs> 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 Yeah, where do you talk to? So this, and those of course, if you don't get treatment and you fall sick, then there might be some physical changes that come about from that. And the most common one would be like weight loss because your body is constantly trying to fight an infection. Right. But I would say that for most of my patients, once they start medications, um, they you know they 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 there are no real physical changes either in appearance mm. or in uh, the way that they are able to live yeah. day to day. Right. Um, because. Essentially, their health and their immune system is maintained mm. at at at, at uh, levels that are almost the same as as it was before they were infected. Mm. So then, the second part of that question, which I think you kind of talked about as well, which is um, with regards to uh, whether it affects their work or not. If your health is in good shape and your immune system is 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 is, is, is you know functioning as it should be, then there's no reason why it uh, affects your work. But um, and you know, and a throwback to what you were talking about just now about the the article. Um, in almost all professions, HIV does not affect your work, mm. right? Because uh, it is, as you pointed out as well, only 
uh, transmitted through contact with infected body fluids, right? Mm. Blood, uh, semen, other sexual fluids, and so on. Uh, and well, I would say oh. that in most workplaces, yeah, that's not an issue. <laughs> yeah, hopefully not. Uh, hopefully not an issue. Yes. So uh, there are certain things where, especially in healthcare. Uh, where there are what we call more exposure-prone um, uh, 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 practices, yeah. but even then, if a person has an undetectable viral load, then you know the risk of transmitting it on to others is practically zero. Mm. So, uh, I would say that workplace, uh, or rather, the workplace is really a place where concerns and fears about HIV uh, should be looked at mm. much more um, critically, and 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 that would be really key to reducing the stigma that people living with HIV face in their everyday lives. Okay, so um, we have nicely compiled like a bunch of like perceptions or misconceptions that people might have about HIV. Well, we don't know whether they're misconceptions yet, but perceptions that people have I know, about HIV. I know, I know, I know. And so uh, John is very, very confident. But what we're going <laughs> to do is that I'm going I'm to say this out. The other three are going to guess and then Dr. Wong's going to confirm whether we are correct or okay, not. Okay, given that I'm a okay. teacher's pet, I'm going to get this all correct. Testing positive for HIV is a death sentence. Myth. Myth. I would say myth as well. Our producers compiled this, so I, I don't know the answers. So it is it is a myth. Yeah, because with uh, treatment nowadays, even people with late stage infection, yeah. you know, if they stay on their treatment, their health can essentially get much, much better. Yeah, and, and they can go on to live uh, lives that are no different from that of others. Great. Yeah. So what happens if you don't treat it? So with HIV that's not treated, your immune system will continue to get weaker and weaker. Uh-huh. And uh, if people still don't stay on treatment, it can be, uh, you know, it can be sort of life-threatening. And, you know, in the past, people who, who, who die from HIV infection is generally because of a lack of access to treatment. Mm-hmm. Okay, no, yeah. but how do, how do I die? Uh, usually because <laughs> of uh, severe infections. <laughs> Right. It be, yeah. It's like diabetes Because yes. you get cut It doesn't heal Your immune yeah. system Is weaker yeah. so right. People get lung infections Brain infections And so right. on right. Thankfully right. we are seeing That less and less Commonly nowadays Because treatment Is so widely available Right, right. Yeah. Okay. Like you, you can die From a cough like, In that sense um, A cough is a symptom Of right. yeah, yeah. So uh, you can die Of a cough That's a caused by A lung infection Or a right. virus infection right, right, yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But is treatment For HIV And treatment For AIDS Different uh, no, it's not. So treatment for remember I said the HIV is the virus that mm. causes AIDS. Mm. So HIV infection and AIDS are kind of, if you think about it, like on a spectrum, right? Mm. It's like the, the the mild, moderate, and then severe, uh. but they're all kind of the same thing. Right. So the treatment for it is the same. You want to stop the virus, and you do that with the HIV medications. Okay. Mm. Yeah. Okay. But does the dosage change? No. Okay. No. You can tell if someone has HIV or AIDS simply by looking at them. Mm. I bet you. I bet a doctor kind of. No, I feel like guess, depends though. on which which stage they are at. Okay, we go with HIV first. If they just detected HIV. Uh, just detected. No myth. No uh, myth. Myth. Right. Yeah, yeah. Myth. No, but as, as, <laughs> a, as a very trained physician. No, there's, there's really me? no way. There's really no way to. But tell. you mentioned like the weight loss and all that. Then. So that's if it's very very advanced. But remember, yeah. people can lose, lose weight, weight for anything. a lot of reasons. That's also true. Right? They can yeah. be trying to lose weight. They could have other medical conditions. The only way you'll know if you are HIV infected or not is to get a test. Okay. Right. And so you know, if if there's only one thing to remember is that um, for people who are at risk, or even if you don't know what your risk is mm. and you you want to know whether you are HIV infected or not, go and get a test. There are many ways to do so. Uh, Almost any clinic will be able to do so. And ah. there are 10 sites around Singapore where you can also get an anonymous test if you don't feel comfortable registering with your name and your IC number, for oh. example. Oh. Yeah. So Wait, is it on-the-spot test? Uh? 
Um, so there are different kinds of tests. There are rapid tests, which you can get a result within 20 minutes. Like an ART. Yeah, it's very similar to ARTs. Mm. Uh, but the difference with the ART for COVID is that at least at the current moment, you can't buy it and do it yourself at home. La. Right. You still have to go to a facility like a clinic or, or like a testing site and get it done there. Okay. But you can get results within 20 minutes. Uh, and then, of course, if you go to other places where you get the, the normal blood tests and so on, it takes uh, you know a couple of days for the results to come back. Uh, but uh, that's the only way you'll know whether you're HIV infected or not, for sure. Right. Okay. Yeah. No, so I, I want to say, right, like, like back then I was on like dating apps and shit, right? Still? Then, still? Oh, no, no, you're not already. Back then, yeah. Congrats. Oh, oh, hey. Good job, man. This, this has to stop coming out. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, anyway, no, so I was talking to this one girl and then she was asking me whether like I, I got tests. I got tests or not. Mm. Yeah, because she's a nurse. Oh. Yeah, oh. then she says that she, she hooks up regularly with like a bunch of people. And then she always gets tested. And then she makes sure that the other person gets tested before she hooks up with them. Then, oh, nice. Yeah, then she asked me whether I got tested or not. I mean, I, but I, I don't do one night stands, okay? But it's sure. just like, uh, no, no. So because it was, that was the problem. Because then I never, it never occurred to me that whether I should go and get tested or not. Right. And then right, when she asked me that, I'm thinking like, even, even if I'm not going to hook up, right? Should I just go and get tested, you know? Then I start to think about like, I, I scared. That you might have it. Ah, and then I, you went to get tested. No, I never. Until now, because I don't understand it enough. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, right. yeah, then I feel like, wow, oh, I, I don't want to know. I do, should I know? So like, today we prepared a special test kit for John. <laughs> <laughs> you need to ejaculate into a cup. That's okay. not how you do it. <laughs> 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 no, but that's the thing, right? Like, like, should people do it regularly, or is there something that you can feel in your body that makes you go like, okay, I should go and get tested? Yeah. yeah. So once again, just as you can't tell by looking at a person even if you're infected you can't really feel it until mm. it's at a late stage where you start to fall sick oh. so sometimes people say oh you know I, I don't want to get tested because I feel fine right but that's that's really uh, not the right way to, to, to go about it la. now does everybody need to get a test obviously if you've never been exposed to HIV if you've got zero risk of being infected if let's say you've never been sexually active before right. never shared needles with anyone before never had a blood transfusion outside the country before then there's no way the virus could have come mm. uh, right. you could have been infected but anybody who's ever been sexually active especially if you've been sexually active with multiple partners let's say or there's been a chance that you might have had unprotected sex in the past not, not us. we are clear then <laughs> uh, then, then it's important to get tested another conversation also is about how people living with HIVs come out about it to like family and like people around them right? Right, right do you have any anecdotes of like patients who've struggled with that um I think I would say that for most people, especially in the, you know, the, the early stages of being infected, it's going to be challenging, right? Mm -hmm. I think you talked about just now about how HIV is this, uh, uh, it's tied closely to sex and anything that's tied closely to sex, especially in, an, in, a, in a society and a community like ours, it's difficult to talk about openly. Mm -hmm. And any sexually transmitted disease is similarly difficult to talk about. Um, most of my patients, I would say, have had some difficulty coming out to their loved ones about it. Uh, primarily because there's so much taboo still surrounding HIV and some people have a sense of shame about it some people have a sense of um, uh, regret about it but I would say that it's that is also changing with time and as we explain that you know living with HIV is just like living with any other chronic medical condition then we help our patients work through uh, some of that shame and that guilt that they feel mm. uh, but you know I, I, I have I have stories of um, I mean I've, I've yeah anecdotes of 
uh, husbands who find it difficult to tell their wives, for example, because it may have been something that happened prior to getting married. Okay. Right from from previous partner, for example. Uh, I've got stories of um, older older patients having to come out to their children about it as well, mm. and sometimes you know they that 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 can cause some rift, some drama within the yeah. family. Uh, so what we try to do is try to uh, help mediate that, mm. uh, right? So I, I see maybe the whole family in my clinic and I talk about uh, about things. Most of the time, the fear or the anger comes from a lack of knowledge. Yeah. And so once mm. they know what it's all about, once they know that you know, it can be treated, it can be managed, the risk of uh, spreading it to people within the family is practically zero, then a lot of that goes away. Uh, yeah, is there like a most common question or misconception that that they have when they come and sit down with you in in your clinic? Oh, the number one question is always, "Oh, how long do I have left?" La? and I always oh, have to tell no. them that. Well, um, it's you know that question is, I mean, I don't say it like that, but it's almost like I tell them it's not really that relevant anymore, right? Yeah, how long yeah, would you yeah, like yeah. to? What a great answer <laughs> to give, though. It's an outdated question. Yeah, so I just tell them that actually, once you start treatment, you, it will be exactly the same amount of time you would have had. Before your HIV infection, yeah. right? you don't and I can't predict that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know that, but it's not any shorter because but of next the week, HIV. though. <laughs> no, but that's a great point. Yeah, it's not yeah. any shorter because of the HIV. Yeah, yeah. Okay. okay, can mosquitoes spread HIV uh, through mosquito bites? Isn't that malaria? Oh, that sounds that sounds yesy. Man. Like if they bite a uh, uh, HIV, HIV positive person oh. and then they bite someone else, can I think spread? the answer is yes, right? But it's a specific mosquito breed. No, that's for malaria. No, or AIDS or dengue. No, so so uh. the thing is, is that <laughs> she, we totally don't know. <laughs> Apparently, and I don't know whether I've been misinformed, right? But I know, I believe my parents got dengue because um, oh, uh, someone is. someone bit like uh, a dengue patient, and then like oh, yeah, that's exactly how dengue spreads, right? Yeah, like, so, like, so, like, okay, well, thank you, John, for your very condescending. Uh, hey, don't be sad then. Don't be sad then. So yeah, la, so, so so what's your answer? Well, now that you say that, feels like a yes. I'll say yes, ah. Uh. It's like a fact. No, it's it's a completely a myth. What? Ah, yeah. so he made me change my answer. <laughs> <laughs> so things like dengue and malaria, which are mosquito-borne diseases, right, are spread through mosquitoes because they also infect the mosquitoes themselves. Um, uh, one thing about viruses. Then why the mosquito don't die? Um, because the. Do you really want me to go into no. this? Okay. No. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I really wanted to check. Wait, wait ask the big questions. <laughs> you, no, you can read up. Because I, I honestly. Think that they, they were just carrying blood around. I didn't think they got infected. Yeah. So the uh, thing about viruses is that they are very particular about what they infect. So like the HIV virus, for example, cannot infect your dog or your cat. So annoying, right? <laughs> so it is a human immunodeficiency virus. Once it's DIV was for dogs. <laughs> once it's outside of the human body, it can't survive. So if uh, if a mosquito bites me and I've got virus in my blood, once it goes into the mosquito, the virus dies. It okay. cannot be transmitted. Oh. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I. <laughs> so we understand that like it is transmittable by bodily fluids, right? So what if he has HIV, he cut his hand, then mm. the blood drip out, I think then I put in my I lick as opposed to blood to blood. Mm. Because saliva doesn't matter, right? Mm. Mm. Will I get HIV? The risk is extremely low. Right. But uh to say that it's zero would not be correct either. Mm. Okay. Uh, most of the time you need not direct, so dumb. You need direct contact. 
and the virus needs to enter into your bloodstream. So most right. of the time, you know, our mouth, unless there's a big cut or an ulcer or something where, where you know, there's a possibility that the virus oh. will enter into your bloodstream, the chance of transmission is extremely low. But we would not recommend licking the blood for anybody, <laughs> regardless <laughs> of the circumstances. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, but what if you get bitten by a snake, then you take out the poison? You should also not do that to take out the poison from a snake bite. Like on TV, they stuck, then they spit, right? Like, should I save his life or should I get hit every like? Yeah, yeah. Wait, oh, no, that's a horrible, horrible dilemma. Back to the game. <laughs> so if I have a cut and he has a cut and our cuts touch for some reason, like. Yeah, so I think if one open wound is exposed to another open wound, then and there's blood, right? Yeah. Then yeah. the risk is of course higher. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But why would you? But why would you? Yeah. yeah. No, so no like, we shake hands, man. You know what I mean? Like, we do push ups on the floor, we bleed because we're mainly men, right? Yeah. Then we shake hands. No, it's. Like, it's go work out. Exactly. It's, it's a stupid <laughs> question, right? But no. I think a lot of. Like, even though I am educated now yeah. on the HIV. Um, uh, on, the, on HIV. To yeah. a small extent, uh huh. Yeah, to a small extent. I feel like there's still a lot of paranoia around it because of, like, what of that 1% freak chance of something like that happening, right? So, yeah. So, like, the menstrual blood thing I had in my head when mm. I sat on the toilet bowl. Oh, yeah. yeah that's. That's valid, right? Or is that not valid? It's not really that valid because once again, remember, once the virus is out of your bloodstream, regardless of whether it's in a mosquito or it's mm. exposed to the air, On the virus dies ball, yeah. very, very quickly. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay, okay, so okay, okay. a lot of those fears about sharing toilets and all that are also completely myth. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And also from sharing okay. toilet, it will not enter your bloodstream. Ah. Hanging in a toilet bowl, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I, I completely don't know, man. <laughs> Is there a chance of contracting HIV when sharing food with a person living with HIV? Myth. Yeah. I would say myth. No, no chance. La. If the food is... <laughs> what if the food is cold though? Huh? If the food is hot, you might cook it, right? Give it to but me. But if say, okay, if say right, both have ulcer or uh-huh. one person got cut in the mouth or like something like that, yeah, but they're not sharing the food that they put in their mouth, right? No, you <laughs> need <laughs> No, like say the, the mother yeah. chew the food first, then spit the, the baby. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then the mother can also. Yeah, it's possible, right? If the food is cold, la. if it's hot, you cook the thing. It's la. only possible if both of them have a cut in their mouth. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not trying to make it happen. I just want to yeah, yeah, yeah. see if there's a possibility. It's very right? hard already, yeah. Mm. So I think we are all describing circumstances which hardly ever occur in real life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, no, but we're covering bases. Food. Sharing food and drinks does not uh, yep. transmit HIV. So strange, oh. what a virus. Oh. It's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's, yeah, it's, yeah so, it's such a unique it's feature. Weird. No, but it's so sad because of the misconception. A lot of, peop- a lot exactly. of people living with HIV don't really have that, that social life that like, a lot of people can enjoy like, mm. without HIV. So mm. it's quite sad. Mm. So let's educate more people and like, please spread the awareness and HIV positivity. No, just now earlier on, you said that like, Every year, how many people die from HIV? 1.7 million. Um, it's, it's in the millions. Okay. I mean, 1. something million, but thankfully that number has come down in recent years. Right, so like, right, what is it like now, right, roughly? Uh, well, you're really putting me on the spot yeah. here. I yeah, think oh, sorry, the latest sorry. one was, um, I think it had dropped to less than a million. Okay, yeah, so like or like comparing with like yeah. all the other viruses, right, how, how highly ranked is this? Like, how, how serious is it? Oh. Oh, so, um, I mean, the main, the major killer of people from infectious diseases I mean prior to the COVID sort of you know the, the COVID times that we are in now uh, are other infectious diseases like tuberculosis yeah. you know like things yeah. like malaria uh, which are still major killers of, of people uh, most children die of infectious um, causes of diarrhea for example due to dehydration mm. but HIV is still you know a, a, a huge killer and the, the problem I mean or the tragedy with HIV is that it tends to uh, affect people who are sexually active 
who also tend to be younger and economically active and contribute. You know, they are the breadwinners of their family, mm. their mm. parents of young children. So. HIV deaths are truly tragic because a they are preventable and b they often lead to, um, uh, uh, you know, issues within families, issues within mm. societies. Yeah. yeah. So I've got okay. some statistics. Oh um, yes. <laughs> so in 2020, right, there were 37.7 million people globally living with yep. HIV. Uh, 1.5 million became newly infected in yep. 2020. 680,000 died from AIDS-related illnesses in 2020. Yeah, you so compare 700, this. 700,000. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you compare right. this with Quite spot TB. On actually. Yeah. Very very important. You compare this with TB in 2020, 1.5 million people died from mm, from the right. Damn. So in in Singapore, there's no reason to to really die from HIV anymore, right? Um. So it's interesting you say that because many of our people living with HIV now, uh, we are seeing that as they grow older with HIV, the reasons of the causes of sort of death and passing away are actually not related to HIV, right? They yeah. have age related problems of cancer, other things that are you know sort of. Not age related, and that shift away from uh, dying of HIV to dying with HIV is uh, actually a testament to the success mm, of our yeah. treatments. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, how likely is a cure? Because it's been there's been news of it constantly, right? But mm. we've still not found one, even after forty years. Yeah, the the problem with HIV is that it is a extremely complex virus, and that all of the usual techniques that we have tried to apply to it that have been able to Cure other diseases don't quite work as well, mm. uh, but uh, we are continuing to research and, and and try to do it. And in fact, a lot of the scientific progress and advancements uh, that we have used in our fight against COVID, for example, have come about as a byproduct of our uh, oh. research into HIV. Yeah. Okay. Right. So I think you know um, whether it's it's the the medications that we use or even the vaccine technologies that mm. we have have been have come about because of how much resources and time and effort and and human ingenuity have gone into HIV research. Mm. So. Um, We are marginally closer today than we were five years ago, and we were slightly closer today than we were ten years ago. Um, I still have faith that I will see it in our lifetimes. Mm. Oh wow! Uh, but until then, you know, I what I tell my patients is that I want to keep you healthy until the day that a cure is available, mm. and that's why you have to, you know. Because I mean, even after the cure, the difference is that you don't take that one pill a day, lah. Other than yes. that, there's no other yeah. difference. Oh, so undetectable means you still need to take the pill every day, but cure means you don't need to take the pill. Yeah, yeah. you are you are taking the pill to keep it undetectable. Yes, right, right, right. Yeah, exactly. There was this very good uh, short film by I think like Bu Jun Fong, right? You have you seen that? Which one? The the the, the long like one take one about the the nurse the the first nurse eh? Iris Iris Fergus ah yes. you know her oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah she, she um she uh was still working when I joined oh uh, damn the OCD. sorry who is she no so basically the I think it was the first ever case in Singapore right one of the first cases. Oh, one of the yeah, first cases the so first that everybody cases. they don't understand this ma so they all scared so she was one of the few nurses who go and volunteer to go and take care and help wow the, that like mother Teresa yeah so Bunjufeng did a, a a short film about about her. Yeah, damn good, damn good show. You should go and watch. Oh, so you met you, you know? Yeah, her. yeah, I know Iris. She's damn. a lovely, lovely, lovely lady. That's yeah. so That's cool. cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me think of historical yeah. figures. Yeah, yeah, it's like Spider Man. Speaking of Spider Man, like so, Andrew <laughs> Garfield, he he started this show called Tick Tick Boom. I don't know if you see. Yes, it. yes, yes. And so it was so like jarring to me because like they were living in the eight, uh, no 1990s, right? And basically all his friends, like so many of his friends, were just dying like every week. 
to spoiler HIV. alert. Mm. Yeah. And then what was, <laughs> what was interesting yeah. to know, right, was that his best friend in the show who was uh, well, then diagnosed with HIV again, massive spoilers, but like you guys are not going to watch it if you haven't watched it by now, yeah. okay? Probably not. Uh, so in the show, right, his friend, uh, a, a big turn in the show was that his friend got diagnosed with HIV and this was in the 1990s, right? He's still alive today, hmm. that friend. Right. And it was so interesting, you know, because like in the whole show, it really was such a downturn in like uh, in the main character's life. Mm. But it's crazy to think that the AIDS pandemic at that point of time, like every so many people were just dying um, and, and now we've gotten to a stage where, where you can you can live. I think if you look at how um, the reporting of HIV and AIDS or like terms that they're using in the media, right, it has also changed quite a bit yeah. from like 1980s, 1990s where they called them like lepers or like mm. they, they called them, um, they called it an incurable like mystery disease. It really wasn't. Yeah, and I think we've really come a long way from that. Mm. Yeah. Is uh, it true that AIDS came from men having sex with monkeys? No, it's not. Um, we have will you all probably never heard that one? we will have, have. I mean we will probably never know the true story but there's been uh, a body of research that shows that it probably made the jump from it did it did start off in apes in monkeys uh, lowland gorillas and chimpanzees mm. but it probably made the jump when because uh, in that area and at that time and even up to now actually uh, there is a practice of eating what they call bushmeat which is you know like basically wildlife right that you yeah. hunt and you eat mm. and uh, the 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 theory, which of course can never be proven, but there's good evidence to suggest that that is what happened, was that as somebody was butchering it, they probably cut themselves and then were stained. And also, you know, when you're butchering an animal, there's right. a lot of blood. So that is probably when uh, uh, the jump was made. And we think going from um, some, you know, some research and some very, very specialized uh, uh, methods that it probably happened maybe in the late 1970s. So a few years before the oh, first cases were Oh, it is up. rather young then. Oh my God, then how did they find out they sexually transmitted? Yeah, it's such a strange journey, you know what I mean? It's such a curveball from the creator. Huh? <laughs> he's, he's like, everything goes by saliva, but this one's when you you know, he's like, wow. <laughs> such a curveball. Yeah, because yeah, you probably make out your audience, so, so it could be saliva, right? Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. So you, they had to do a they test. They really eliminate, like, yeah, like, They beat the same point. They do a test. Yeah, you make could out. be tears, for example. Don't make out. You do the other thing. <laughs> no, actually, the other way is just to test saliva, and saliva doesn't oh, have the yeah, virus. Okay. So, uh, oh, we so did try the You're the doctor. So you are not just a doctor; you're the expert doctor. I feel like if if I have to take medication every single day, the most likely thing to happen is that I'll forget to take it for a few days or a week. Right. What's the impact on that? Um, So the impact is actually... uh, If if this sort of uh, practice continues, right? If Mm. patients kind of miss their medications, uh, even if it's occasionally, but Mm. if it's like a habit, you know, it happens for a long time, uh, the medications can actually fail. Right. Uh, so then the virus becomes what we call resistant. It doesn't uh, oh, get like suppressed by that uh, particular antiviral anymore. Okay. Uh, and then the viral load will go up and then it was, the virus will start attacking the immune system again. And so people can start to fall sick again. Right. So, um, you know, if I go back to my analogy before about HIV not being a one-way street, uh, it can be for good or it can be for bad as well. So that's why people need to be taking their medications regularly every day. Thankfully, we have a, quite a wide variety or range right, of like antibiotics, really. Yeah, and and with antibiotics, you know, we're always talking about antibiotic resistance, right? Yeah. There's antiviral resistance as well. We we don't Ooh. want that to happen. Yeah. What if I'm traveling like across like time zones? Then how? I usually will tell my patients you stick to Singapore time. Oh, yeah. Right. yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Can you? Because <laughs> you, you can be born with it, right? Yes, you can. 
how then how do you like what's the earliest age you can detect it and like how does um, that work so any baby that's born to a mum who's HIV infected especially if the mum's viral load was not yet undetectable. Right. Mm. Uh, and and, and I mean, to be honest, even if the mum's uh, viral load unde- uh, was undetectable, uh, they once they are born, we will test them at multiple points. Uh, for some cases, we are able to detect the virus right after, you know, at the point where the baby is born. Sometimes it takes a few more weeks before the virus is detectable and then we can make a diagnosis. Uh, but we start them on treatment and so mm. they, you know, we, we, Sorry, we, you we, start the mum or the baby? The baby. baby. Both. Both. Yeah, okay. Bo- born Whoever, ready, yeah. right. Anyone who has HIV infection should be on treatment. Yep, yep. Yeah. Right. Mm. Are people resistant to treatment? Like when, when they first find out, for example? Uh, of course, they, they can be. Uh, and, you know, they, they, they might be in denial. They right. might be, um, you know, they, they might be depressed and, and hence not want to take uh, medications. They might be in shock, especially if it's something mm. that they were not expecting. Uh, they might be worried about the stigma of being seen with HIV medications, right? And, right. and all that that entails. There are so many reasons, but our duty as, you know, as my, my, my team and I, as, as doctors, as, as nurses, as pharmacists, as social workers, is to help them process it and work through and get them on treatment as soon as we can. Okay, so the one question that maybe I can ask you is, what can we do better to educate or to raise awareness about HIV, how can we Alamak. how can we do it so that you know mm. you uh, maybe wouldn't have had these misconceptions at this you know yeah because it is necessary yeah yeah I think what concerns me is that like there's still somewhat this irrational fear like what John has described right even though we know all this information yeah. but then because we've never in a sense been in contact or like we don't I personally don't know anyone who has been like infected right so yeah. then I think like it comes from like that. That, that disconnect law. Right, like, because right. I've not had the chance to maybe like interact with people like firsthand and all that and so I have that irrational fear in my head. Yeah. But I'm not sure what I, I mean the solution to that is what they go on tour but it cannot be so nah, I don't know what the solution to I mean, that I, is. I don't know what is helpful to the cause to say this but I think my concern is not in the faith of like the trust of the medication and the system it's in personal irresponsibility just like how COVID can even if we have a cure or even if now that we have vaccines, we are still dealing with it largely due to a lot of personal irresponsibility. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what if you forgot to take the pill you don't say? What if you cut your hand you never say? What if you menstrual stain canada? Wait, say to who? Like say to who? I, I don't know, like to the people around you or like you just don't clean up after yourselves properly. I feel like that that was my concern, you know, because before going in, of course, I brought a team in to film ma. So I also went to Google To make sure Am I putting the team at risk ma? Yeah so We are okay with that Right there, there is om- There's almost no risk Then the concern was What form of personal Irresponsibility Could get my team infected Yeah yeah. Which today I understand that Even if you are not Very responsible Also not easy To get infected la. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and, But that's the thing like, I think Most of us came in Because we've researched for the topic beforehand and John like met with someone and, and knows about the topic beforehand but I think a, a lot of the public don't know that this is a disease that cannot be transmissible via saliva for example right right. or or they, they don't know there's actually meds that is pretty much yeah like already. only yeah. Uh, doing this then I realised yeah. and then I learned all this so and, and to be honest like like what, what she's saying right like like for example if if I never kena like tuberculosis or whatever I would never know about you or go and learn about you I won't mm. bother it's not something that you actively so, seek out to yeah out. but I think the main issue here is that there's discrimination from the people who don't have it or the people who don't know about it right mm. so 
I feel like it's the it's the people with HIV who should be more open about their circumstances, right? Around the people that they that they are that they are closer to. Like if mm. they're open about it, then I'm more inclined to ask, ma. But it's, then it's if also I ask, then I get educated. Then I can tell other people. It's easy to see why it's difficult for them, lah. Of course, lah. Of yeah. course, it's difficult. So la. if I go HIV and be like, no, lah, won't spread one. <laughs> one, you know what I mean and then you suddenly lose all your friends no but I think he's talking about how it's like a bit of a vicious cycle because like they themselves are a bit scared to say then that itself forms a taboo yeah. around it yeah. and then so people who don't have it and like uh, might have a more negative perception towards that also. so it's kind of a chicken yeah, and egg because when we tie it back to the article right, I'm thinking like if say somebody joined our company and that person was HIV positive we would I think like maybe okay lah I don't want to be so like aggressive with this but like <laughs> Probably over a few conversations with them, right? I definitely will ask about you. Right? Probably the first, ah. Uh, and th- yeah, that's right. But the then I don't want to be so yeah. aggressive, like, <laughs> The first lunch, the whole lunch time. Then, hey, tell us really? Yeah. <laughs> but then I think that would be my 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 like the the first point of access to this law to this kind of information. Yeah, yeah. Or just come on the show more, like. yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, to answer your your question to the point is the daily catch up, like. <laughs> This is the answer. No, I, I think yeah. HIV has been overly mystified. Yeah. Yes. Yes, it's almost on a pedestal of viruses mm. that it feels very special and very scary to be very honest mm. yeah like if it was treated like uh, like any other like flu flu yeah which it it, it seems like with medication is less than a flu lah. if it's if it's kind of treated and talked about it that way I feel like we can educate the next generation lah. I mean we grew up with Channel 8 really So it's like this really Because yeah, Channel 8 really Yeah Channel 8 really Then heart attack <laughs> like, oh, oh, you know that. <laughs> I mean if I could just Yeah I mean th- thanks, for, thanks for answering that question I think the um, You know one thing I wanted to pick on What you said mm. Is that um, or, or rather You know Maybe expecting people Living with HIV To speak up about it First Is that uh, oftentimes The environment Is not always the best right we have people living without HIV or people with misconceptions have perhaps created an environment which makes it very difficult for those conversations Mm. to be had so I always feel that uh, maybe what we can do is continue this kind of conversation going at various levels so Mm. that gradually over time the environment for people to feel comfortable bringing it up Mm. becomes better and and just as a last point to what you said about personal responsibility I think in my seven you know seven eight years of, of uh, being an HIV specialist uh, the the greatest fear that anyone living with HIV whether they've been in fact just newly diagnosed or been diagnosed for a long time is the fear of transmitting the virus onto other people True. I've never yeah. met a single yeah. person who has been who, vindictive you know, taken, about it yeah, yeah. or yeah. taken a, a, an irresponsible attitude towards it I think um, but that's TV also though Sorry the, the, yeah. yeah People that have it Then they're vindictive right So yeah. if I can't have sex You can't have sex yeah. So Talk I think the, the tragedy is that There's so much fear On their part Of transmitting to people Especially people they love Yeah, yeah mm, so. But I can tell like, I mean like the, the, the mental toll Like we talk about The physical toll right? But the mental toll Of having to live With that paranoia mm, Of mm. not transmitting That disease must mm. be Also such a burden Yeah Like With your experience Like how, how has that been Like in terms of it, their mental like state of mind, it, I mean, I've I've seen people who have been completely, you know, um, yeah, tortured by 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 a having to keep the secret, yeah. b living with the guilt, c living in this fear, perhaps irrational fear of transmitting onto people that they love and care about, people that they live with, and I would say that the real only thing we can do is to be compassionate about it mm-hmm. and to realize that some of these things I can help with, right? I can reassure them that uh, I am not afraid. 
I can create an environment that is uh, warmer and, and, and kinder to, to people living with all kinds of chronic diseases, not necessarily just HIV. Yep. Mm. Uh, and I think it's, you know, we, we talk about HIV being so, you know, you talked about like a ex, ex, some pedestal, put on a pedestal, right? We can remove it from a pedestal, mm. right? And, and just talk about it as with any other chronic diseases. But sometimes we also have to realize that HIV, like you pointed out as well, is not like COVID, it's not like the flu because it's sexually transmitted. And anything that's, sexu- that's related to, to human sexuality is often a little bit more challenging to address and we have to mm. sort of approach it from a slightly different angle. Yeah. So there's no simple answers, unfortunately. And, and yeah. that's why I'm really appreciative and grateful that you invited me here because it's really true having these conversations. Yeah. And then yeah. I always tell people, yeah. right, no matter where I go, if you can go and talk to one other person about this and then ask that person to mm. also talk to and one other person. Spread it like this. an infection. Yeah. yeah. Hey, you go. Whoa. Not necessarily. Hey guys, thank you so much for watching. Also, a massive thank you to Dr. Wong for joining us today and also enlightening, like enlightening us <laughs> enlightening. with like HIV knowledge. And I hope you learn a thing or two as well and you help to spread that HIV positivity. Yeah. Don't spread mistruths lah. Okay. If you still have uh, any questions, maybe you can drop it in the comments and we can ans- we can debunk yeah. them too. Yeah. The and fellow experts here will help you out. <laughs> we'll try. We'll try. And there's <laughs> also a link uh, down below in the description box for more information about HIV and its treatments as well. Thank you so much for watching. If you enjoyed what you watched, remember to drop us a like, hit that notification button and subscribe. See you. Goni. Like conspiracy theories right? Is it true that AIDS came from men Having sex with monkeys If I have HIV And a mosquito bite me Then after that Go and bite him Will he get HIV This is your Daily catch up This episode was done in collaboration with the National HIV Program. And also, if you're enjoying the Daily Catch-Up podcast, do remember to drop us a sub, hit that notification button, and also like this video. So to debunk and demystify some of the uh, questions we have about AIDS and HIV, we've actually asked uh, Dr. Wong to join us today. So Dr. Wong, you would like to introduce yourself. Oh, okay. So um, I am a consultant infectious diseases physician. Uh, My specialty is actually HIV medicine. And uh, I've been doing it for quite a few years now. Right. I'm also Deputy Director of the National HIV Programme, like you said, at the National Centre for Infectious Diseases. Damn. So how do you like come to specialise in like HIV? And why? Yeah. Ah, okay. Um, I'll answer the why first. It's more interesting than the how, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Content! <laughs> Great, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I, uh, when I joined medical school, uh, in the first year of medical school, we had the option during the holidays of volunteering. And then I decided, we decided to go and volunteer action for AIDS. And I think okay. that's where I sort of figured that, oh, you know, I found something that I really enjoyed doing. And it was a underserved cause, I think. Most people don't really want to go into HIV medicine. Mm. And I met some inspiring mentors along the way who sort of um, nurtured that interest. And I, I must say, I have no regrets. I really, really enjoy what I do every day. Oh, that's so um, nice to say. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> The what that I do, um, so I mean my day-to-day work is still as a infectious diseases doctor, so I see other infectious diseases apart from HIV, okay. but the, the main bulk of uh, the work that I do is develop uh, programs to uh, try to fight, I mean to lead the fight against HIV in Singapore at least, so that uh, ranges from 
providing clinical care to patients, all the way to designing programs to help them and uh, advising uh, other stakeholders on what to do. Because uh, obviously the fight against HIV is not just for doctors, but, but it's a community level thing mm. as well. Yeah. Okay. So how long have you been doing this work? I became a specialist in 2014. So that's... Oh, well, how old are you? I am 38. Oh, wow. But he's deputy director. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, but so I'm curious, right? Because you mentioned that you started volunteering quite a while back, right? right? right. Do you think that the so like the HIV movement in a sense has like has Progress changed, evolved. has progressed? Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I, I think I think uh, it definitely has. Um, oftentimes, I think in Singapore, we 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 uh, bemoan the fact that oh things are not as progressive or as advanced as in other countries. But I think. Every setting and every country is, is slightly different. But, you know, from the time that I started volunteering, and this was in 2001 to now, it's like been 20 years, uh, the changes are actually innumerable uh, in terms of access to treatment. You're using a lot of words, I don't know. <laughs> okay, so bemoan yes, means yeah, complain. Let's <laughs> keep Jermaine to the conversation. <laughs> uh, no, so I think in terms of access to treatment, in terms of uh, where people can go to get tested, and even in terms of the um, the campaigns, the advertising campaigns and awareness campaigns that are out there, I don't know if you have seen some of the uh, posters around bus stops and mm. uh, MRT stations. You know, they've just come out in the recent few days uh, to few weeks. Uh, they've actually featured you know a person living with HIV who's mm. out about her status, and um, you know talking about about how people living with HIV can live lives just as anyone else. Mm. So, I think even ten years ago. Five years ago, this would have been quite unimaginable, but yeah. you know, oh. things have changed a lot. And also, um, for a long time, medications in Singapore are quite expensive. But in 2020, you know, almost every single uh, one of the HIV medications that we use on a day-to-day basis have become subsidized as well. So okay. I think things have things subsidized have to a very surprising amount. I heard, mm. right? Are you able to drop a number? Um, so it depends on what the medications are and it depends on uh, a number of other factors as well. But the subsidies can go up to you know, 75% or even more than that. Yep. Yeah, so yeah. We, we, we covered um, at least one or two HIV stories in, mm. in, I mean, as MOSG before. And to be honest, when I was there, it was quite scary because I was, I was not sure what that, that place was for. Um, what place? So... Uh, I mean, I, I don't remember the name of the place, right? But basically, it's 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 run by a little association union guy, and he also has HIV, and he someone very nicely just gave his shop house unutilized for him to hold his little, um, like little support group thing. And when it's very nice, it's like got guitars and you know, got like people just go there and hang because many of them what he's trying to what he's trying to fight here is that many of them get shunned by their own family mm. and they have no place to crash they got no friends to hang with then no one accepts them yeah, yeah and so they they like just come even. yeah and and because the building was rather old right so you walk in then i could smell the i could smell the oldness of the building <laughs> then, why I'm, then you start wondering why am i smelling why am i smelling you know because then you, the, really because there's there's that lack of of education on yeah, yeah, yeah. why it is right because from from TV, the knowledge ends at transmittable by blood, right? Your saliva or won't gonna. But then, when I sit on the toilet bowl, that time I'm thinking, eh, menstrual blood, okay, You know what if you now wipe You're your menstrual blood? You're going girl's toilet. Okay. No, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a shop house with one toilet. Uh. Yeah, so I just, I mean, I, every shoot I need to pee at the location. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's a thing. Understandable. <laughs> oh my, my god, he's marking like his territory. <laughs> <laughs> my, bladder, my bladder is like this. Uh, yeah, and, and so, 
it was quite surprising what I learned was that he was saying about how I mean th- this was at least back then like, for the condition he was talking about right that HIV meds is like 20 bucks uh, a month or something like that each one, uh, am, I, am I very off? Um, I, I think it depends on what you were talking about. There was mm. a time before the subsidies kicked in mm. um, where, uh, you know, there, there were access to medications from other sources as well. So there are neighbouring countries that make generic, what we call generic medications mm. right. um, that are sort of not the brand name medications and right. they are allowed to do so under special... Uh, dispensations la, from the World Trade Organization as right. well. So uh, some of these uh, medications are used by patients in countries other than where they are produced, including in Singapore. Yeah. Yeah. So sometimes those are a lot cheaper. Uh, but nowadays with the uh, the subsidies that we have, uh, you know, it's generally people don't have to go down that route anymore because right. almost everyone in Singapore who needs medications has access to them yeah. uh, through 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 and, and they were saying he was, so on, he was yeah. telling me as well that with medication right yeah. the viral load is suppressed to the point whereby yeah. it's close to be like undetected already yes yeah and which is like oh in all like no matter when they discover it yes so oh. um, one of the things that I tell my patients often when they come in to see me in clinic right is that uh, even though we, we talk about HIV as like um, it's on a spectrum so you have early infection when you are detected mm. very early after 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 being infected all the way to late or advanced infection but it's quite different from other medical conditions where you have late stage disease right we think mm. about late stage disease often as like a one way road where it's mm. irreversible once Terminal. you pass certain milestones there's no turning back but with HIV it's very very different uh I can have a patient in my clinic who was infected last month and a patient who was infected 10 years ago with very, very different health statuses. But as long as they start HIV medications and they stay on their HIV medications, they can have exactly the same outcome uh, where even a, late, a person with late-stage infection can enjoy you know, the same kind of good health and good immune system that they had before they were right. infected. Right. Yeah. What's HIV actually? Okay. What does no, it do you all know what it stands for? Humano immuno. Eh? Yeah, okay. I, I I don't I don't exactly know what is it. <laughs> but then also right when I go and Google yeah, it says it's slash AIDS right. Mm. Then is it the same thing? No, one leads to another. AIDS oh. is acquired. God damn the knees dropping knowledge. Because hey, <laughs> I researched for this episode. <laughs> <laughs> I know you get Very HIV good. first lah, right? And yes. then and then you get AIDS. So HIV, uh, I think you are almost there. You know, human immunodeficiency virus. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you, you are too kind. <laughs> <laughs> they missed like half of it. So they got virus. <laughs> so the immuno part refers to our immune system, which of course keeps us safe from infections, uh, you know, from bacteria, from viruses, from parasites, anything that gets into our body, the immune system takes yeah. care care of it makes mm-hmm. us prevents us from falling sick deficiency means you know a lack of something right so the hiv is a uh, is a virus uh, aids stands for the acquired immunodeficiency syndrome so you're right uh, and uh, one leads to the other so just because a person has hiv infection doesn't mean that they have aids aids is yeah. what happens when you have the hiv infection you don't get treatment and your immune system gets progressively weakened, right? Mm. Uh, so the, the HIV virus when it's in our body, what it does is that it attacks a particular part of the immune system called a, a, a particular kind of white cell, called a white blood cell called a T helper lymphocyte or CD4 cell. So sometimes, you know, when you go online and you read about HIV, they don't they they be <laughs> <laughs> maybe I'll dial it back a little bit. So it yeah. weakens the immune <laughs> system and then when our yeah. immune system is weak, we fall sick more easily. Oh, okay. <laughs> 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 yeah, so back to the question, right? Like, so how does the, how exactly does the medication work? Mm. 
So HIV medications, um, I mean, the, the, the technical term for that are antiretrovirals. So they are antivirals, lah, basically. Okay. Uh, and what they do is that they stop the virus from creating more copies of itself or replicating. And so when you do that, you stop the virus from infecting your immune system or attacking your immune system. Mm-hmm. And uh, so you, you remain healthy. Uh, right. So what you were talking about just now with uh, suppressing the virus to an undetectable level, right? Yeah. Basically, if, if let's say I'm HIV infected and you, you take a sample of my blood uh, and you send it to the lab uh, and I'm not yet on treatment, the lab can actually run the blood test through a machine and it can actually count how many viruses oh. there are per drop of blood. So remember that virus oh, is ridiculous. Yeah. Very, 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 very small, right? Yeah. Yeah. So in one single drop of blood of one milliliter, it can you can have thousands of viruses all the way up to millions of viruses. That's because viruses yeah. are very, very small. Um, but once you start <laughs> taking medications, you, and I, you know, you, you do the same blood test through the same machine, you can actually have so few viruses that you can't the machine can't count them anymore. Oh, so oh. It, it comes back with a with a result that says it's undetectable right right right, right. I, have, I have a dumb question so n- of course not encouraging a test of this matter right? right but let's say the viral load is low until undetectable should that person have unprotected sex what are the chances of infection so i am often asked that question and i will usually um answer in this way i have many patients who are married couples right mm. where one person is hiv positive and one partner is HIV negative and they want to have a baby. Oh, right. Right? right? So obviously you can't have, uh, you, you have to have uh, condomless sex in order yeah. to have a baby, right? For conception to take place. So my, my, my patients always come into my clinic and ask, hey, can or not? I don't want to infect my wife. Mm. And I tell them that, well, once you're on medication and your viral load is undetectable, there is practically no risk of you infecting your, your So sick. From I feel like because HIV is a is related to sex, which is like a carnal nature of human beings, right? Mm. It has I mean, there's so much misconception, but it's also very privileged in the sense of funding. In in the sense of research. In a sense, you know what I mean? I feel like there are so many problems in the world, right? Yeah. But HIV has gotten a lot of support because everyone wants to have sex. And yeah, and people and because people <laughs> want to have sex, right? Like everyone rich guy Kanana, he's like, oh my god, I'm gonna fund this, right? Yeah, it wasn't always like that, lah. Because yeah. I think if you, if uh, probably most of you, I mean, most of us in this room will not remember the worst days of HIV because they happened mm. really in the, 80s, in, the, in the in the 1980s, yeah. and we have to remember that HIV still kills about 1.7 million people every year. Mm. 1.3 to 1.7 million people every year. Thankfully, the number of deaths due to HIV are going down. Mm. Most of the people who, who die from HIV unfortunately die because they don't have access to medications. Thankfully, right. this, it doesn't happen in, in Singapore, but mm. it does happen in many other parts of the world as well. Advances and the progress that we have had is actually due to a uh, non-stop sort of uh, uh, drive to try to find a cure, right? Because we've talked about un- an undetectable viral load, we've talked about a suppressed viral load and not being transmittable to, uh, you know, to, to an unborn child or to your sexual partners. But HIV is still, unfortunately for now, incurable in that sense. We can't mm. eliminate it from our systems. There have been a handful of cases uh, in, 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 in history. Mm. Uh, these have probably occurred as a matter of um, very, very good luck uh, and, and very, very chance occurrences. La. Right. right. Of and actually being cured of it. Of actually being cured. I think it. recently there was one girl, yeah. one lady. Yeah. yeah. 
So they have some quirk in their immune system that, that has enabled them to eliminate the virus from their system. Uh, one other patient, uh, you know, who has since unfortunately died, uh, was cured when he received a bone marrow transplant. Mm. Ah, oh, that one. I yeah, read about that. Unfortunately, he had to have a bone marrow transplant because he also had a very aggressive form of leukemia. So right. You, you, oh, shit. Yeah, so you don't... It's it's not really practical for us to do that for all our patients at this point. Mm. Especially given that medications nowadays are so effective. They yeah. have so few side effects and they are generally easy to take. So we talk about like the, the evolution and the progress that we've made in the medical side of things, yep. right? And the fact that if it's undetectable, like... You, you could practically almost live as normal a life as possible, yep. right? In that yep. sense. But yet there's still a lot of stigma associated with it. Like we look at like what John said also, like even though he he knows about this, he still went to that, that safe haven and was still a little bit scared and paranoid about stuff, right? Right. Let alone what about those who are still misinformed. So I think like just like two years ago, there was an article about a man who like said that because he told his workplace he had HIV, he was terminated. Right, right. You know, he was working he was working at this F and B restaurant. And like the F&B like place came out to say that oh we terminated him because he wasn't honest on his application form about his health status. Sure. We then sparked another debate about why do you need to be declaring your your HIV health status um, if it doesn't affect like your work performance to 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 that extent la. So right. like the stigma is still very very real, especially for people living with with HIV as well. Mm. Like in terms of like your interaction with patients, like do they talk to you about like some of these grievances, a lot of these concerns? Yeah, I think definitely the the nature of uh, of my work is that uh, oftentimes once I um, you know once a patient comes to see me, I I walk that journey with that patient for his or her life, you know, for for, for their lives because HIV oh, wow. is like a lifelong disease. What a privilege, right? huh? So yes, it's 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 really a privilege for me because um, uh, I we we. I see them through, um, you know, what it was like when they were first diagnosed to, you know, getting them through uh, to, to being on medications and then eventually on the other side when when uh, their HIV almost becomes a non-issue because, you know, mm. their health is, is back to normal, you know, back to what it was like before. How long is that process, you think, like typically? So, um, it depends on what stage they start treatment at. Because remember mm. we were saying just now, right? It, but I, a range? Le? Um, generally speaking, uh, within about three to four months of treatment, right. uh, most people are- And treatment is just oral meds? Yeah. Uh, majority of my patients take one or two tablets once a day. Right. So it's- it's Even after the undetectable viral load, they're still taking this? Yes. Okay. Yes. So I tell them that, uh, you know, most, most, of, most of my patients, you know, the younger ones, I'll tell them, you know, you have parents at home. Likelihood is that some of them have high blood pressure, some of them have diabetes, right? They're also taking tablets every day. Yeah. We never talk about curing diabetes or curing hypertension. It's, it's not exactly the same, but yeah. it's a similar concept. You take a daily medication to control a medical condition that you cannot cure, mm. but with this tablet that you take, you can control it so that you don't get any um, yeah. problems like, that arise from it. Yeah. Oh, that's good. I mean, based on my impression, like people living with HIVs do go through physical changes and such, right? Does it actually affect their work? Um, I think there's sort of two parts to your question, right? whether they experience physical changes and yeah. whether it affects their work. Yeah. Mm. Uh, so the, sim- the, the part that's simpler to answer is whether there are any physical changes. And I would mm. say that um, there was a time, maybe 20 plus years ago, when uh, people were saying that, oh, you know, I... I, I don't want to go on medications because you could... Uh, there, there were some older medications where the side effects could change the physical appearance of people. Is it, they, so based on what I read, yeah. it's like some abnormal fat distribution or yeah. like you get very visible veins right. and stuff. Yeah. 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 So that is really... 
uh, I would say two decades ago. Oh. Those medications are no longer being used. You're like the doctor's worst nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> the fuller try and diagnose you, then you're like, no, that's not what I read. But <laughs> <laughs> Google say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, WebMD, doctor. So this, and those of course, if you don't get treatment and you fall sick, then there might be some physical changes that come about from that. And the most common one would be like weight loss because your body is constantly trying to fight an infection. Right. But I would say that for most of my patients, once they start medications, um, they, you know, they, 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 there are no real physical changes, either in appearance mm. or in uh, the way that they're able to live yeah. day to day, mm. right? Um, because essentially their health and their immune system is maintained mm. at, at, at uh, levels that are almost the same as, as it was before they were infected. Mm. So then the second part of that question, which I think you kind of talked about as well, which is um, with regards to uh, whether it affects their work or not. If your health is in good shape and your immune system is, 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 is you know, functioning as it should be, then there's no reason why it uh, affects your work. But, um, and you know, in a throwback to what you were talking about just now about the, the article, um, in almost all professions, HIV does not affect your work, mm. right? Because uh, it is, as you pointed out as well, only uh, transmitted through contact with infected body fluids, right? Mm. Blood, uh, semen, other sexual fluids, and so on. Uh, and well, I would say um, that in most workplaces, yeah. that's not an issue. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully not. Uh, hopefully not an issue, yes. So uh, there are certain things where, especially in healthcare, uh, where there are what we call more exposure-prone um, uh, 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 practices. Yeah. But even then, if a person has an undetectable viral load, then you know the risk of transmitting it on to others is practically zero. Mm. So uh, I would say that workplace, uh, or rather the workplace is really a place where concerns and fears about HIV uh, should be looked at mm. much more um, critically. And, and, and that would be really key to reducing the stigma that people living with HIV face in their everyday lives. Okay, okay so um, we have nicely compiled like a bunch of like perceptions or misconceptions that people might have about HIV. Well, we don't know whether they're misconceptions yet, but perceptions that people have I about know, HIV. I know, I know, I know it is. And so uh, John is very, very confident, but what we're going <laughs> to do is that I'm going I'm to say this out, the other three are going to guess, and then Dr. Wong's going to confirm whether we are correct or okay, not. Okay, given that I'm a okay. teacher's pet, I'm going to get this all correct. Testing positive for HIV is a death sentence. Myth. Myth. I would say myth as well. Our producers compiled this, so I, I don't know the answers. So it is, it is a myth. Yeah, because with uh, treatment nowadays, even people with late stage infection, yeah. you know, if they stay on their treatment, their health can essentially get much, much better. Yeah, and, and they can go on to live uh, lives that are no different from that of others. Great. Yeah. So what happens if you don't treat it? So with HIV that's not treated, your immune system will continue to get weaker and weaker. Uh-huh. And uh, if people still don't stay on treatment, it can be, uh, you know, it can be sort of life-threatening. And, you know, in the past, people who, who, who die from HIV infection is generally because of a lack of access to treatment. Okay, mm-hmm. no, but how do, how do I die? Uh, usually because of uh, <laughs> severe infections. Right. Yeah. Any, it's like diabetes Because yes. you get cut It doesn't heal Your immune right. system is weaker yeah. so right. People get lung infections Brain infections And so right. on right. Thankfully right. we are seeing That less and less commonly Nowadays Because treatment Is so widely available Right, right. Yeah. Okay. Like you, you can die From a cough like, In that sense um, A cough is a symptom Of right. yeah, yeah. So uh, you can die Of a cough That's a caused by A lung infection Or right. a right. infection right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But is treatment For HIV And treatment for AIDS Different 
Uh, no, it's not. So treatment for, remember I said the HIV is the virus that mm. causes AIDS. Mm. So HIV infection and AIDS are kind of, if you think about it, like on a spectrum, right? Mm. It's like the, the, the mild, moderate, and then severe, uh. but they're all kind of the same thing. Right. So the treatment for it is the same. You want to stop the virus and you do that with the HIV medications. Okay. Mm. Yeah. Okay. But does the dosage change? No. Okay. No. You can tell if someone has HIV or AIDS simply by looking at them. I bet you. I bet a doctor kind of. No, I feel like guess, depends though. on which which stage they are at. Okay, we go with HIV first. If they just detected HIV. Ah, uh, just detected. No myth. No uh, myth. Myth. Right. Yeah, yeah. Myth. No, but as, as, <laughs> a, as a very trained physician. No, there's, there's really me? no way. There's really no way to but tell. But you mentioned like the weight loss and all that. Then so that's if it's very very advanced. But remember, yeah. people can lose, lose weight, weight for anything. a lot of reasons. That's also true. Right? They can yeah. be trying to lose weight. They could have other medical conditions. The only way you'll know if you are HIV infected or not is to get a test. Okay. Right. And so you know, if if there's only one thing to remember is that um, for people who are at risk, or even if you don't know what your risk is mm. and you you want to know whether you are HIV infected or not, go and get a test. There are many ways to do so. Uh, Almost any clinic will be able to do so. And ah. there are 10 sites around Singapore where you can also get an anonymous test if you don't feel comfortable registering with your name and your IC number, for example. Oh. Oh. Yeah, yeah. So Wait, it's an on-the-spot test? Uh? Um, so there are different kinds of tests. There are rapid tests, which you can get a result within 20 minutes. Like an ART. Yeah, it's very similar to ARTs. Mm. Uh, but the difference with the ART for COVID is that at least at the current moment, you can't buy it and do it yourself at home. Right. You still have to go to a facility like a clinic or, or like a testing site and get it done there. Okay. But you can get results within 20 minutes. Uh, and then, of course, if you go to other places where you get the, the normal blood tests and so on, it takes uh, you know, a couple of days for the results to come back. Uh, but uh, that's the only way you'll know whether you're HIV infected or not, for sure. Right. Okay. Yeah. No, so I, I want to say, right, like, like back then, I was on like dating apps and shit, right? Still. still? Oh no no you're not already. Back then, yeah. Congrats. Oh, oh, hey. Hey. This this has to stop coming out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but anyway, anyway. No, so I was talking to this one girl and then she was asking me whether like I, I got tests. I got tests or not. Mm. Yeah, because she's a nurse. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Then she says that she she hooks up regularly with like a bunch of people and then she always gets tested. And then she makes sure that the other person gets tested before she hooks up with them. Then, oh nice. Yeah, then she asked me whether I got tests or not. I mean I but I I don't do one night stands, okay? But it's sure. just like uh no, no. So because it was that was the problem. Because then I never it never occurred to me that whether I should go and get tested or not. Right. And then right when she asked me that, I thinking like even even if I'm not gonna hook up, right? Should I just go and get tested? You know. Then I start to think about like I I scared that you might have it. Ah. So, and then I, you went to get tested. No, I never. Oh, so, until now, oh, you he, he still I just don't understand it enough. Right, yeah, right. yeah, then I feel like oh, I, I don't want to know I don't, Should I know So like, today we prepared A special test kit for John <laughs> <laughs> You need to ejaculate into a cup That's okay. not how you do it <laughs> 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 no, But that's the thing right like, like should people do it regularly Or is there something That you can feel in your body That makes you go like Okay I should go and get tested Yeah, yeah. so once again Just as you can't tell By looking at a person Even if you're infected You can't really feel it Until mm. it's at a late stage Where you start to fall sick oh. So sometimes people say, oh, you know, I, I don't want to get tested because I feel fine, right? But that's that's really uh, not the right way to, to, to go about it. Le. Now, does everybody need to get a test? Obviously, if you've never been exposed to HIV, if you've got zero risk of being infected, if let's say you've never been sexually active before, right. never shared needles with anyone before, never had a blood transfusion outside the country before, then there's no way the virus could have come 
Mm. Uh, you could have been infected. But anybody who's ever been sexually active, especially if you've been sexually active with multiple partners, let's say, or there's been a chance that you might have had unprotected sex in the past. Not us. We are clear. Then, then, then it's important to get tested. Another conversation also is about how people living with HIVs come out about it to like family and like people around them. Right? Right, right. Do you have any anecdotes of like patients who've struggled with that? Um, I think I would say that for most people, especially in the you know, the, the early stages of being infected, it's going to be challenging, right? Mm-hmm. I think you talked about just now about how HIV is this, uh, uh, it's tied closely to sex and anything that's tied closely to sex, especially in, an, in, a, in a society and a community like ours, it's difficult to talk about openly. Mm-hmm. And any sexually transmitted disease is similarly difficult to talk about. Um, most of my patients, I would say, have had some difficulty coming out to their loved ones about it. Uh, primarily because there's so much taboo still surrounding HIV and some people have a sense of shame about it some people have a sense of um, uh, regret about it but I would say that it's that is also changing with time and as we explain that you know living with HIV is just like living with any other chronic medical condition then we help our patients work through uh, some of that shame and that guilt that they feel mm. uh, but you know I, I, I have I have stories of um, I mean I've, I've yeah, anecdotes of uh, husbands who find it difficult to tell their wives for example because it may have been something that happened prior to getting married okay right from from previous partner for example uh, I've got stories of um, older older patients having to come out to their children about it as well mm. and sometimes you know they that, that, that can cause some rift some drama within the yeah. family uh, so what we try to do is try to uh help mediate that mm. nah, right so I, I see maybe the whole family in my clinic and I talk about uh, about things most of the time the fear or the anger comes from a lack of knowledge yeah and so once mm. they know what it's all about once they know that you know it can be treated it can be managed the risk of uh, spreading it to people within the family is practically zero then a lot of that goes away uh, yeah, is there like a most common question or misconception that that they have when they come and sit down with you in in your clinic? Oh, the number one question is always, "Oh, how long do I have left?" La? and I always oh, have to tell no. them that. Well, um, it's you know that question is, I mean, I don't say it like that, but it's almost like I tell them it's not really that relevant anymore, right? Yeah, how long yeah, would you yeah, like yeah. to? What a great answer <laughs> to give, though. It's an outdated question. Yeah, so I just tell them that actually, once you start treatment, you, it will be exactly the same amount of time you would have had. Before your HIV infection, yeah. right. you and I can't predict that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know that, but it's not any shorter because could be of next the week, HIV. though. <laughs> no, but that's a great point. Yeah, yeah. it's not yeah. any shorter because of the HIV. Yeah, yeah. Okay. okay, can mosquitoes spread HIV uh, through mosquito bites? Isn't that malaria? Oh, that sounds that sounds yesy. Man. Like if they bite a uh, uh, HIV, HIV positive person oh. and then they bite someone else, can I think spread? the answer is yes, right? But it's a specific mosquito breed. No, that's for malaria. No, or AIDS or dengue. No, so so uh. the thing is, is that she <laughs> we totally don't know. <laughs> Apparently, and I don't know whether I've been misinformed, right? But I know, I believe my parents got dengue because um, oh, uh, someone is. someone bit like uh, a dengue patient, and then like oh, yeah, that's exactly how dengue spreads, right? Okay, well, thank you, John, for your very condescending. Uh, uh, don't be sad then. Don't be sad then. So yeah, la, so, so so what's your answer? Well, now that you say that, it feels like a yes. I'll say yes, ah. Uh. It's like a fact. No, it's it's a completely a myth. What? Yeah. So he made me change my answer. <laughs> <laughs> so things like dengue and malaria, which are mosquito-borne 
diseases, right, are spread through mosquitoes because they also infect the mosquitoes themselves. Uh, uh, one thing about viruses... Then, is then why the mosquitoes don't die? Um, because the... Do you really want me to go into no. this? No. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I really wanted to check. Wait, ask the big questions. You, no, you can read up. Because I honestly think that they, they were just carrying blood around. I didn't think they got infected. Yeah, so the uh, thing about viruses is that they're very particular about what they infect. So like the HIV virus, for example, cannot infect your dog or your cat. So annoying. Right? So it is a human immunodeficiency virus. It was DIV for dogs. Once it's outside of the human body, it can't survive. So if uh, if a mosquito bites me and I've got virus in my blood, once it goes into the mosquito, the virus dies. It okay. cannot oh, be transmitted. Right. Right. Yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> so we understand that like it is transmittable by bodily fluids, right? So what if he has HIV? He cut his hand, then mm. the blood drip out. I think then I put in my I lick, as opposed to blood to blood mm. because saliva doesn't matter, right? Mm. Mm. Will I get HIV? The risk is extremely low. Right. But uh, to say that it's zero would not be correct either. Mm. Okay. Uh, most of the time, you not need direct, so dumb. You need direct contact, and the virus needs to enter into your bloodstream. So most right. of the time, you know, our mouth, unless there's a big cut or an ulcer or something where where you know there's a possibility that the virus oh. could enter into your bloodstream. The chance of transmission is extremely low. But we would not recommend licking the blood for anybody, <laughs> regardless of the circumstances. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, but what if you get bitten by a snake, then you take out the poison? You should also not do that to take out the poison from a snake bite. Like on TV, they stuck, then they spit, right? Like, should I save his life or try to get hit every like? Yeah. Oh, no, this is horrible, horrible dilemma. Back to the game. <laughs> so if I have a cut and he has a cut and our cuts touch for some reason, like. Yeah, so I think if one open wound is exposed to another open wound, then and there's blood, right? Yeah. Then yeah. the risk is of course higher. Yeah, okay. yeah. But why would you? But why would you? Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. So no, no, like we shake hands, man. You know what I mean? Like we don't push <laughs> out on the floor. We bleed because we mainly men, right? Yeah. Then we shake hands. No, it's good it's workout. A, exactly, it's, it's a stupid <laughs> question, right? But I think a lot of like even though I am educated now yeah. on the HIV, um, uh, on, a, on HIV to yeah. a small extent, uh huh. Yeah, to a small extent, I feel like there's still a lot of paranoia around it because of like. What of that one percent freak chance of something like that happening, right? So yeah, so like the menstrual blood thing I had in my head when mm. I sat on the toilet bowl. Oh, yeah. That's that's valid, right? Or is that not valid? It's not really that valid because once again, remember, once the virus is out of your bloodstream, regardless of whether it's in a mosquito or it's mm. exposed to the air, on the virus dies bowl, yeah. very very quickly. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay, okay, so okay, okay. a lot of those fears about sharing toilets and all that are also completely myth. La. Okay. Yeah. And okay. also from sharing toilet, it will not enter your bloodstream. Ah. Hanging in the toilet bowl, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I, I, I completely <laughs> don't know, man. <laughs> Is there a chance of contracting HIV when sharing food with a person living with HIV? Myth. Yeah. I would say myth. No, no chance. Ah. If the food is. <laughs> what if the food is cold, though? Huh? If the food is hot, you might cook it, right? Give it to But me. if say, okay, if say, right, both have ulcer or one uh-huh. person got cut in the mouth. Or like something like that. Yeah, but they're not sharing the food that they put in their mouth, right? No, it <laughs> need- <laughs> <laughs> no like you say the, the mother yeah, yeah. chew the food first, then spit the, the baby. Oh yeah, mouth. They, yeah. They, yeah. And then the mother can also. <laughs> yeah, it's possible, right? If the food is cold, la. if it's hot, you cook the thing. It's ma. only possible if both of them have a cut in their mouth. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not trying to make it happen. I just want to yeah, yeah, yeah. see if there's a possibility. It's very right? hard already, yeah. Mm. So I think we are all describing circumstances which hardly ever occur in real life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So never, no, never covering see, bases. Food, sharing food and drinks does not uh, yep. transmit HIV. So strange, oh. what a virus. Oh. 
It's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, so, yeah. it's such a unique it's feature. Weird. No, but it's so sad because of the misconception. A lot of people, a lot exactly. of people living with HIV don't really have that that social life that like a lot of people can enjoy like, mm. without HIV. It's so mm. it's quite sad. Mm. So let's educate more people and like please spread the awareness and HIV positivity. No, just now earlier on you said that like every year how many people die from HIV? One point seven million. Um, it's it's in the millions. Okay. I mean, one point something million. But thankfully, that number has come down in recent years. Right, so like, right, what is it like now, right, roughly? Uh, well, you're really putting me on the spot yeah, here. I think the latest right. one was, um, I think it had dropped to less than a million. Okay, yeah, so like or, comparing with like yeah. all the other viruses, right? How how highly ranked is this? Like, how how serious is it? Oh, oh, so um, I mean, the main the major killer of people from infectious diseases. I mean, prior to the COVID sort of, you know, the, the COVID times that we are in now, uh, are other infectious diseases like tuberculosis, yeah. you know, like things yeah. like malaria, uh, which are still major killers of, of people. Uh, most children die of infectious um, causes of diarrhea, for example, due to dehydration. Mm. But HIV is still, you know, a, a, a huge killer. And the, the problem, I mean, or the tragedy with HIV is that it tends to affect people who are sexually active who also tend to be younger and economically active and contribute, you know, they are the breadwinners of their family, mm. their parents of young children. So HIV deaths are truly tragic because A, they are preventable and B, they often lead to, um, uh, uh, you know, issues within families, issues within mm. societies. Like, yeah. Yeah. So I've got okay. some statistics. Oh, um, yes. <laughs> so in 2020, right, there were 37.7 million people globally living with yep. HIV. Uh, 1.5 million became newly infected in yep. 2020. 680,000 died from AIDS-related illnesses in 2020. Yeah, you so compare this, 700,000, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, compare yeah, this with quite TB. Quite spot on, actually. Yeah, very, very spot on. You compare this with TB, in 2020, 1.5 million people died from, mm, from right. tuberculosis. Damn. So in, in Singapore, there's no reason to, to really die from HIV anymore, right? Um, so it's interesting you say that because many of our people living with HIV now, uh, we are seeing that as they grow older with HIV, the reasons of, the causes of sort of death and passing away are actually not related to HIV, right? They yeah. have age-related problems of cancer, other things that are, you know, sort of not age-related and that shift away from uh, dying of HIV to dying with HIV is uh, actually a testament to the success mm, of our yeah, treatments. Like, yeah. 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 So, like how likely is a cure? Because it's been, there's been news of it constantly, right? but mm. we've still not found one even after 40 years. Yeah, the, the problem with HIV is that it is an extremely complex virus and that all of the usual techniques that we have tried to apply to it that have been able to cure other diseases don't quite work as well. Mm. Uh, but uh, we are continuing to research and, and, and try to do it. And in fact, a lot of the scientific progress and advancements uh, that we have used in our fight against COVID, for example, have come about as a byproduct of our uh, oh. research into HIV, yeah. okay. right? So I think, you know, um, whether it's, it's the, the medications that we use or even the vaccine technologies that mm. we have, have been, have come about because of how much resources and time and effort and, and human ingenuity have gone into HIV research. Mm. So um, we are marginally closer today than we were five years ago and we were slightly closer today than we were 10 years ago. Um, I still have faith that I will see it in our lifetimes. Mm. Oh, wow. Uh, but until then, you know, I what I tell my patients is that I want to keep you healthy 
until the day that a cure is available. Mm. And that's why you have to, you know. Because I mean, even after the cure, the difference is that you don't take that one pill a day. Other than yes. that, there's no other yeah. difference. Oh, so undetectable means you still need to take the pill every day, but cure means you don't need to take the pill. Yeah. Yes. You, are, you are taking the pill to keep it undetectable. Yes. Right, right, right. Yeah. Exactly. There was this very good uh, short film by, I think, like, Bu Jun Fong, Fong right? Yeah, you seen that? Which one? The the the, the long like one take one about the the nurse the the first nurse eh? Iris Iris Fergus. Ah, yes. you know her? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. She, she um she uh was still working when I joined. Oh, uh, damn. Sorry, who is she? No, so basically the I think it was the first ever case in Singapore, right? One of the first cases. Oh, one of the yeah, first cases. The so first that cases. everybody they don't understand this, ma. So they all scared. So she was one of the few nurses who go and volunteer to go and take care and help wow, the patient. Like mother Teresa. Yeah. So Bunjufeng did a, a a short film about about mm. her. Yeah, damn good, damn good show. You all should go and watch. Oh, so you met you, you know? Yeah, her? yeah, yeah. I know Iris. She's damn. a lovely, lovely, lovely lady. That's yeah. so, so cool. cool. It's yeah, it's really cool. Let me think of historical yeah. figures. Yeah, yeah, it's like Spider Man. Speaking of Spider Man, like so, Andrew <laughs> Garfield, he he started in this show called Tick Tick Boom. I don't know if you see. Yes, it. yes, yes. And so it was so like jarring to me because like they were living in the eight, uh, no 1990s, right? And basically all his friends, like so many of his friends, were just dying like every week. Spoiler alert. Mm. Yeah. And then what was, what was interesting <laughs> yeah. to know, right, was that his best friend in the show who was uh, well, then diagnosed spoiler. with HIV, again, massive spoiler, but like you guys are not going to watch it if you haven't watched it by now, yeah. right, okay? Probably not. Uh, so in the show, right, his friend, uh, a, a big turn in the show was that his friend got diagnosed with HIV, and this was in the 1990s, right? He's still alive today, hmm. that friend. Right. And it was so interesting, you know, because like in the whole show, it really was such a downturn. In like uh in the main character's life lah, mm. but it's crazy to think that the eighth pandemic at that point of time, like every so many people were just dying, um and and now we've gotten to a stage where where you can you can live. I think if you look at how um the reporting of HIV is or like terms that they are using in the media, right, it has also changed quite a bit yeah. from like nineteen eighties nineteen nineties where they called them like lepers, or mm. like they they called them um they called it an incurable like mystery disease. It really wasn't. Yeah, yeah. and I think we've really come a long way from that lah. Mm. Yeah. Is it true that AIDS came from men having sex with monkeys? No, it's not. Um, we have will you probably we will. I mean, we will probably never know the true story. But there's been uh, a body of research that shows that it probably made the jump from it did it did start off in apes in monkeys, uh, lowland gorillas and chimpanzees. Mm. But it probably made the jump when because uh, in that area and at that time and even up to now actually. Uh, there is a practice of eating what they call bushmeat, which is you know like basically wildlife, right? That you yeah. hunt and you eat, mm. and uh, the 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 theory, which of course can never be proven, but there's good evidence to suggest that that is what happened, was that as somebody was butchering it, they probably cut themselves and then were stained. And also, you know, when you're butchering an animal, there's right. a lot of blood. So that is probably when uh, uh, the jump was made, and we think going from. Um, some you know some research and some very very specialized uh, uh, methods that it probably happened maybe in the late 1970s so a few years before the oh, first cases oh it's rather young then oh my god then how did they find out they sexually transmitted yeah it's such a strange journey you know what I mean such a curveball from the creator <laughs> huh? he's, he's like everything goes by saliva but this one's when you you know he's like wow <laughs> such a curveball eh. yeah cause you probably make out your audience, so, so it could be saliva right 
Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. So you, they had to do a they test. They really eliminate lah. Yalah, they beat the same point. That could be tears, for example. Don't make out. You do the other thing. <laughs> no, actually, the other way is just to test saliva, and saliva doesn't oh, have the yeah, virus. Oh, okay. That's why they pass the test. You're the doctor. So you're not just a doctor; you're the expert doctor. I feel like if if I have to take medication every single day, the most likely thing to happen is that I'll forget to take it for a few days or a week. Right. What's okay. the impact yeah. on that? Um. So the impact is actually, uh, if if this sort of uh, practice continues, right? If mm. patients kind of miss their medications, uh, even if it's occasionally, but mm. if it's a like a habit, you know, it happens for a long time, uh, the medications can actually fail. Right. Uh, so then the virus becomes what we call resistant. It doesn't uh, oh, get like suppressed by that uh, particular antiviral anymore. Okay. Uh, and then the viral load will go up and then it was, the virus will start attacking the immune system again. And so people can start to fall sick again. Right. So, um, you know, if I go back to my analogy before about HIV not being a one-way street, uh, it can be for good or it can be for bad as well. So that's why people need to be taking their medications regularly every day. Thankfully, we have a quite a wide variety or range right, of like antibiotics, really. Yeah, and and with antibiotics, you know, we always talk about antibiotic resistance, right? Yeah. There's antiviral resistance as well. We we don't Ooh. want that to happen. Yeah. What if I'm traveling like across like time zones? Then how? I usually will tell my patients you stick to Singapore time. Oh, yeah. Right. yeah. Okay, okay, that makes sense. Can you? Because <laughs> you, you can be born with it, right? Yes, you can. How then? How do you like? What's the earliest age you can detect it? And like, how does um, that work? So any baby that's born to a mum who's HIV infected, especially if the mum's viral load was not yet undetectable, right? Mm. Uh, and and I, I mean, to be honest, even if the mum's uh, viral load undet- uh, was undetectable, uh, they once they are born, we will test them at multiple points. Uh, for some cases, we are able to detect the virus right after, you know, at the point where the baby is born. Sometimes it takes a few more weeks before the virus is detectable and then we can make a diagnosis. Uh, but we start them on treatment. And so mm. they, you know... We, we, Sorry, we you start the mom or the baby? The baby. baby. Both. Both. Yeah, okay. Bo- born Whoever, ready, uh, right. Anyone who has HIV infection should be on treatment. Yep, yep. Yeah. Right. Mm. Are people resistant to treatment? Like when they first find out, for example? Uh, of course, they, they can be. Uh, and, you know, they, they, they might be in denial. They right. might be, um, you know, they, they might be depressed and, and hence not want to take uh, medications. They might be in shock, especially if it's something mm. that they were not expecting. Uh, they might be worried about the stigma of being seen with HIV medications, right? And, right. and all that, that entails. There are so many reasons. But our duty as, you know, as my, my, my team and I, as, as doctors, as, as nurses, as pharmacists, as social workers, is to help them process it and work through and get them on treatment as soon as we can. Okay, so the one question that maybe I can ask you is what can we do better to educate or to raise awareness about HIV? How can we how can we do it so that, you know, <laughs> you uh, maybe wouldn't have had these misconceptions at this, you know. Yeah, because it is necessary. Yeah, yeah. I think what concerns me is that like there's still somewhat this irrational fear like what John has described, right? Even though we know all this information, yeah. but then because we've never, in a sense, been in contact or like we don't, I personally don't know anyone who has been like infected, right? So yeah. then I think like it comes from like that, 
that, that disconnect law. Right. Like, because right. I've not had the chance to maybe like interact with people like firsthand and all that. And so I have that irrational fear in my head. Yeah. But I'm not sure what I, I mean, the solution to that is what they go on tour, but it cannot be. Uh, so nah, I don't know what the solution to I mean, that I, is. I mean, I don't know whether it's helpful to the cause to say this, but I think my concern is not in the faith of, like the trust of the medication and the system. It's in personal irresponsibility. Just like how COVID can even if we have a cure or even if now that we have vaccines, we are still dealing with it largely due to a lot of personal irresponsibility. Mm. Yeah, so what if you forgot to take the pill you don't say? What if you cut your hand you never say? What if you menstrual stain canada? Wait, say to who? Like say to who? I, I don't know, like to the people around you or like you just don't clean up after yourselves properly. I feel like that that was my concern, you know, because before going in, of course, I brought a team in to film ma. So I also went to Google To make sure Am I putting the team at risk ma? Yeah so We are okay with that Right there, there is, um, There's almost no risk Then the concern was What form of personal irresponsibility Could get my team infected Yeah yeah. Which today I understand that Even if you are not very responsible Also not easy to get infected la. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and, But that's the thing like, I think most of us came in Because we've researched for the topic beforehand And John like met with someone And, and knows about the topic beforehand But I think a, a lot of the public Don't know that This is a disease That cannot be transmissible Via saliva for example Right right. Or Or that they don't know That it's actually Meds That is pretty much Yeah like only yeah. Uh, Doing this Then I realised yeah. And then I learned all this So and, and To be honest Like like what, what she's saying right Like like for example, if if I never kena like tuberculosis or whatever, I will never know about you. I go and learn about you. I won't mm. bother. It's not something that you actively so, seek out to. Find yeah, out. but I think the main issue here is that there's discrimination from the people who don't have it or the people who don't know about it, right? Mm. So, I feel like it's the it's the people with HIV who should be more open about their circumstances, right? Around the people that they that they are that they are closer to. Like if mm. they're open about it, then I'm more inclined to ask, ma. But it's, then it's if also I ask, then I get educated Then I can tell other people It's easy to see Why it's difficult for them la. Of course la, Of yeah. course it's difficult So la. if I go HIV And be like well, No la, I won't spread one <laughs> You know what I mean And then you suddenly lose all your friends No but I think he's talking about How it's like a bit of a vicious cycle Because like They themselves are a bit scared to say Then that itself forms a taboo yeah. around it yeah. And then so people Who don't have it And like uh, Might have a more negative perception Towards that also. So it's kind of a chicken yeah, and egg Of course when we tie it back to the article right? I'm thinking like If Say somebody join our company and that person was HIV positive, we would, I think like maybe, okay lah, I don't want to be so like aggressive with this, but like <laughs> probably over a few conversations with them, right? I definitely will ask about you. Right? Probably the first lah. Uh, and yeah, that's right. But then I don't want to be so yeah. aggressive. Yeah. Like, the first lunch, the whole lunch time. time hey, tell us really? Yeah. <laughs> but then I think that would be my, my, my like the, the first point of access to this law, to this kind of information. Yeah. Yeah. Or oh, just come on the show more lah. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I mean, to answer yeah. your, your question to the point is the daily catch up lah. <laughs> this is the answer. No, I, I think yeah. HIV has been overly mystified. Yeah. Yes. Yes. It it's almost on a pedestal of viruses mm. that it feels very special and very scary. To be very honest, mm. yeah. Like if it was treated like uh, like any other like flu flu yeah, which it 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 seems like with medication is less than a flu lah. If it's if it's kind of treated and talked about it that way, I feel like we can educate the next generation. La. I mean, we grew up with Channel 8, really, so it's like this really. Because yeah, Channel 8 really. Yeah, Channel 8 really. <laughs> then heart attack. Like, oh, you know the heart attack. <laughs> I mean, if I could just... Yeah, I mean, th- thanks, for, thanks for answering that question. I think the... Um, 
you know, one thing I wanted to pick on what you said mm. is that, um, or, or other, you know, maybe expecting people living with HIV to speak up about it first is that uh, oftentimes the environment is not always the best, right? We have people living without HIV or people with misconceptions have perhaps created an environment which makes it very difficult for those conversations Mm. to be had. So I always feel that uh, maybe what we can do is continue this kind of conversation going at various levels so Mm. that gradually over time, the environment for people to feel comfortable bringing it up Mm. becomes better. And, And just as a last point to what you said about personal responsibility I think in my seven you know seven eight years of, of uh, being an HIV specialist uh, the the greatest fear that anyone living with HIV whether they've been in fact just newly diagnosed or been diagnosed for a long time is the fear of transmitting the virus onto other people True. I've never yeah. met mm, a single yeah. person who has been vindictive who, you know, who has taken, about it yeah, yeah, or yeah. taken a, a, an irresponsible attitude towards it I think uh, but that's TV also though Sorry the, the, yeah. yeah People that have it Then they're vindictive right So yeah. if I can't have sex You can't have sex yeah. So Talk I think the, the tragedy is that There's so much fear On their part Of transmitting to people Especially people they love Yeah yeah. Mm-hmm. So but I can tell like, I mean like the, the, the mental toll Like we talk about The physical toll right? But the mental toll Of having to live With that paranoia mm-hmm. Of mm-hmm. not transmitting That disease must mm-hmm. be Also such a burden Yeah Like With your experience Like how, how has that been Like in terms of it, their mental like state of mind, it, well. it, I mean, I've I've seen people who have been completely, you know, um, yeah, tortured by 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 a having to keep the secret, yeah. b living with the guilt, c living in this fear, perhaps irrational fear of transmitting on to people that they love and care about, people that they live with, and I would say that the real only thing we can do is to be compassionate about it mm-hmm. and to realize that some of these things I can help with, right? I can reassure them that uh, I am not afraid. I can create an environment that is uh, warmer and, and, and kinder to, to people living with all kinds of chronic diseases, not necessarily just HIV. Yep. Mm. Uh, and I think it's, you know, we, we talk about HIV being so, you know, you talked about like a, ex, ex, some pedestal, put on a pedestal, right? We can remove it from a pedestal, mm. right? And, and just talk about it as with any other chronic diseases. But sometimes we also have to realize that HIV, like you pointed out as well, is not like COVID, it's not like the flu because it's sexually transmitted. And anything that's, sexu- that's related to, to human sexuality is often a little bit more challenging to address and we have to mm. sort of approach it from a slightly different angle. Yeah. So there's no simple answers, unfortunately. And, and yeah. that's why I'm really appreciative and grateful that you invited me here because it's really true having these conversations. Yeah. And then yeah. I always tell people, right, no matter where I go, if you can go and talk to one other person about this and then ask that person mm. to also talk to and one other person. Spread it like this. an infection. Yeah. yeah. Hey, you Whoa. Go. Not necessarily Hey guys, thank you so much for watching Also a massive thank you to Dr. Wong for joining us today And also enlightening like enlightening us <laughs> enlightening. with like HIV knowledge and I hope you learn a thing or two as well and you help to spread that HIV positivity. Yeah. Don't spread mistruths lah. Okay. If you still uh, have any questions, maybe you can drop it in the comments and we can ans- we can debunk yeah. them too. Yeah. The and fellow experts here will help you <laughs> out. We'll try. We'll try. And there's <laughs> also a link uh, down below in the description box for more information about HIV and its treatments as well. Thank you so much for watching. If you enjoyed what you watched, remember to drop us a like, hit that notification button and subscribe. See you. Gurney, like conspiracy theories. Right? Is it true that AIDS came from men having sex with monkeys? If I have HIV and a mosquito bite me, then after that go and bite him, will he get HIV?
This is your daily catch-up. This episode was done in collaboration with the National HIV Program. And also, if you're enjoying the Daily Catch-Up podcast, do remember to drop us a sub, hit that notification button, and also like this video. So to debunk and demystify some of the uh, questions we have about AIDS and HIV, we've actually asked uh, Dr. Wong to join us today. So Dr. Wong, you would like to introduce yourself. Oh, okay. So um, I am a consultant infectious diseases physician. Uh, my specialty is actually HIV medicine. And uh, I've been doing it for quite a few years now. Right. I'm also deputy director of the National HIV Programme. Like you said, at the National Center for Infectious Diseases. Damn. So how do you like come to specialize in like HIV? And why? Yeah. Ah, okay. Um, I'll answer the why first. It's more interesting than the how. I think. Yeah. <laughs> Content. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, so I, uh, when I joined medical school, uh, in the first year of medical school, we had the option during the holidays of volunteering, and then I decided we decided to go and volunteer action for AIDS, and I think okay. that's where I sort of figured that, oh, you know, I found something that I really enjoyed doing and it was a underserved cause, I think. Most people don't really want to go into HIV medicine. Mm. And I met some inspiring mentors along the way who sort of um, nurtured that interest. And I, I must say, I have no regrets. I really, really enjoy what I do every day. Oh, that's so um, nice to say. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> The what that I do, um, so I mean my day-to-day -day work is still as a infectious diseases doctor, so I see other infectious diseases apart from HIV, okay. but the, the main bulk of uh, the work that I do is develop uh, programs to uh, try to fight, I mean to lead the fight against HIV in Singapore at least, so that uh, ranges from providing clinical care to patients all the way to designing programs to help them and uh, advising uh, other stakeholders on what to do because uh, obviously the fight against HIV is not just for doctors but, but it's a community level thing mm. as well yeah okay. so how long have you been doing this for? I became a specialist in 2014 so that's oh well, how old are you? I am 38 Oh, wow. 38 but he's deputy director yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, but so I'm curious right because you mentioned that you started volunteering quite a while back right, right? right. do you think that the so like the HIV movement in a sense has like has progress changed evolved. has progressed yeah thank you yeah I, I think I think uh, it definitely has um, oftentimes I think in Singapore we we, we uh, bemoan the fact that oh things are not as progressive or as advanced as in other countries but I think Every setting and every country is, is slightly different. But, you know, from the time that I started volunteering, and this was in 2001 to now, it's like been 20 years, uh, the changes are actually innumerable uh, in terms of access to treatment. You're using a lot of words, I don't know. <laughs> okay, so bemoan yes, means yeah, complain. Let's <laughs> keep Jermaine to the conversation. <laughs> uh, no, so I think in terms of access to treatment, in terms of uh, where people can go to get tested, and even in terms of the um, the campaigns, the advertising campaigns and awareness campaigns that are out there, I don't know if you have seen some of the uh, posters around bus stops and mm. uh, MRT stations. You know, they've just come out in the recent few days uh, to few weeks. Uh, they've actually featured you know a person living with HIV who's mm. out about her status, and um, you know talking about about how people living with HIV can live lives just as anyone else. Mm. So, I think even ten years ago. Five years ago, this would have been quite unimaginable, but yeah. you know, oh. things have changed a lot. And also, um, for a long time, medications in Singapore are quite expensive. But in 2020, you know, almost every single 
one of the HIV medications that we use on a day-to-day basis have become subsidized as well. So okay. I think things have things subsidized have to a very surprising amount. I heard, mm. right? Are you able to drop a number? Um, so it depends on what the medications are, and it depends on uh, a number of other factors as well. But the subsidies can go up to you know seventy-five percent or even more than that. Yep. Yeah. So yeah. we 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 covered um, at least one or two HIV stories mm. in, in I mean as MOSG before, and. To be honest, when I was there, it was quite scary because I was I was not sure what that that place was for. Um, what place? So, uh, I mean, I, I don't remember the name of the place, right? Uh. But basically, it's 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 run by a little association union guy, and he also has HIV, and he someone very nicely just gave his shop house unutilized for him to hold his little um, like little support group thing. And when it's very nice, it's like. Got guitars and you know, got like people just go there and hang because many of them. What he's trying to, what he's trying to fight here is that many of them get shunned by their own family mm. and they have no place to crash. They got no friends to hang with. Then no one accepts them. Yeah, yeah and so they they and just come. Even. Yeah, and and because the building was rather old, right? So you walk in, then I could smell the, I could smell the oldness of the building. <laughs> then, why I'm, then you start wondering, why am I smelling? Why am I smelling? You know, because. Then you, the, really, because there is there is that lack of of education on yeah, yeah, yeah. why it is right because from from TV the knowledge ends at transmittable by blood right your saliva or wangkana, but then when I sit on the toilet bowl that time I'm thinking eh menstrual blood wangkana, you know what if you now wipe you going girls toilet no I mean it's, it's a it's a shop house with one toilet oh. yeah so I just I mean I every shoot I need to pee at the location <laughs> I don't know <laughs> it's a thing understandable <laughs> oh my, my god he marking like his territory yeah. <laughs> My bladder, my bladder is like this. Uh, yeah, and, and so it was quite surprising. What I learned was that he was saying about how, I mean, th- this was at least back then, line for the condition he was talking about, right? That HIV meds is like twenty bucks uh, a month or something like that. Each one, uh, am I am I very off? Um, I I think it depends on what you were talking about. There was mm. a time before the subsidies kicked in, mm. um, where. Uh, you know that there were access to medications from other sources as well. So there are neighboring countries that make generic, what we call generic medications, right. um, that are sort of not the brand name medications, and right. they are allowed to do so under special uh, dispensations la, from the World Trade Organization as right. well. So uh, some of these uh, medications are used by patients in countries other than where they are produced, including in Singapore. Yeah. Yeah. So sometimes those are a lot cheaper. Uh, but nowadays, with the uh, the subsidies that we have, uh, you know, it's generally people don't have to go down that route anymore because right. almost everyone in Singapore who needs medications has access to them mm-hmm. yeah. uh, through through through. And, and they were saying he was he was, so he was yeah. telling me as well that with medication, right, yeah. the viral load is suppressed to the point whereby yeah. it's close to be like undetected already. Yes. Yeah, and which is like oh, in all like no matter when they discover it. Yes. So. Oh. Um, one of the things that I tell my patients often when they come in to see me in clinic, right, is that uh, even though we, we talk about HIV as like um, it's a, on a spectrum, so you have early infection when you are detected mm. very early after, after, after being infected, all the way to late or advanced infection. But it's quite different from other medical conditions where you have late stage disease, right? We think mm. about late stage disease often as like a one-way road where it's mm. irreversible. Once Terminal. you pass certain milestones, there's no turning back. But with HIV, it's very, very different. Uh, I can have a patient in my clinic who was infected last month and a patient who was infected 10 years ago with very, very different health 
statuses. But as long as they start HIV medications and they stay on their HIV medications, they can have exactly the same outcome uh, where even a, late, a person with late stage infection can enjoy you know, the same kind of good health and good immune system that they had before they were right. infected. Right. Yeah. What's HIV actually? Okay. What does no, it do you all know what it stands for? Humano immuno. Eh? Yeah, okay, I, I, don't, I don't exactly know what is it. <laughs> but then also, right, when I go and Google, right, it says it's slash AIDS, right? Mm. Then, is it the same thing? No, one leads to another. AIDS oh. is acquired. God damn, the knees dropping knowledge. Because hey, <laughs> I researched for this episode. <laughs> <laughs> I know you get HIV first, la, right? And then, yes. and then you get AIDS. So yeah. HIV, uh, I think you are almost there. You know, human immunodeficiency virus. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you, you are too kind. <laughs> <laughs> they missed like half of it. So they got virus. <laughs> so the immuno part refers to our immune system, which of course keeps us safe from infections, uh, you know, from bacteria, from viruses, from parasites, anything that gets into our body, the immune system takes yeah care of it makes mm-hmm. us prevents us from falling sick deficiency means you know a lack of something right so the hiv is a uh, is a virus uh, aids stands for the acquired immunodeficiency syndrome so you're right uh, and uh, one leads to the other so just because a person has hiv infection doesn't mean that they have aids aids is yeah. what happens when you have the hiv infection you don't get treatment and your immune system gets progressively weakened, right? Mm. Uh, so the, the HIV virus when it's in our body, what it does is that it attacks a particular part of the immune system called a, a, a particular kind of white cell, called a white blood cell called a T helper lymphocyte or CD4 cell. So sometimes, you know, when you go online and you read about HIV, they you know, checking <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe I'll dial it back a little bit. So it yeah. weakens the immune system. And then when our yeah. immune system is weak, we fall sick more easily. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I understand. <laughs> Yeah, so back to the question, right? Like, so how does the, how exactly does the medication work? Mm. So HIV medications, um, I mean, the, the, the technical term for that are antiretrovirals. So they are antivirals, lah, basically. Okay. Uh, and what they do is that they stop the virus from creating more copies of itself or replicating. And so when you do that, you stop the virus from infecting your immune system or attacking your immune system. Mm-hmm. And uh, so you, you remain healthy. Uh, right. So... What you were talking about just now with uh, suppressing the virus to an undetectable level, right? Yeah. Basically, if, if let's say I'm HIV infected and you, you take a sample of my blood uh, and you send it to the lab uh, and I'm not yet on treatment, the lab can actually run the blood test through a machine and it can actually count how many viruses oh. there are per drop of blood. So remember that virus oh, is ridiculous. Yeah. Very, 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 very small, right? Yeah. Yeah. So in one single drop of blood of one milliliter, it can you can have thousands of viruses all the way up to millions of viruses. That's because viruses yeah. are very, very small. Um, but once you start <laughs> taking medications, you, and I, you know, you, you do the same blood test through the same machine, you can actually have so few viruses that you can't. The machine can't count them anymore. Oh. So it, it comes back with a with a result that says it's undetectable right right right, right. I, have, I have a dumb question so n- of course not encouraging a test of this matter right? right but let's say the viral load is low until undetectable should that person have unprotected sex what are the chances of infection so i am often asked that question and i will usually um answer in this way i have many patients who are married couples right mm. where one person is hiv positive and one partner is HIV negative and they want to have a baby. Oh, right. right. Right? So obviously you can't have, uh, you, you have to have 
uh, condomless sex in order yeah. to have a baby, right? For conception to take place. So my, my, my patients always come into my clinic and ask, hey, can or not? I don't want to infect my wife. Mm. And I tell them that, well, once you're on medication and your viral load is undetectable, there is practically no risk of you infecting your, your So sick. From I feel like because HIV is a... It's related to sex, which is like a carnal nature of human beings, right? Mm. It has... I mean, there's so much misconception, but it's also very privileged in the sense of funding. In, in the sense of research. In a sense, you know what I mean? I feel like there are so many problems in the world, right? Yeah. But HIV has gotten a lot of support. Because everyone wants to have sex. And yeah, and people, and because people <laughs> want to have sex, right? Like, everyone reach guy Kanana, he's like, oh my God, I'm going to fund this, right? Yeah. It wasn't always like that. Because yeah. I think if you, if uh, probably most of you, I mean, most of us in this room will not remember the worst days of HIV because they happened mm. really in, the, in, the, in the 1980s. Yeah. And we have to remember that HIV still kills about 1.7 million people every year. Mm. 1.3 to 1.7 million people every year. Thankfully, the number of deaths due to HIV are going down. Mm. Most of the people who, who die from HIV unfortunately die because they don't have access to medications. Thankfully, right. this doesn't happen in, in Singapore, but mm. it does happen in many other parts of the world as well. Advanced and the progress that we have had is actually due to an uh, non-stop sort of uh, uh, drive to try to find a cure, right? Because we've talked about un an undetectable viral load, we've talked about a suppressed viral load and not being transmittable to, uh, you know, to, to an unborn child or to your sexual partners. But HIV is still, unfortunately for now, incurable in that sense. We can't mm. eliminate it from our systems. There have been a handful of cases uh, in, 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 in history. Mm. Uh, these have probably occurred as a matter of um, very, very good luck uh, and, and very, very chance occurrences. Right? Right. Of and actually being cured of it. Of actually being cured by I think it. recently there was one girl, yeah. one lady. Yeah. yeah. So they have some quirk in their immune system that, that has enabled them to eliminate the virus from their system. Uh, one other patient, uh, you know, who has since unfortunately died, uh, was cured when he received a bone marrow transplant. Ah, mm. oh, that uh, one, I yeah, read about that. Unfortunately, he had to have a bone marrow transplant because he also had a very aggressive form of leukemia. So right. you, you, oh, shit. Yeah, so you don't, it's, it's not really practical for us to do that for all our patients at this point. Mm. Especially given that medications nowadays are so effective, they yeah. have so few side effects, and they are generally easy to take. So we talk about like the, the evolution and the progress that we've made in the medical side of things, yep. right? And the fact that if it's undetectable, like you, you could practically almost live as normal a life as possible, yep. right? In that yep. sense. But yet there's still a lot of stigma associated with it. Like we look at like what John said also, like even though he, he knows about this, he still went to that, that safe haven and was still a little bit scared and paranoid about stuff, right? right? Let alone what about those who are still misinformed. So I think like just like two years ago, there was an article about a man who like said that because he told his workplace he had HIV, he was terminated. Right, right. You know, he was working, he was working at this F&B restaurant. And like the F&B like, place came out to say that, oh, we terminated him because he wasn't honest on his application form about his health status. Sure. We then sparked another debate about why do you need to be declaring your, your HIV health status um, if it doesn't affect like, your work performance to, to, to that extent. La. So right. like, the stigma is still very, very real, especially for people living with, with HIV as well. Mm. Like, in terms of like, your interaction with patients, like, do they talk to you about like, some of these grievances, a lot of these concerns? Yeah, I think definitely the the nature of uh, of my work is that uh, oftentimes once I um, you know once a patient comes to see me, I I walk that journey with that patient for his or her life, you know, for for, for their lives because oh, HIV wow. is like a lifelong disease. What a privilege, right? huh? So yes, it's 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 really a privilege for me because um, uh, I we we 
I, I see them through, um, you know, what it was like when they were first diagnosed to, you know, getting them through uh, to, to being on medications. And then eventually on the other side, when when uh, their HIV almost becomes a non-issue because, you know, mm. their health is, is back to normal, you know, back to what it was like before. How long is that process, you think, like typically? So um, it depends on what stage they start treatment at. Because remember mm. we were saying just now, right? It, but I, a range? Um, generally speaking, uh, within about three to four months of treatment, right. uh, most people are. And treatment is just viral load. oral yeah. meds. Uh, majority of my patients take one or two tablets once a day. Right. So it's it's even after the undetectable viral load, they're still taking this. Yes. Okay. Yes. So I tell them that uh, you know most most of most of my patients you know the younger ones I'll tell them you know you have parents at home, likelihood is that some of them have high blood pressure, some of them have diabetes, right? They are also taking tablets every day. Yeah. We never talk about curing diabetes or curing hypertension. It's it's not exactly the same, but yeah. it's a similar concept. You take a daily medication to control a medical condition that you cannot cure, mm. but with this tablet that you take, you can control it so that you don't get any um, yeah. problems like, that arise from it. Yeah. Oh, that's good. I mean, based on my impression, like people living with HIVs do go through physical changes and such, right? Does it actually affect their work? Um, I think there's sort of two parts to your question: right? whether they experience physical changes and yeah. whether it affects their work. Yeah. Mm. Uh, so the sim- the the part that's simpler to answer is whether there are any physical changes. And I would mm. say that um, there was a time, maybe twenty plus years ago, when uh, people were saying that, oh, you know, I. I, I don't want to go on medications because you could uh, there there were some older medications where the side effects could change the physical appearance of people. Is it, they, so based on what I read, yeah. it's like some abnormal fat distribution or yeah. like you get very visible veins right. and stuff. Yeah. yeah. So that is really uh, I would say two decades ago. Oh. Those medications are no longer being used. You're like the doctor's worst nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> the fella try and diagnose you, then you're like, no, that's not what I read. And of course, if you don't get treatment and you fall sick, then there might be some physical changes that come about from that. And the most common one would be like weight loss because your body is constantly trying to fight an infection. Right. But I would say that for most of my patients, once they start medications, um, they, you know, they, 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 there are no real physical changes either in appearance mm. or in uh, the way that they are able to live yeah. day to day mm. right um, because essentially their health and their immune system is maintained mm. at, 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 at uh, levels that are almost the same as, as it was before they were infected mm. so then the second part of that question which I think you kind of talked about as well which is um, with regards to uh, whether it affects their work or not. If your health is in good shape and your immune system is 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 is, is you know functioning as it should be, then there's no reason why it uh, affects your work. But um, and you know, in a throwback to what you were talking about just now about the the article, um, in almost all professions, HIV does not affect your work, mm. right? Because uh, it is, as you pointed out as well, only uh, transmitted through contact with infected body fluids, right? Mm. Blood, uh, semen, other sexual fluids, and so on. Uh, and well, I would oh. say that in most workplaces, yeah. that's not an issue. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully not. Uh, hopefully not an issue, yes. So uh, there are certain things where, especially in healthcare, uh, where there are what we call more exposure prone um, uh, 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 practices. Yeah. But even then, if a person has an undetectable viral load, then you know the risk of transmitting it on to others is practically zero. Mm. So uh, I would say that workplace 
uh, or rather the workplace is really a place where concerns and fears about HIV uh, should be looked at mm. much more um, critically and, and, and that would be really key to reducing the stigma that people living with HIV face in their everyday lives. Okay, okay so um, we have nicely compiled like a bunch of like perceptions or misconceptions that people might have about HIV. Well, we don't know whether they're misconceptions yet, but perceptions that people have I about know, HIV. I know, I know, I know it is. And so, uh, John is very, very confident, but what we're going <laughs> to do is that I'm going I'm to say this out, the other three are going to guess, and then Dr. Wong is going to confirm whether we are correct okay, or not. Okay, given that I'm a okay. teacher's pet, I'm going to get this all correct. Testing positive for HIV is a death sentence. Myth. Myth. I would say myth as well. Our producers compiled this, so I, I don't know the answers. So it is, it is a myth. Yeah, because with uh, treatment nowadays, even people with late stage infection, yeah. you know, if they stay on their treatment, their health can essentially get much, much better. Yeah, and, and they can go on to live uh, lives that are no different from that of others. Great. Yeah. So what happens if you don't treat it? So with HIV that's not treated, your immune system will continue to get weaker and weaker. Uh-huh. And uh, if people still don't stay on treatment, it can be, uh, you know, it can be sort of life-threatening. And you know, in the past, people who, who, who die from HIV infection is generally because of a lack of access to treatment. Mm-hmm. Okay, no, yeah. but how do, how do I die? Uh, usually because <laughs> of uh, severe infections. <laughs> Right. It's, yeah. it's like diabetes la. Yes. Get cut, it doesn't heal la, right? Your immune system is weaker yeah. so right. People get lung infections Brain infections and so right. on right. Thankfully right. we are seeing that less and less commonly Nowadays because treatment is so widely available Right. right. Yeah. Okay. Like you, you can die from a cough la, In that sense um, A cough is a symptom of right. yeah, yeah. So uh, you can die of a cough that's a caused By virus. a lung infection But is treatment for HIV And treatment for AIDS different? Uh, no, it's not. So treatment for, remember I said that HIV is the virus that mm. causes AIDS. Mm. So HIV infection and AIDS are kind of, if you think about it like on a spectrum, right? Mm. It's like the, the, the mild, moderate, and then severe, uh. but they're all kind of the same thing. Right. So the treatment for it is the same. You want to stop the virus and you do that with the HIV medications. Okay. Mm. Yeah. Okay. But does the dosage change? No. Okay. No. You can tell if someone has HIV or AIDS simply by looking at them. Ooh. I bet you. I bet a doctor kind of. No, I feel like guess, depends though. on which which stage they are at. Okay, we go HIV first. If they just detected HIV, uh, just detected no myth. No uh, myth. Myth. Right. Yeah. yeah myth. No, but as, as, <laughs> a, as a very trained physician, no, there's, there's really me? no way. There's really no way to. But tell. you mentioned like the weight loss and all that. Then so that's if it's very very advanced. But remember, yeah. people can lose, lose weight, weight for anything. a lot of that's reasons. Also true. Right? They can yeah. be trying to lose weight. They could have other medical conditions. The only way you'll know if you are HIV infected or not is to get a test. Okay. Right. And so you know, if if there's only one thing to remember is that um, for people who are at risk, or even if you don't know what your risk is mm. and you you want to know whether you are HIV infected or not, go and get a test. There are many ways to do so. Uh, Almost any clinic will be able to do so. And ah. there are 10 sites around Singapore where you can also get an anonymous test if you don't feel comfortable registering with your name and your IC number, for example. Oh. Oh. Yeah. So Wait, it's on the spot test? Uh? Um, so there are different kinds of tests. There are rapid tests, which you can get a result within 20 minutes. Like an ART. Yeah, it's very similar to ARTs. Mm. Uh, but the difference with the ART for COVID is that at least at the current moment, you can't buy it and do it yourself at home. La. Right. You still have to go to a facility like a clinic or, or like a testing site and get it done there. Okay. But you can get results within 20 minutes. Uh, and then, of course, if you go to other places where you get the, the normal blood tests and so on, it takes uh, you know, a couple of days for the results to come back. Uh, but uh, that's the only way you'll know whether you're HIV infected or not, for sure. Right. Okay. Yeah. 
No, so I, wa- I want to say, right, like, like back then I was on like dating apps and shit, right? Still? Then, still? Oh, no, no, you're not already. Back then. Yeah. Congrats. Oh, hey. Hey. Good job, man. This, this is just to stop coming up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but anyway, anyway. No, so I was talking to this one girl and then she was asking me whether like I, I got tests. I got tests or not. Mm. Yeah, because she's a nurse. Oh. Yeah, oh. then she says that she, she hooks up regularly with like a bunch of people and then she always gets tested and then she makes sure that the other person gets tested before she hooks up with them. Then, oh nice. Yeah, then she asked me whether I got tests or not. I mean, I, but I, I don't do one night stands, okay? But it's sure. just like a... No, no. So because it was that was the problem. Because then I never it never occurred to me that whether I should go and get tested or not. Right. And then right when she asked me that, I thinking like even even if I'm not gonna hook up, right? Should I just go and get tested? You know. Then I start to think about like I I scared that you might have it. Ah. And then I, you went to get tested. No, I never. Oh, right. so, until now, oh, he's still scared. I just don't understand it enough. Right, yeah, right. yeah, then I feel like, oh, I, I don't want to know. I do, should I know? So like, today we prepared a special test kit for John. <laughs> <laughs> you need to into a cup. That's okay. not how you do it. <laughs> <either. laughs> no, but that's the thing, right? Like, like, should people do it regularly, or is there something that you can feel in your body that makes you go like, okay, I should go and get tested? Yeah. yeah. So once again, just as you can't tell by looking at a person, even if you're infected, you can't really feel it until mm. it's at late stage where you start to fall sick. Oh. So sometimes people say, oh, you know, I, I don't want to get tested because I feel fine, right? But that's that's really uh. Not the right way to, to, to go about it. Le. Now, does everybody need to get a test? Obviously, if you've never been exposed to HIV, if you've got zero risk of being infected, if let's say you've never been sexually active before, right. never shared needles with anyone before, never had a blood transfusion outside the country before, then there's no way the virus could have come, mm. uh, you, right. know, you could have been infected. But anybody who's ever been sexually active, especially if you've been sexually active with multiple partners, let's say, or there's been a chance that you might have had unprotected sex in the past. Not us. We are clear. Then, <laughs> uh, then, then it's important to get tested. Another conversation also is about how people living with HIVs come out about it to like family and like people around them. Right? Right, right. Do you have any anecdotes of like patients who've struggled with that? Um, I think I would say that for most people, especially in the you know, the, the early stages of being infected, it's going to be challenging, right? Mm-hmm. I think you talked about just now about how HIV is this, uh, uh, it's tied closely to sex and anything that's tied closely to sex, especially in a, in, a, in a society and community like ours, it's difficult to talk about openly. Mm-hmm. And any sexually transmitted disease is similarly difficult to talk about. Um, most of my patients, I would say, have had some difficulty coming out to their loved ones about it. Uh, primarily because there's so much taboo still surrounding HIV and some people have a sense of shame about it some people have a sense of um, uh, regret about it but I would say that it's that is also changing with time and as we explain that you know living with HIV is just like living with any other chronic medical condition then we help our patients work through uh, some of that shame and that guilt that they feel mm. uh, but you know I, I, I have I have stories of um, I mean I've, I've yeah, anecdotes of uh, husbands who find it difficult to tell their wives for example because it may have been something that happened prior to getting married okay right from from previous partner for example uh, I've got stories of um, older older patients having to come out to their children about it as well mm. and sometimes you know they that that, that can cause some rift some drama within yeah. the family uh, so what we try to do is try to uh, help mediate that mm. uh, right so I, I see maybe the whole family in my clinic and I talk about uh, about things most of the time the fear 
or the anger comes from a lack of knowledge. Yeah. And so once mm. they know what it's all about, once they know that you know it can be treated, it can be managed, the risk of uh, spreading it to people within the family is practically zero. Then a lot of that goes away. Uh, yeah. Is there like a most common question or misconception that, that they have when they come and sit down with you in, in your clinic? Oh, the number one question is always, oh, how long do I have left? And I always oh, have to tell no. them that, well, um, it's, you know, that question is, I mean, I don't say it like that, but it's almost like I tell them it's not really that relevant anymore, right? Yeah, how long yeah, would you yeah, like yeah. to? But what a great answer <laughs> to give though. It's an outdated question. Yeah, so I just tell them that actually once you start treatment, you, it will be exactly the same amount of time you would have had before your HIV infection. Yeah. Right? You don't and I can't predict that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know that. But it's not any shorter because of the week, HIV. Though. <laughs> no, but that's a great point. Yeah. Yeah. It's not yeah. any shorter because of the HIV. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. okay, can mosquitoes spread HIV uh, through mosquito bites? Isn't that malaria? Oh, that sounds, that sounds yesy. Man. Like if they bite a, a HIV positive person oh. and then they bite someone else. Can I think the answer it? is yes, right? But it's a specific mosquito breed. No, that's for malaria. No. Or ADs. Or dengue. No, so so uh. the thing is, is that <laughs> she, we totally don't know. <laughs> Apparently, and I don't know whether I've been misinformed, right? But I know, I believe my parents got dengue because um, oh, uh, someone someone bit like uh, a dengue patient, and then like oh, yeah, that's exactly how dengue spreads, right? Yeah, like, so, like, like, okay, well, thank you, John, for your very condescending. Uh, hey, hey, don't be sad then. Don't be sad then. So yeah, so 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 what's your answer? Well, now that you say that, it feels like a yes. I'll say yes, ah. Uh. It's like a fact. No, it's it's a completely a myth. What? Yeah. So he made me change my answer. <laughs> <laughs> so things like dengue and malaria, which are mosquito-borne diseases, right, are spread through mosquitoes because they also infect the mosquitoes themselves. Um, uh, one thing about viruses. Then why the mosquito don't die? Um, because the. Do you really want me to go into no. this? No. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, I really wanted to check. Wait, ask the big questions. <laughs> no, you can read up on it. I honestly think that they, they were just carrying blood around. I didn't think they got infected. Yeah, so the uh, thing about viruses is that they're very particular about what they infect. So like the HIV virus, for example, cannot infect your dog or your cat. So annoying. Right? So it is a human immunodeficiency virus. It Once it's DIV was for dogs. Once it's outside of the human body, it can't survive. So if uh, if a mosquito bites me and I've got virus in my blood, once it goes into the mosquito, the virus dies. It cannot oh. be transmitted. Right. Right. Yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> so we understand that like it is transmittable by bodily fluids, right? So what if he has HIV? He cut his hand, then mm. the blood drip out. I think then I put in my I lick, as opposed to blood to blood mm. because saliva doesn't matter, right? Mm. Mm. Will I get HIV? The risk is extremely low. Right. But uh, to say that it's zero would not be correct either. Mm. Okay. Uh, most of the time, you not need direct, so dumb. You need direct contact, and the virus needs to enter into your bloodstream. So most right. of the time, you know, our mouth, unless there's a big cut or an ulcer or something where where you know there's a possibility that the virus oh. will enter into your bloodstream. The chance of transmission is extremely low. But we would not recommend licking the blood for anybody, <laughs> regardless of the circumstances. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, but what if you get bitten by a snake, then you take out the poison? You should also not do that to take out the poison from a snake bite. Like on TV, they stuck, then they spit, right? Like, should I save his life or try to get hit every like? Yeah. Oh, no, that's a horrible, horrible dilemma. Back to the game. <laughs> so if I have a cut and he has a cut and our cuts touch for some reason, like. Yeah, so I think if one open wound is exposed to another open wound, then and there's blood, right? Yeah. Then yeah. the risk is of course higher. Yeah, okay. yeah. 
But why would you? But why would you? Yeah, no, yeah. I agree. So no, like, we shake hands, man. You know what I mean? Like we do push ups on the floor, we bleed because we manly men, right? Yeah. Then we shake hands. No, it's like, it's work out exactly. It's, it's a stupid <laughs> question, right? But I think a lot of like even though I am educated now yeah. on the HIV, um, uh, on, on HIV to yeah. a small extent, uh huh. Yeah, to a small extent, I feel like there's still a lot of paranoia around it because of like what of that one percent freak chance of something like that happening, right? So yeah, so like the menstrual blood thing I had in my head when mm. I sat on the toilet bowl. Oh yeah. That's, that's valid, right? Or is that not valid? It's not really that valid because once again, remember, once the virus is out of your bloodstream, regardless of whether it's in a mosquito or it's mm. exposed to the air, Onto the virus dies yeah. very, very quickly. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay, okay, so okay, okay. a lot of those fears about sharing toilets and all that are also completely myth. Okay. Yeah. And okay. also from sharing toilet, it will not enter your bloodstream. Ah. Hanging in a toilet bowl, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I, I, I completely don't know, man. <laughs> Is there a chance of contracting HIV when sharing food with a person living with HIV? Miss. Yeah. I would say miss. No, no chance. If the food is... <laughs> what if the food is cold, though? Huh? If the food is hot, you might cook it, right? Give it to but me. But if say, okay, if say, right, both have ulcer or one uh-huh. person got cut in the mouth or like something like that, yeah, but they're not sharing the food that they put in their mouth, right? No, you <laughs> need <laughs> No, like say the, the mother yeah. chew the food first, then spit the, the baby. Oh, yeah, mouth. They, yeah. They and then the mother can also. Yeah, it's possible, right? If the food is cold, if it's hot, you'll cook the thing. It's only possible if both of them have a cut in their mouth. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not trying to make it happen. I just want to yeah, yeah, yeah. see if there's a possibility. It's very right? hard already, yeah. Mm. So I think we are all describing circumstances which hardly ever occur in real life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So never, no, covering bases. Food, sharing food and drinks does not uh, yeah. transmit HIV. So strange, huh? what a virus, huh? It's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's, yeah, it's, yeah it's, it's such a unique it's feature. Weird. No, but it's so sad because of the misconception. A lot of, peop- a lot exactly. of people living with HIV don't really have that, that social life that like a lot of people can enjoy like, mm. without HIV. So mm. it's quite sad. Mm. So let's educate more people and like please spread the awareness and HIV positivity. No, just not earlier on, you said that like every year, how many people die from HIV? 1.7 million. Um, it's, it's in the millions. Okay. I mean, 1 point something million, but thankfully that number has come down in recent years. Right, so like, right, what is it like now, right, roughly? Uh, well, you're really putting me on the spot yeah. here. I yeah, think oh, the latest one was, um, I think it had dropped to less than a million. Okay, yeah, so or comparing with like yeah. all the other viruses, right, how how highly ranked is this? Like, how, how serious is it? Oh. Oh, so, um, I mean, the main, the major killer of people from infectious diseases, I mean, prior to the COVID sort of, you know, the, the COVID times that we are in now, uh, are other infectious diseases like tuberculosis, yeah. you know, like things yeah. like malaria, uh, which are still major killers of, of people. Uh, most children die of infectious um, causes of diarrhea, for example, due to dehydration. Mm. But HIV is still, you know, a, a, a huge killer. And the, the problem, I mean, or the tragedy with HIV is that it tends to affect people who are sexually active, who also tend to be younger and economically active and contribute, you know, they are the breadwinners of their family, mm. their parents of young children. So HIV deaths are truly tragic because A, they are preventable and B, they often lead to, um, uh, uh, you know, issues within families, issues within mm. societies. Like, yeah. Yeah. So I've got okay. some statistics. Oh, um, yes. <laughs> so in 2020, right, there were 37.7 million people globally living with yep. HIV. Uh, 1.5 million became newly infected in yep. 2020. 680,000 died from AIDS-related illnesses in 2020. Yeah, you so compare 700,000, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you compare yeah, this yeah. with Quite TB. Spot on, actually. Yeah. 
very very small right? you compare this with TB in 2020 1.5 million people died from, mm. from right. Damn. so in, in Singapore there's no reason to, to really die from HIV anymore right um, so it's interesting you say that because many of our people living with HIV now uh, we are seeing that as they grow older with HIV the reasons of the causes of sort of death and passing away are actually not related to HIV right they yeah. have age related problems of cancer other things that are you know sort of not age related and that shift away from uh, dying of HIV to dying with HIV is uh, actually a testament to the success mm, of our yeah, treatments. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So, like how likely is a cure? Because it's been there's been news of it constantly, right? But mm. we've still not found one even after 40 years. Yeah, the, the problem with HIV is that it is an extremely complex virus and that all of the usual techniques that we have tried to apply to it that have been able to cure other diseases don't quite work as well mm. uh, but uh, we are continuing to research and, and, and try to do it and in fact a lot of the scientific progress and advancements uh, that we have used in our fight against COVID for example have come about as a byproduct of our uh, oh. research into HIV yeah. okay. right so I think you know um, whether it's, it's the, the medications that we use or even the vaccine technologies that mm. we have have been have come about because of how much resources and time and effort and, and human ingenuity have gone into HIV research mm. so um we are marginally closer today than we were five years ago and we were slightly closer today than we were 10 years ago. Um, I still have faith that I will see it in our lifetimes. Mm. Oh, wow. Uh, but until then, you know, I, what I tell my patients is that I want to keep you healthy until the day that a cure is available. Mm. And that's why you have to, you know, because I mean even after the cure the difference is that you don't take that one pill a day la. other than yes. that there's no other yeah. difference oh, so undetectable means you still need to take the pill every day but cure means you don't need to take the pill yeah. yes. you, are, you are taking the pill to keep it undetectable yes right 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 yeah. exactly there was this very good uh, short film by I think like Bu Jun Fong, Fong right? you have you seen that which one the the, the the long like one take one about the the nurse the, the first nurse eh? Iris Iris Fergus ah yes. you know her oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Hey. she um she uh was still working when I joined oh uh, damn sorry who is she no so basically the I think it was the first ever case in Singapore right one of the first cases. Oh, one of the yeah, first cases the so first that everybody cases. they don't understand this ma so they all scared so she was one of the few nurses who go and volunteer to go and take care and help wow the, that patient. Like the mother Teresa yeah so Bunjil Feng did a, a, a short film about about her yeah, damn good, damn good show. You all should go and watch. Oh, so you met you, you know? Yeah, her. yeah, yeah. I know Iris. She's damn. a lovely, lovely, lovely lady. That's yeah. so, so cool. cool. It's like <laughs> yeah, it's really cool. Let me think of historical figures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's like Spider Man. Speaking of Spider Man, like so, Andrew <laughs> Garfield, he he started in this show called Tick Tick Boom. I don't know if you see. Yes, it. yes, yes. And so it was so like jarring to me because like they were living in the eight, uh, no 1990s, right? And basically all his friends, like so many of his friends, were just dying like every week. Spoiler alert. Mm. Yeah. And then what was, <laughs> what was interesting <laughs> yeah. to know, right, was that his best friend in the show who was uh, well, then diagnosed spoiler. with HIV, again, massive spoiler, but like you guys are not going to watch it if you haven't watched it by now, yeah. right? okay? Probably not. Uh, so in the show, right, his friend, uh, a, a big turn in the show was that his friend got diagnosed with HIV, and this was in the 1990s, right? He's still alive today, hmm. that friend. Right. And it was so interesting, you know, because like in the whole show, it really was such a downturn. In like uh, in the main character's life la. Mm. but it's crazy to think that the AIDS pandemic at that point of time, like every so many people were just dying, um, and and now we've gotten to a stage where where 
you can you can live. I think if you look at how um, the reporting of HIV and AIDS or like terms that they're using in the media, right, it has also changed quite a bit yeah. from like 1980s, 1990s, where they called them like lepers. Or mm. Like they, they called them, um, they called it an incurable, like mystery disease. It really was there. Yeah, and I think we've really come a long way from that. Mm. Yeah. Is it true that AIDS came from men having sex with monkeys? No, it's not. Um, we have will you all probably never heard that one? we will I, have, have. I mean we will probably never know the true story but there's been uh, a body of research that shows that it probably made the jump from it did it did start off in apes in monkeys uh, lowland gorillas and chimpanzees mm. but it probably made the jump when because uh, in that area and at that time and even up to now actually uh, there is a practice of eating what they call bushmeat which is you know like basically wildlife right that you yeah. hunt and you eat mm. and uh, the 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 theory, which of course can never be proven, but there's good evidence to suggest that that is what happened, was that as somebody was butchering it, they probably cut themselves and then were stained. And also, you know, when you're butchering an animal, there's right. a lot of blood. So that is probably when uh, uh, the jump was made. And we think going from um, some, you know, some research and some very, very specialized uh, uh, methods that it probably happened maybe in the late 1970s. So a few years before the oh, first cases were Oh, it is up. rather young then. Oh my God, then how did they find out they sexually transmitted? Yeah, it's such a strange journey, you know what I mean? It's such a curveball from the creator. Huh? <laughs> he's, he's like, everything goes by saliva, but this one's when you you know, he's like, wow. <laughs> such a curveball. Eh? Yeah, because you probably make out your audience, so it could be saliva, right? Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. So they had to do a they test. They really eliminate, like, yeah, they could be testing. There could be tears, for example. Don't make out. You do the other thing. <laughs> no, actually, the other way is just to test saliva, and saliva doesn't oh, have to yeah, okay. so, uh, oh, yeah. That's why they pass the test. You're the doctor. So you are not just a doctor; you're the expert doctor. I feel like if if I have to take medication every single day, the most likely thing to happen is that I'll forget to take it for a few days or a week. Right. What's okay. the impact yeah. on that? Um, so the impact is actually, uh, if if this sort of uh, practice continues, right? If mm. patients kind of miss their medications, uh, even if it's occasionally, but mm. if it's a like a habit, you know, it happens for a long time, uh, the medications can actually fail. Right. Uh, so then the virus becomes what we call resistant. It doesn't uh, oh, get sorry. suppressed by that uh, particular antiviral anymore. Okay. Uh, and then the viral load will go up and then it was the virus will start attacking the immune system again. And so people can start to fall sick again. Right. So, um, you know, if I go back to my analogy before about HIV not being a one-way street, uh, it can be for good or it can be for bad as well. So that's why people need to be taking their medications regularly every day. Thankfully, we have a, quite a wide variety or range right, of Right, like antibiotics really. Yeah, and, and with antibiotics, you know, we're always talking about antibiotic resistance, right? Yeah. There's antiviral resistance as well. We, we don't Ooh. want that to happen. Yeah. What if I'm traveling like across like time zones? Then how? I usually will tell my patients, you stick to Singapore time. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. okay, that, that makes sense. Because you, <laughs> you, you can be born with it, right? Yes, you can. How then? How do you, like, what's the earliest age you can detect it, and like, how does um, that work? So any baby that's born to a mum who's HIV infected, especially if the mum's viral load was not yet undetectable, right? Mm. Uh, and I, I, I mean, to be honest, even if the mum's uh, viral load undet uh, was undetectable, uh, they once they are born, we will test them at multiple points. Uh, for some cases, we are able to detect the virus right after, you know, at the point where the baby is born. Sometimes it takes a few more weeks before the virus is detectable and then we can make a diagnosis. Uh, but we start them on treatment 
And so mm. they, you know, we, we Sorry, we, you we, start the mom or the baby? Baby. 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 Both. Oh, yes. okay. Both. Born Whoever, ready. La. Yeah. Right. Anyone who has HIV infection should be on treatment. Yep, yep. Yeah. Right. Mm. Are people resistant to treatment? Like when, if, when they first find out, for example? Uh, of course, they, they can be. Uh, and, you know, they, they, they might be in denial. They right. might be, um, you know, they, they might be depressed and, and hence not want to take uh, medications. They might be in shock, especially if it's something mm. that they were not expecting. Uh, they might be worried about the stigma of being seen with HIV medications, right? And, right. and all of that that entails. There are so many reasons, but our duty as, you know, as my, my, my team and I, as, as doctors, as, as nurses, as pharmacists, as social workers, is to help them process it and work through and get them on treatment as soon as we can. Okay, so the one question that maybe I can ask you is, what can we do better to educate or to raise awareness about HIV, how can we Alama. how can we do it so that you know mm. you uh, maybe wouldn't have had these misconceptions at this you know yeah because it is necessary yeah yeah I think what concerns me is that like there's still somewhat this irrational fear like what John has described right even though we know all this information yeah. but then because we've never in a sense been in contact or like we don't I personally don't know anyone who has been like infected right so yeah. then I think like it comes from like that. That, that disconnect law. Right, like, because right. I've not had the chance to maybe like interact with people like firsthand and all that and so I have that irrational fear in my head. Yeah. But I'm not sure what I, I mean the solution to that is what they go on to but it cannot be so like, I don't know what the solution to I mean, that I, is. I don't know why it's helpful to the cause to say this but I think my concern is not in the faith of like the trust of the medication and the system it's in personal irresponsibility just like how COVID can even if we have a cure or even if now that we have vaccines, we are still dealing with it largely due to a lot of personal irresponsibility. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what if you forgot to take the pill you don't say? What if you cut your hand you never say? What if you menstrual stain canada? Wait, say to who? Like say to who? I, I don't know, like to the people around you or like you just don't clean up after yourselves properly. I feel like that that was my concern, you know, because before going in, of course, I brought a team in to film uh. So I also went to Google To make sure Am I putting the team at risk uh. Yeah so We are okay with that Right there, there is om- There's almost no risk Then the concern was What form of personal Irresponsibility Could get my team infected Yeah yeah. Which today I understand that Even if you are not Very responsible Also not easy To get infected la. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, But that's the thing like, I think Most of us came in Because we've researched for the topic beforehand And John like met with someone And, and knows about the topic beforehand But I think a, a lot of the public Don't know that This is a disease That cannot be transmissible Via saliva for example Right right. Or Or that they don't know There's actually Meds that is Pretty much Yeah like only yeah. Doing this then I realised And yeah. then I learned all this So and, and To be honest Like like what, what she's saying right Like like for example, if if I never kena like tuberculosis or whatever, I will never know about it or go and learn about it. I won't mm. bother. It's not something that you actively so, seek out to. Find yeah, out. but I think the main issue here is that there's discrimination from the people who don't have it or the people who don't know about it, right? Mm. So, I feel like it's the it's the people with HIV who should be more open about their circumstances, right? Around the people that they that they are that they are closer to. Like if mm. they're open about it, then I'm more inclined to ask, ma. But it's, then it's if also I ask, then I get educated. Then I can tell other people. It's easy to see why it's difficult for them, lah. Of course, lah. Of yeah. course, it's difficult. So la. if I go HIV and be like, no, lah, I won't spread one. 
Worn one, you know what I mean. And then you suddenly lose all your friends. No, but I think he's talking about how it's like a bit of a vicious cycle because like they themselves are a bit scared to say. Then that itself forms a taboo yeah. around it, yeah. and then so people who don't have it and like uh, might have a more negative perception towards that. Also, so it's kind of a chicken yeah, and egg problem. Because when we tie it back to the article, right? I'm thinking like if say somebody joined our company and that person was HIV positive, we would I think like maybe okay lah. I don't want to be so like aggressive with this, but like. <laughs> Probably over a few conversations with them, right? I definitely will ask about you. Right? Probably the first, uh. And yeah, that's right. But then I don't want to be so yeah. aggressive, yeah. Like, <laughs> The first lunch, the whole lunch time. Then, it tells really? Me. Yeah. <laughs> but then I think that would be my 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 like the the first point of access to this law, to this kind of information. Yeah. Yeah. Or oh, just come on the show more, like. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, to answer your your question to the point is the daily catch up, like. <laughs> This is the answer. No, I, I think yeah. HIV has been overly mystified. Yeah. Yes. Yes, it's almost on a pedestal of viruses mm. that it feels very special and very scary to be very honest mm. yeah like if it was treated like uh, like any other like flu flu yeah which it it, it seems like with medication is less than a flu lah. if it's if it's kind of treated and talked about it that way I feel like we can educate the next generation lah. I mean we grew up with Channel 8 really So it's like this really Because like. yeah Channel 8 really Yeah Channel 8 really Then heart <laughs> attack like, oh, oh, you know that. <laughs> I mean if I could just Yeah I mean th- thanks, for, thanks for answering that question I think the um, You know one thing I wanted to pick on What you said mm. Is that um, or, or rather You know Maybe expecting people Living with HIV To speak up about it First Is that uh, oftentimes The environment Is not always the best right we have people living without HIV or people with misconceptions have perhaps created an environment which makes it very difficult for those conversations Mm. to be had so I always feel that uh, maybe what we can do is continue this kind of conversation going at various levels so Mm. that gradually over time the environment for people to feel comfortable bringing it up Mm. becomes better and and just as a last point to what you said about personal responsibility I think in my seven you know seven eight years of, of uh, being an HIV specialist uh, the the greatest fear that anyone living with HIV whether they've been in fact just newly diagnosed or been diagnosed for a long time is the fear of transmitting the virus onto other people True. I've never yeah. met mm, a single yeah. person who has been who, vindictive you know, taken, about it yeah, yeah, or yeah. taken a, a, an irresponsible attitude towards it I think uh, but that's TV also though Sorry the, the, yeah. yeah People that have it Then they're vindictive right So yeah. if I can't have sex You can't have sex yeah. So Talk I think the, the tragedy is that There's so much fear On their part Of transmitting to people Especially people they love Yeah yeah. Mm-hmm. So but I can tell like, I mean like the, the, the mental toll Like we talk about The physical toll right? But the mental toll Of having to live With that paranoia mm-hmm. Of mm-hmm. not transmitting The disease Must mm-hmm. be also Such a burden Yeah Like With your experience Like how, how has that been Like in terms of it, their mental like state of mind, it, so. yeah, I mean, I've I've seen people who have been completely, you know, um, yeah, tortured by 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 a having to keep the secret, yeah. b living with the guilt, c living in this fear, perhaps irrational fear of transmitting on to people that they love and care about, people that they live with, and I would say that the real only thing we can do is to be compassionate about it mm-hmm. and to realize that some of these things I can help with, right? I can reassure them that uh, I am not afraid. I can create an environment that is uh, warmer and, and, and kinder to, to people living with all kinds of chronic diseases, not necessarily just HIV. Yep. Mm. Uh, and I think it's, you know, we, we talk about HIV being so, you know, you talked about like a ex, ex, some 
pedestal, put on a pedestal, right? We can remove it from a pedestal, mm. right? And, and just talk about it as with any other chronic diseases. But sometimes we also have to realize that HIV, like you pointed out as well, is not like COVID, it's not like the flu because it's sexually transmitted. And anything that's, sexu- that's related to, to human sexuality is often a little bit more challenging to address and we have to mm. sort of approach it from a slightly different angle. Yeah. So there's no simple answers, unfortunately. And, and yeah. that's why I'm really appreciative and grateful that you invited me here because it's really true having these conversations. Yeah. And then yeah. I always tell people, yeah. right, no matter where I go, if you can go and talk to one other person about this and then ask that person mm. to also talk to and one other person. Spread it like this. an infection. Yeah. yeah. There you go. <laughs> Not necessarily. <laughs> that's what I would have taken, but sure. <laughs> Hey guys, thank you so much for watching. Also, a massive thank you to Dr. Wong for joining us today and also enlightening, like enlightening us <laughs> enlightening. with like HIV knowledge. And I hope you learn a thing or two as well and you help to spread that HIV positivity. Yeah. Don't spread misfruits lah. Okay. If you still uh, have any questions, maybe you can drop it in the comments and we can ans- we can debunk yeah. them too. Yeah. The and fellow experts here will help you out. <laughs> we'll try. We'll try. And there's <laughs> also a link uh, down below in the description box for more information about HIV and its treatments as well. Thank you so much for watching. If you enjoyed what you watched, remember to drop us a like, hit that notification button and subscribe. See you. Gurney, like conspiracy theories right? is it true that it came from men having sex with monkeys if I have HIV and a mosquito bite me then after that go and bite him will he get HIV this is your daily catch up This episode was done in collaboration with the National HIV Program. And also, if you're enjoying the Daily Catch-Up podcast, do remember to drop us a sub, hit that notification button, and also like this video. So to debunk and demystify some of the uh, questions we have about AIDS and HIV, we've actually asked uh, Dr. Wong to join us today. So Dr. Wong, you would like to introduce yourself. Oh, okay. So um, I am a consultant infectious diseases physician. Uh, My specialty is actually HIV medicine. And uh, I've been doing it for... Quite a few years now. Right. I'm also deputy director of the National HIV Program, like you said, at the National Center for Infectious Diseases. Damn. So how do you like come to specialize in like HIV? And why? Yeah. Ah, okay. Um, I'll answer the why first. It's more interesting than the how, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Content. <laughs> Great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I, uh, when I joined medical school, uh, in the first year of medical school, we had the option during the holidays of volunteering, and then I decided we decided to go and volunteer action for AIDS, and I think okay. that's where I sort of figured that oh you know I found something that I really enjoyed doing and it was a underserved cause I think most people don't really want to go into HIV medicine mm. and I met some inspiring mentors along the way who sort of um, nurtured that interest and I I must say I have no regrets I really really enjoy what I do every day oh that's so um, nice to say yeah, yeah. <laughs> The what that I do, um, so I mean my day-to-day work is still as a infectious diseases doctor, so I see other infectious diseases apart from HIV, Okay. but the, the main bulk of uh, the work that I do is develop uh, programs to uh, try to fight, I mean to lead the fight against HIV in Singapore at least, so that uh, ranges from providing clinical care to patients all the way to designing programs to help them and uh, advising uh, other stakeholders on what to do because uh, obviously the fight against HIV is not just for doctors but but it's a community level thing mm. as well yeah okay. so how long have you been doing this for I became a specialist in 2014 so that's oh well, how old are you I am 38 
Oh, wow. 38 but he's definitely indirect yeah. yeah. no but so I'm curious right because you mentioned that you started volunteering quite a while back right, right? right. do you think that the so like the HIV movement in a sense has like has progress changed evolved. has progressed yeah thank you yeah I, I think I think uh, it definitely has um, oftentimes I think in Singapore we 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 uh, bemoan the fact that oh things are not as progressive or as advanced as in other countries but I think Every setting and every country is, is slightly different. But you know, from the time that I started volunteering, and this was in 2001 to now, it's like been 20 years. Uh, the changes are actually innumerable uh, in terms of access to treatment. Using a lot of words, I don't know. <laughs> okay, so be more. Yes, yeah, be more. Let's keep Jermaine to the conversation. <laughs> uh, no, so I think in terms of access to treatment, in terms of uh, where people can go to get tested. Mm-hmm. And even in terms of the um, the campaigns, the advertising campaigns and awareness campaigns that are out there, I don't know if you have seen some of the uh, posters around bus stops and mm. uh, MRT stations. You know, they've just come out in the recent few days uh, to few weeks. Uh, they've actually featured you know a person living with HIV who's mm. out about her status, and um, you know talking about about how people living with HIV can live lives just as anyone else. Mm. So, I think even ten years ago. Five years ago, this would have been quite unimaginable. But yeah. you know, oh. things have changed a lot, and also um, for a long time, medications in Singapore are quite expensive. But in 2020, you know, almost every single uh, one of the HIV medications that we use on a day-to-day basis have become subsidized as well. So okay. I think things have things subsidized have really to a very surprising amount. I heard mm. right. Are you able to drop a number? Um, so it depends on what the medications are, and it depends on uh, a number of other factors as well. But the subsidies can go up to you know seventy five percent or even more than that. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. we 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 covered um, at least one or two HIV stories mm. in I mean as MOSG before, and to be honest, when I was there, it was quite scary because I was I was not sure what that that place was for. Um, what place? So. Uh, I mean, I, I don't remember the name of the place, right? But basically, it's 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 run by a little association union guy, and he also has HIV, and he someone very nicely just gave his shop house unutilized for him to hold his little, um, like little support group thing. And when it's very nice, it's like got guitars and you know, got like people just go there and hang because many of them what he's trying to what he's trying to fight here is that many of them get shunned by their own family mm. and they have no place to crash they got no friends to hang with them no one accepts them yeah, yeah and so they they like just come even yeah and and because the building was rather old right so you walk in then i could smell the i could smell the oldness of the building <laughs> then, why I'm, then you start wondering why am i smelling why am i smelling you know because then you, the, really because there's there's that lack of of education on yeah, yeah, yeah. why it is right because from from tv the knowledge ends at Transmittable by blood, right? Your saliva all won't gonna. But then, when I sit on the toilet bowl, that time I'm thinking, eh, menstrual blood won't gonna. You know what? If you never wipe you your going menstrual girl's blood, toilet. No, I mean it's, it's a it's a shop house with one toilet. Oh. Yeah, so I just I mean I every shoot I need to pee at the location. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's a thing. Understandable. <laughs> oh my, my god, he marking like his territory. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my bladder, my bladder is like this. Uh, yeah, and, and so it was quite surprising. What I learned was that he was saying about how. I mean, th- this was at least back then, line for the condition he was talking about, right? That HIV meds is like twenty bucks uh, a month or something like that. Each one, uh, am I am I very off? Um, I th- I think it depends on what you were talking about. There was mm. a time before the subsidies kicked in, mm. um, where 
you know, that there were access to medications from other sources as well. So there are neighboring countries that make generic, what we call generic medications. Mm. Right. Um, that are sort of not the brand name medications and right. they are allowed to do so under special uh, dispensations la, from the World Trade Organization as right. well. So uh, some of these uh, medications are used by patients in countries other than where they are produced, including in Singapore. Yeah. Yeah. So sometimes those are a lot cheaper. Uh, but nowadays, with the uh, the subsidies that we have, uh, you know, it's generally people don't have to go down that route anymore. Cause right. almost everyone in Singapore who needs medications has access to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, through through through. And, and they were saying was, he was, so on, he was yeah. telling me as well that with medication, right, yeah. the viral load is suppressed to the point whereby yeah, it's close to be like undetected already. Yes. Yeah, and which is like oh, in all like no matter when they discover it. Yes. So. Oh. Um, one of the things that I tell my patients often when they come in to see me in clinic, right, is that uh, even though we, we talk about HIV as like um, it's a, on a spectrum, so you have early infection when you are detected mm. very early after, after, after being infected, all the way to late or advanced infection. But it's quite different from other medical conditions where you have late stage disease, right? We think mm. about late stage disease often as like a one-way road where it's mm. irreversible. Once Terminal. you pass certain milestones, there's no turning back. But with HIV, it's very, very different. Uh, I can have a patient in my clinic who was infected last month and a patient who was infected 10 years ago with very, very different health statuses. But as long as they start HIV medications and they stay on their HIV medications, they can have exactly the same outcome uh, where even a late a person with late stage infection can enjoy you know the same kind of good health and good immune system that they had before they were right. infected. Right. Yeah. What's HIV actually? Okay. What does no, it do? Do you all know what it stands for? Humanoimmunodeficiency. Yeah. Okay. I I don't I don't exactly know what is it. <laughs> but then also right when I go and Google yeah, it says it's slash AIDS right. Mm. Then is it the same thing? No. One leads to another. AIDS oh. is acquired. God damn, the knees dropping knowledge. Hey, because <laughs> I researched on this episode. <laughs> <laughs> I know you get Very HIV good. first, la, right? And then, yes. and then you get AIDS. So HIV, uh, I think you are almost there. You know, human immunodeficiency virus. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you, you are too kind. <laughs> <laughs> they missed like half of it. So they got virus. <laughs> so the immuno part refers to our immune system, which of course keeps us safe from infections, uh, you know, from bacteria, from viruses, from parasites, anything that gets into our body, the immune system takes yeah care of it makes mm-hmm. us prevents us from falling sick deficiency means you know a lack of something right so the hiv is a uh, is a virus uh, aids stands for the acquired immunodeficiency syndrome so you're right uh, and uh, one leads to the other so just because a person has hiv infection doesn't mean that they have aids aids yeah. is what happens when you have the hiv infection you don't get treatment and your immune system gets progressively weakened, right? Mm. Uh, so the, the HIV virus, when it's in our body, what it does is that it attacks a particular part of the immune system called a, a, a particular kind of white cell, called a white blood cell called a T-helper lymphocyte or CD4 cell. So sometimes, you know, when you go online and you read about HIV, they you be checking it. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'll dial it back a little bit. So it yeah. weakens the immune system. And then when our yeah. immune system is weak, we fall sick more easily. Oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I understand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so back to the question, right? Like, so how does the, how exactly does the medication work? Mm. So HIV medications, um, I mean, the, the, the technical term for that are antiretrovirals. So they are antivirals, la, basically. Okay. Uh, and what they do is that they stop the virus from creating more copies of itself or replicating. 
And so when you do that, you stop the virus from infecting your immune system or attacking your immune system. Mm-hmm. And uh, so you, you remain healthy. Uh, right. So what you were talking about just now with uh, suppressing the virus to an undetectable level, right? Yeah. Basically, if, if let's say I'm HIV infected and you, you take a sample of my blood uh, and you send it to the lab uh, and I'm not yet on treatment, the lab can actually run the blood test through a machine and it can actually count how many viruses oh. there are per drop of blood. So remember that virus oh, is ridiculous. Yeah. Or very, 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 very small, right? Yeah. Yeah. So in one single drop of blood of one milliliter, it can you can have thousands of viruses all the way up to millions of viruses. That's because viruses yeah. are very, very small. Um, but once you start <laughs> taking medications, you, and I, you know, you, you do the same blood test through the same machine. You can actually have so few viruses that you can't. The machine can't count them anymore. Oh. So it, it comes back with a with a result that says it's undetectable. Right, right, right. right. I, have, I have a dumb question. So, n- of course, not encouraging a test of this matter, right? right? But let's say the viral load is low until undetectable. Should that person have unprotected sex? What are the chances of infection? So I am often asked that question, and I will usually. Um, answer in this way. I have many patients who are married couples, right? Mm. Where one person is HIV positive and one partner is HIV negative and they want to have a baby. Oh, right. Right? So obviously you can't have, uh, you you have to have uh, condomless sex in order to have a baby, right? For conception to take place. So my my patients always come into my clinic and ask, hey, can or not? I don't want to infect my wife. And I tell them that, well, once you're on medication and your viral load is undetectable, there is practically no risk of you infecting your, your So sick. From I feel like because HIV is a is related to sex, which is like a carnal nature of human beings, right? Mm. It has, I mean, there's so much misconception, but it's also very privileged in the sense of funding, in, in the sense of research. In a sense, you know what I mean? I feel like, there are so many problems in the world, right? Yeah. But HIV has gotten a lot of support. Because everyone wants to have sex. And yeah, and people, because people, <laughs> people want to have sex, right? Like, everyone rich guy, Kanana, he's like, oh my God, I'm going to fund this, right? Yeah. It wasn't always like that. Because yeah. I think if you, if uh, probably most of you, I mean, most of us in this room will not remember the worst days of HIV because they happened mm. really in, the, in, the, in the 1980s. Yeah. And we have to remember that HIV still kills about 1.7 million people every year. Mm. 1.3 to 1.7 million people every year. Thankfully, the number of deaths due to HIV are going down. Mm. Most of the people who, who die from HIV unfortunately die because they don't have access to medications. Thankfully, right. this doesn't happen in, in Singapore, but mm. it does happen in many other parts of the world as well. Advanced and the progress that we have had is actually due to an uh, non-stop sort of uh, uh, drive to try to find a cure, right? Because we've talked about un- an undetectable viral load, we've talked about a suppressed viral load and not being transmittable to, uh, you know, to, to an unborn child or to your sexual partners. But HIV is still, unfortunately for now, incurable in that sense. We can't mm. eliminate it from our systems. There have been a handful of cases uh, in, 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 in history. Mm. Uh, these have probably occurred as a matter of um, very, very good luck uh, and, and very, very chance occurrences. Right? Right. Of and actually being cured of it. Of actually being cured by I think it. recently there was one girl, yeah. one lady. Yeah. yeah. So they have some quirk in their immune system that, that has enabled them to eliminate the virus from their system. Uh, one other patient uh, you know, who has since unfortunately died uh, was cured when he received a bone marrow transplant. Mm. 
Ah, oh, that one. I yeah, read about that. Unfortunately, he had to have a bone marrow transplant because he also had a very aggressive form of leukemia. So right. you, you, oh, shit. Yeah, so you don't... It's it's not really practical for us to do that for all our patients at this point. Mm. Especially given that medications nowadays are so effective. They yeah. have so few side effects. And they are generally easy to take. So we talk about like the, the evolution and the progress that we've made in the medical side of things, yeah. right? And the fact that if it's undetectable, like... You, you could practically almost live as normal a life as possible, yep. right? In that yep. sense. But yet there's still a lot of stigma associated with it. Like we look at like what John said also, like even though he he knows about this, he still went to that, that safe haven and was still a little bit scared and paranoid about stuff, right? Right. Let alone what about those who are still misinformed. So I think like just like two years ago, there was an article about a man who like said that because he told his workplace he had HIV, he was terminated. Right, right. You know, he was working he was working at this F and B restaurant. And like the FNB like place came out to say that oh we terminated him because he wasn't honest on his application form about his health status. Sure. We then sparked another debate about why do you need to be declaring your your HIV health status um, if it doesn't affect like your work performance to to, to that extent la. So right. like the stigma is still very very real, especially for people living with with HIV as well. Mm. Like in terms of like your interaction with patients, like do they talk to you about like some of these grievances, a lot of these concerns? Yeah, I think definitely the the nature of uh, of my work is that uh, oftentimes once I um, you know once a patient comes to see me, I I walk that journey with that patient for his or her life, you know, for for, for their lives because oh, HIV wow. is like a lifelong disease. What a privilege, right? huh? So yes, it's 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 really a privilege for me because um, uh, I we we. I see them through, um, you know, what it was like when they were first diagnosed to, you know, getting them through uh, to, to being on medications and then eventually on the other side when when uh, their HIV almost becomes a non-issue because, you know, mm. their health is, is back to normal, you know, back to what it was like before. How long is that process, you think, like typically? So, um, it depends on what stage they start treatment at. Because remember mm. we were saying just now, right? It, but I, a range? Um, generally speaking, uh, within about three to four months of treatment, right. uh, most people are... And treatment is just viral oral yeah. meds? Uh, majority of my patients take one or two tablets once a day. Right. So it's... it's Even after the undetectable viral load, they're still taking this? Yes. Okay. Yes. So I tell them that, uh, you know, most, most, of, most of my patients, you know, the younger ones, I'll tell them, you know, you have parents at home. Likelihood is that some of them have high blood pressure, some of them have diabetes, right? They're also taking tablets every day. Yeah. We never talk about curing diabetes or curing hypertension. It's, it's not exactly the same, but yeah. it's a similar concept. You take a daily medication to control a medical condition that you cannot cure, mm. but with this tablet that you take, you can control it so that you don't get any um, yeah. problems like, that arise from it. Yeah. Oh, that's good. I mean, based on my impression, like people living with HIVs do go through physical changes and such, right? Does it actually affect their work? Um, I think there's sort of two parts to your question: right? whether they experience physical changes and yeah. whether it affects their work. Yeah. Mm. Uh, so the sim- the the part that's simpler to answer is whether there are any physical changes. And I would mm. say that um, there was a time, maybe twenty plus years ago, when uh, people were saying that, oh, you know, I. I, I don't want to go on medications because you could... Uh, there, there were some older medications where the side effects could change the physical appearance of people. Is it, they, so based on what I read, yeah. it's like some abnormal fat distribution or yeah. like you get very visible veins right. and stuff. Yeah. 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 So that is really 
uh, I would say two decades ago. Oh. Those medications are no longer being used. You're like the doctor's worst nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> the fella try and diagnose you, then you're like, no, that's not what I read. <laughs> but Google say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, WebMD, doctor. So those, and those of course, if you don't get treatment and you fall sick, then there might be some physical changes that come about from that. And the most common one would be like weight loss because your body is constantly trying to fight an infection. Right. But I would say that for most of my patients, once they start medications, um, they, you know, they, 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 there are no real physical changes either in appearance mm. or in uh, the way that they are able to live yeah. day to day mm. right um, because essentially their health and their immune system is maintained mm. at, 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 at uh, levels that are almost the same as, as it was before they were infected Mm. So then the second part of that question, which I think you kind of talked about as well, which is um, with regards to uh, whether it affects their work or not. If your health is in good shape and your immune system is, 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 is you know, functioning as it should be, then there's no reason why it uh, affects your work. But, um, and, you know, in the throwback to what you were talking about just now about the, the article, um, in almost all professions, HIV does not affect your work, mm. right? Because uh, it is, as you pointed out as well, only uh, transmitted through contact with infected body fluids, right? Mm. Blood, uh, semen, other sexual fluids, and so on. Uh, and well, I would oh. say that in most workplaces, yeah. that's not an issue. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully not. Uh, hopefully not an issue, yes. So uh, there are certain things where, especially in healthcare, uh, where there are what we call more exposure-prone um, uh, 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 practices. Yeah. But even then, if a person has an undetectable viral load, then you know the risk of transmitting it on to others is practically zero. Mm. So uh, I would say that workplace, uh, or rather the workplace is really a place where concerns and fears about HIV uh, should be looked at mm. much more um, critically. And, and, and that would be really key to reducing the stigma that people living with HIV face in their everyday lives. Okay, okay so um, we have nicely compiled like a bunch of like perceptions or misconceptions that people might have about HIV. Well, we don't know whether they're misconceptions yet, but perceptions that people have I about know, HIV. I know, I know, I know it. And so uh, John is very, very confident, but what we're going <laughs> to do is that I'm going I'm to say this out, the other three are going to guess, and then Dr. Wong's going to confirm whether we are correct or okay, not. Okay, given that I'm a okay. teacher's pet, I'm going to get this all correct. Testing positive for HIV is a death sentence. Myth. Myth. I would say myth as well. Our producer compiled this, so I, I don't know the answers. So it is, it is a myth. Yeah, because with uh, treatment nowadays, even people with late stage infection, yeah. you know, if they stay on their treatment, their health can essentially get much, much better. Yeah, and, and they can go on to live uh, lives that are no different from that of others. Great. Yeah. So what happens if you don't treat it? So with HIV that's not treated, your immune system will continue to get weaker and weaker. Uh-huh. And uh, if people still don't stay on treatment, it can be, uh, you know, it can be sort of life-threatening. And, you know, in the past, people who, who, who die from HIV infection is generally because of a lack of access to treatment. Mm-hmm. Okay, no, yeah. but how do, how do I die? Uh, usually because <laughs> of uh, severe infections. <laughs> Right. It be, yeah. It's like diabetes Because yes. you get cut It doesn't heal Your immune right? system is weaker yeah. so, right. so people get lung infections Brain infections And so right. on right. Thankfully right. we are seeing that Less and less commonly nowadays Because treatment is so widely available Right, right. Yeah. Okay. Like you, you can die from a cough like, In that sense um, A cough is a symptom Of right. yeah, yeah. So uh, you can die of a cough That's a caused by a lung infection Or right. a infection right. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But is treatment for HIV And treatment for AIDS different? 
Uh, no, it's not. So treatment for, remember I said that HIV is the virus that mm. causes AIDS. Mm. So HIV infection and AIDS are kind of, if you think about it like on a spectrum, right? Mm. It's like the, the, the mild, moderate, and then severe, uh. but they're all kind of the same thing. Right. So the treatment for it is the same. You want to stop the virus and you do that with the HIV medications. Okay. Mm. Yeah. Okay. okay. But does the dosage change? No. Okay. No. You can tell if someone has HIV or AIDS simply by looking at them. I bet you. I bet a doctor kind of. No, I feel like guess, depends though. on which which stage they are at. Okay, we go HIV first. If they just detected HIV. Uh, just detected. No myth. No uh, myth. Myth. Right. Yeah. yeah myth. No, but as, as, <laughs> a, as a very trained physician. No, there's, there's really me? no way. There's really no way to but tell. But you mentioned like the weight loss and all that. Then so that's if it's very very advanced. But remember, yeah. people can lose, lose weight, weight for, for a lot of reasons. That's also true. Right? They can yeah. be trying to lose weight. They could have other medical conditions. The only way you'll know if you are HIV infected or not is to get a test. Okay. Right. And so you know, if if there's only one thing to remember is that um, for people who are at risk, or even if you don't know what your risk is mm. and you you want to know whether you are HIV infected or not, go and get a test. There are many ways to do so. Uh, Almost any clinic will be able to do so. And ah. there are 10 sites around Singapore where you can also get an anonymous test if you don't feel comfortable registering with your name and your IC number, for example. Oh. Oh. Yeah. So Wait, it's on the spot test? Uh? Um, so there are different kinds of tests. There are rapid tests, which you can get a result within 20 minutes. Like ART. Yeah, it's very similar to ARTs. Mm. Uh, but the difference with the ART for COVID is that at least at the current moment, you can't buy it and do it yourself at home. La. Right. You still have to go to a facility like a clinic or, or like a testing site and get it done there. Okay. But you can get results within 20 minutes. Uh, and then, of course, if you go to other places where you get the, the normal blood tests and so on, it takes uh, you know, a couple of days for the results to come back. Uh, but uh, that's the only way you'll know whether you're HIV infected or not. For sure. Right. Okay. Yeah. No, so I, I want to say, right, like, like back then, I was on like dating apps and shit, right? Still. Then, still. Oh no no you're not already back then yeah. congrats um, hey, hey. Good job, man. this this just to stop coming out right? <laughs> <laughs> okay, but anyway anyway no so I was talking to this one girl and then she was asking me whether like I I got test I got test or not mm. yeah because she's a nurse oh yeah oh. then she says that she she hooks up regularly with like a bunch of people and then she always gets tested and then she makes sure that the other person gets tested before she hooks up with them. Then, oh, nice. Yeah, then she asked me whether I got test or not. I mean, I, but I, I don't do one night stands, okay? But it's sure. just like, uh, no, no. So, because it was, that was the problem. Because then I never, it never occurred to me that whether I should go and get tested or not. Right. And then, right, when she asked me that, I'm thinking like, even, even if I'm not going to hook up, right, should I just go and get tested, you know? Then I start to think about like, I, I scared. That you might have it. Ah, and then I, you went to get tested. No, I never. Oh, so until now, oh, you I, he's I, still I just don't understand it enough. Right, yeah, right. yeah, then I feel like, oh, I, I don't want to know. I do, should I know? So like, today we prepared a special test kit for John. You need to ejaculate into a cup. That's okay. not how you do it. <laughs> <right? laughs> no, but that's the thing, right? Like, like, should people do it regularly, or is there something that you can feel in your body that makes you go like, okay, I should go and get tested? Yeah. yeah. So once again, just as you can't tell by looking at a person, even if you're infected, you can't really feel it until mm. it's at late stage where you start to fall sick. Oh. So sometimes people say, oh, you know, I, I don't want to get tested because I feel fine, right? But that's that's really a. Uh, not the right way to, to, to go about it. Le. Now, does everybody need to get a test? Obviously, if you've never been exposed to HIV, if you've got zero risk of being infected, if let's say you've never been sexually active before, right. never shared needles with anyone before, never had a blood transfusion outside the country before, then there's no way the virus could have come 
Mm. Uh, right. you, you could have been infected. But anybody who's ever been sexually active, especially if you've been sexually active with multiple partners, let's say, or there's been a chance that you might have had unprotected sex in the past. Not, not us. We are clear. Then, <laughs> uh, then, then it's important to get tested. Another conversation also is about how people living with HIVs come out about it to like family and like people around them. Right? Right, right. Do you have any anecdotes of like patients who've struggled with that? Um, I think I would say that for most people, especially in the you know the, the early stages of being infected, it's going to be challenging, right? Mm-hmm. I think you talked about just now about how HIV is this uh, uh, it's tied closely to sex and anything that's tied closely to sex, especially in a, in a, in a society and a community like ours, it's difficult to talk about openly. Mm-hmm. And any sexually transmitted disease is similarly difficult to talk about. Um, most of my patients, I would say, have had some difficulty coming out to their loved ones about it. Uh, primarily because there's so much taboo still surrounding HIV and some people have a sense of shame about it some people have a sense of um, uh, regret about it but I would say that it's that is also changing with time and as we explain that you know living with HIV is just like living with any other chronic medical condition then we help our patients work through uh, some of that shame and that guilt that they feel mm. uh, but you know I, I, I have I have stories of um, I mean I've, I've yeah anecdotes of uh, husbands who find it difficult to tell their wives for example because it may have been something that happened prior to getting married okay right from from previous partner for example uh, I've got stories of um, older older patients having to come out to their children about it as well mm. and sometimes you know they that, that that can cause some rift some drama within the yeah. family uh, so what we try to do is try to uh, help mediate that mm. uh, right so I, I see maybe the whole family in my clinic and I talk about uh, about things most of the time the fear or the anger comes from a lack of knowledge yeah and so once mm. they know what it's all about once they know that you know it can be treated it can be managed the risk of uh, spreading it to people within the family is practically zero then a lot of that goes away mm. uh, yeah is there like a most common question or misconception that that they have when they come and sit down with you in in your clinic oh the number one question is always oh how long do i have left la? and i always oh, have to tell no. them that well um it's you know that question is I mean, I don't say it like that, but it's almost like I tell them it's not really that relevant anymore, right? Yeah, How long yeah, would you yeah, like yeah. to? What a great answer to give, though. It's an outdated question. Yeah, so I just tell them that actually once you start treatment, you, it will be exactly the same amount of time you would have had before your HIV infection. Yeah. Right? Which you don't and I can't predict that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know that. But it's not any shorter because of the week, HIV. week, though. No, but that's a great point. Yeah. It's not yeah. any shorter because of the HIV. Yep, yep. Okay. okay, can mosquitoes spread HIV uh, through mosquito bites? Isn't that malaria? Oh, that sounds, that sounds yesy, man. Like if they bite a, a HIV, HIV positive, positive person oh. and then they bite someone else, can I think spread? the answer is yes, right? But it's a specific mosquito breed. No, that's for malaria. No. Or ADs. Or dengue. No, so so uh. the thing is, is that... Oh, <laughs> <laughs> we totally don't know. Apparently, and I don't know whether I've been misinformed, right? But I know... I believe my parents got dengue because... Um, uh, uh, someone, someone bit like uh, a dengue patient, and then like. Oh, yeah, that's exactly how dengue spreads. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so, like, if, if it, okay, well, thank you, John, for your very condescending. Uh, uh, don't be sad then. Don't be sad then. So yeah, so so, so what's your answer? Well, now that you say that, it feels like a yes. I'll say yes, ah. Uh. It's like a fact. No, it's it's a completely a myth. What? Yeah. Yeah, so he made me change my answer. <laughs> <laughs> so things like dengue and malaria, which are mosquito-borne. 
diseases, right, are spread through mosquitoes because they also infect the mosquitoes themselves. Uh, uh, one thing about viruses. Then, is then why the mosquito don't die? Um, because the. Do you really want me to go into no. this? No. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, I really wanted to check. Wait, ask the big questions. <laughs> no, you can read up. Because I honestly think that they, they were just carrying blood around. I didn't think they got infected. Yeah, so the uh, thing about viruses is that they're very particular about what they infect. So like the HIV virus, for example, cannot infect your dog or your cat. So annoying. Right? So it is a human immunodeficiency virus. It Once it's DIV virus for dogs. Once it's outside of the human body, it can't survive. So if uh, if a mosquito bites me and I've got virus in my blood, once it goes into the mosquito, the virus dies. It cannot oh. be transmitted. Right. Yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> so we understand that like it is transmittable by bodily fluids, right? So what if he has HIV? He cut his hand, then mm. the blood drip out. I think then I put in my I lick, as opposed to blood to blood mm. because saliva doesn't matter, right? Mm. Will I get HIV? The risk is extremely low. Right. But uh, to say that it's zero would not be correct either. Mm. Okay. Uh, most of the time, you not need so direct, dumb. You need direct contact, and the virus needs to enter into your bloodstream. So most right. of the time, you know, our mouth, unless there's a big cut or an ulcer or something where where you know there's a possibility that the virus oh. will enter into your bloodstream, the chance of transmission is extremely low. But, but we would not recommend licking the blood for anybody, <laughs> regardless of the circumstances. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, but what if you get bitten by a snake? Then you take out the poison. You should also not do that to take out <laughs> a poison from a snake bite. Like on TV, they stuck, then they spit, all right? Should I save his life or try to get hit every like? Rich? Yeah. yeah. Oh, Wait, what? No, that's a horrible, horrible dilemma. Oh, back to the game. <laughs> so if I have a cut and he has a cut and our cuts touch for some reason, like. Yeah, so I think if one open wound is exposed to another open wound, then and there's blood, right? Yeah. Then yeah. the risk is of course higher. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But why would you? But why would you? Yeah, yeah. I agree. So no, like we shake hands, man. You know what I mean? Like we do push ups on the floor, we bleed because we mainly men, right? Yeah. Then we shake hands. No, like, it's good workout. Exactly, it's, it's a stupid <laughs> question, right? But I think a lot of like, even though I am educated now on yeah. the HIV, um, uh, on, a, on HIV to yeah. a small extent, uh huh. Yeah, to a small extent, I feel like there's still a lot of paranoia around it because of like what of that one percent freak chance of something like that happening, right? Yeah. So yeah, so like the menstrual blood thing I had in my head when mm. I sat on the toilet bowl. Oh yeah, that's. That's valid, right? Or is that not valid? It's not really that valid because once again, remember, once the virus is out of your bloodstream, regardless of whether it's in a mosquito or it's mm. exposed to the air, Onto the virus dies board, yeah. very, very quickly. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay, 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 so okay. a lot of those fears about sharing toilets and all that are also completely myth. Okay. Yeah. And okay. also from sharing oh, toilet, it will not enter your bloodstream. Ah. Hanging in a toilet bowl, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I, I, I completely <laughs> don't know, but <laughs> is there a chance of contracting HIV when sharing food with a person living with HIV? Myth. Yeah, I would say myth. No, no chance. Uh. If the food is, <laughs> what if the food is cold though? Huh? If the food is hot, you might cook it, right? Give it. To but me. if say okay, if say right, both have ulcer or one uh-huh. person got cut in the mouth, or like something like that. Yeah, but they're not sharing the food that they put in their mouth, right? No, you <laughs> need <laughs> No, like say the, the mother yeah. chew the food first, then spit the, the baby oh, yeah, mouth. Yeah. And then cool the mother got ulcer. <laughs> yeah, it's possible, right? If the food is cold, if it's hot, you will cook the thing. It's mark. only possible if both of them have a cut in their mouth. Yeah. yeah. I'm not trying to make it happen. I just want to yeah, yeah. <laughs> see if there's a possibility. It's very right? hard already, yeah. Mm. So I think we are all describing circumstances which hardly ever occur in real life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, we're covering bases. Food, sharing food and drinks does not uh, yep. transmit HIV. So strange, oh. what a virus. Oh. 
It's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's, yeah, it's, yeah, so, yeah. it's such a unique <laughs> feature. No, but it's so sad because of the misconception. A lot of people, a lot exactly. of people living with HIV don't really have that that social life that like a lot of people can enjoy like, mm. without HIV. So mm. it's quite sad. Mm. So let's educate more people and like please spread the awareness and HIV positivity. No, just now earlier on you said that like every year how many people die from HIV? One point seven million. Um, it's it's in the millions. Okay. I mean, one point something million. But thankfully that number has come down in recent years. Right, so like, right, what is it like now, right, roughly? Uh, well, you're really putting me on the spot yeah. here. I yeah, think oh, the latest one was, um, I think it had dropped to less than a million. Okay, so yeah, like or comparing with like yeah. all the other viruses, right? How how highly ranked is this? Like, how how serious is it? Oh, oh, so um, I mean, the main the major killer of people from infectious diseases. I mean, prior to the COVID sort of, you know, the, the COVID times that we are in now, uh, are other infectious diseases like tuberculosis, yeah. you know, like things yeah. like malaria, uh, which are still major killers of, of people. Uh, most children die of infectious um, causes of diarrhea, for example, due to dehydration. Mm. But HIV is still, you know, a, a, a huge killer. And the, the problem, I mean, or the tragedy with HIV is that it tends to affect people who are sexually active who also tend to be younger and economically active and contribute, you know, they are the breadwinners of their family, mm. their parents of young children. So HIV deaths are truly tragic because A, they are preventable and B, they often lead to, um, uh, uh, you know, issues within families, issues within mm. societies. Yeah. Yeah. So I've got okay. some statistics. Oh, um, yes. <laughs> so in 2020, right, there were 37.7 million people globally living with yep. HIV. Uh, 1.5 million became newly infected in yep. 2020. 680,000 died from AIDS-related illnesses in 2020. Yeah, you so compare this 700,000, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You compare yeah, this with TB. Yeah, you compare this with TB, in 2020, 1.5 million people died from, mm, from right. tuberculosis. So in, in Singapore, there's no reason to, to really die from HIV anymore, right? Um, so it's interesting you say that because many of our people living with HIV now, uh, we are seeing that as they grow older with HIV, the reasons of the causes of sort of death and passing away are actually not related to HIV, right? They yeah. have age-related problems of cancer, other things that are, you know, sort of not age-related and that shift away from uh, dying of HIV to dying with HIV is uh, actually a testament to the success mm, of our yeah, treatments. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So, like how likely is a cure? Because it's been there's been news of it constantly, right? But mm. we've still not found one even after 40 years. Yeah, the, the problem with HIV is that it is an extremely complex virus and that all of the usual techniques that we have tried to apply to it that have been able to cure other diseases don't quite work as well. Mm. Uh, but uh, we are continuing to research and, and, and try to do it. And in fact, a lot of the scientific progress and advancements uh, that we have used in our fight against COVID, for example, have come about as a byproduct of our uh, oh. research into HIV. Yeah. Okay. Right? So I think, you know, um, whether it's, it's the, the medications that we use or even the vaccine technologies that mm. we have, have been, have come about because of how much resources and time and effort and, and human ingenuity have gone into HIV research. Mm. So, um, we are marginally closer today than we were five years ago and we were slightly closer today than we were 10 years ago. Um, I still have faith that I will see it in our lifetimes. Mm. Oh, wow. Uh, but until then, you know, I, what I tell my patients is that I want to keep you healthy 
until the day that a cure is available mm. and that's why you have to you know because I mean even after the cure the difference is that you don't take that one pill a day la. other than yes. that there's no other yeah. difference oh, so undetectable means you still need to take the pill every day but cure means you don't need to take the pill yeah. you, are, you are taking the pill to keep it undetectable yes right 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 yeah. exactly there was this very good uh, short film by I think like Bu Jun Fong, Fong right have you seen that? Which one? The the the, the long like one take one about the the nurse the the first nurse eh? Iris Iris Fergus ah yes. you know her oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Hey. she um she uh was still working when I joined oh uh, sorry who is she no so basically the I think it was the first ever case in Singapore right one of the first cases. Oh, one of the yeah, first cases the so first that everybody cases. they don't understand this ma so they all scared so she was one of the few nurses who go and volunteer to go and take care and help wow the, like the mother Teresa yeah so Bunjil Feng did a, a, a short film about about her yeah damn good damn good show you all should go and watch oh so you met you you know yeah her? Yeah, yeah I know Iris she's yeah. a lovely 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 lady that's yeah. so that's cool, cool. It's like <laughs> yeah it's really cool let me take a historical figure yeah, yeah it's like yeah, Spider-Man yeah. speaking of Spider-Man like so Andrew Garfield he he started in this show called Tick Tick Boom I don't know if you've seen yes, it yes yes and so it was so like jarring to me because like they were living in the eight, uh, no 1990s right and basically all his friends like so many of his friends were just dying like every week Spoiler alert. Mm. Yeah. And then what was, <laughs> what was interesting <laughs> yeah. to know, right, was that his best friend in the show who was uh, well, then diagnosed spoiler. with HIV, again, massive spoilers, but like you guys are not going to watch it if you haven't watched it by now, yeah. right? okay? Probably not. Uh, so in the show, right, his friend, uh, a, a big turn in the show was that his friend got diagnosed with HIV, and this was in the 1990s, right? He's still alive today, hmm. that friend. Right. And it was so interesting, you know, because like in the whole show, it really was such a downturn. In like uh in the main character's life la. Mm. but it's crazy to think that the AIDS pandemic at that point of time like every so many people were just dying, um and and now we've gotten to a stage where where you can you can live. I think if you look at how um the reporting of HIV and AIDS or like terms that they are using in the media right, it has also changed quite a bit yeah. from like nineteen eighties nineteen nineties where they called them like lepers or mm. like they they called them um they called it an incurable like mystery disease. It really was yeah, and I think we've really come a long way from that la. Mm. Yeah. Is it true that AIDS came from men having sex with monkeys? No, it's not. Um, we have will probably we will, have, have. I mean, we will probably never know the true story. But there's been uh, a body of research that shows that it probably made the jump from it did it did start off in apes in monkeys, uh, lowland gorillas and chimpanzees. Mm. But it probably made the jump when because uh, in that area and at that time and even up to now actually. Uh, there is a practice of eating what they call bushmeat, which is you know like basically wildlife, right? That you yeah. hunt and you eat. Mm. And uh, the 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 theory, which of course can never be proven, but there's good evidence to suggest that that is what happened, was that as somebody was butchering it, they probably cut themselves and then were stained. And also, you know, when you're butchering an animal, there's right. a lot of blood. So that is probably when uh, uh, the jump was made. And we think going from. Um, some you know some research and some very very specialized uh, uh, methods that it probably happened maybe in the late 1970s so a few years before the oh, first cases were it is up. rather young then oh my god then how did they find out they sexually transmitted yeah it's such a strange journey you know what I mean it's such a curveball from the creator <laughs> huh? he's, he's like everything goes by saliva but this one's when you you know he's like wow <laughs> such a curveball eh? yeah because you probably make out your audience, so it could be saliva right yeah, yeah, no, yeah. So they had to do a they test. They really eliminate like, yeah, lor, it Maybe they're saying <laughs> point to do a test. Yeah, yeah, yeah. could it be tears, for example. Don't make out. You do the other thing. <laughs> no, actually, the other way is just to test saliva, and saliva doesn't oh, have to yeah, bite. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why they test. You're the doctor. So 
Doctor, you are not just a doctor, you're the expert doctor. <laughs> I feel like if if I have to take medication every single day, the most likely thing to happen is that I'll forget to take it for a few days or a week. Right. What's okay. the impact yeah. on that? Um so the impact is actually uh, if if this sort of uh, practice continues, right? If mm. patients kind of miss their medications, uh, even if it's occasionally, but mm. if it's a like a habit, you know, it happens for a long time, uh, the medications can actually fail. Right. Uh, so then the virus becomes what we call resistant. It doesn't uh, oh, get like suppressed by that uh, particular antiviral anymore, okay. uh, and then the viral load will go up. And then it was the virus will start attacking the immune system again, and so people can start to fall sick again. Right. So, um, you know, if I go back to my analogy before about HIV not being a one-way street, uh, it can be for good or it can be for bad as well. So that's why people need to be taking their medications regularly every day. Thankfully, we have a quite a wide variety of range right, of like antibiotics, really. Yeah, and and with antibiotics, you know, we always talk about antibiotic resistance, right? Yeah. There's antiviral resistance as well. We we don't oh. want that to happen. Yeah. What if I'm traveling like across like time zones? Then how? I usually will tell my patients you stick to Singapore time. Oh, yeah. Right. yeah. Okay, that, that makes sense. Because you, <laughs> you, you can be born with it, right? Yes, you can. How then? How do you like? What's the earliest age you can detect it? And like, how does um, that work? So any baby that's born to a mum who's HIV infected, especially if the mum's viral load was not yet undetectable, right? Mm. Uh, and I, I, I mean, to be honest, even if the mum's uh, viral load unde- uh, was undetectable, uh, they once they are born, we will test them at multiple points. Uh, for some cases, we are able to detect the virus right after, you know, at the point where the baby is born. Sometimes it takes a few more weeks before the virus is detectable, and then we can make a diagnosis. Uh, but we start them on treatment and so mm. they you know we, we, sorry you start the mum or the baby baby, baby. baby. both, oh, yeah. both. Okay. both Whoever, ready, uh, right anyone who has HIV infection should be on treatment yep, yep. Yeah. right mm. are people resistant to treatment like when, if, when they first find out for example uh, of course they, they can be uh, and you know they, they, they might be in denial they right. might be um, you know they, they might be depressed and, and hence not want to take uh, medications they might be in shock especially if it's something mm. that they were not expecting uh, they might be worried about the stigma of being seen with HIV medications, right? And, right. and all that that entails. There are so many reasons, but our duty as, you know, as my, my, my team and I, as, as doctors, as, as nurses, as pharmacists, as social workers, is to help them process it and work through and get them on treatment as soon as we can. Okay, so the one question that maybe I can ask you is, what can we do better to educate or to raise awareness about HIV, how can we Alama. how can we do it so that you know mm. you uh, maybe wouldn't have had these misconceptions at this you know yeah because it is necessary yeah yeah I think what concerns me is that like there's still somewhat this irrational fear like what John has described right even though we know all this information yeah. but then because we've never in a sense been in contact or like we don't I personally don't know anyone who has been like infected right so yeah. then I think like it comes from like that. That, that disconnect law. Right. Like, because right. I've not had the chance to maybe like interact with people like firsthand and all that. And so I have that irrational fear in my head. Yeah. But I'm not sure what I, I mean, the solution to that is what they go on tour, but it cannot be. Right? So like, I don't know what the solution to that is. I mean, that I, is, I don't know why it's helpful to the cause to say this, but I think my concern is not in the faith of, like the trust of the medication and the system. It's in personal irresponsibility. Just like how COVID can even if we have a cure or even if now that we have vaccines we are still dealing with it 
largely due to a lot of personal irresponsibility. Yeah. So what if you forgot to take the pill? You don't say. What if you cut your hand? You never say. What if you menstrual stain? Canada. Wait. Say to who? Like say to who? I I don't know. Like to the people around you, or like you just don't clean up after yourselves properly. I feel like that. That was my concern, you know, because before going in, of course, I I brought a team in to film, ah. So I also went to Google to make sure am I putting the team at risk, ma? Yeah, so we are okay with that, right? There, there is um, there's almost no risk. Then the concern was, what form of personal irresponsibility could get my team infected? Yeah, yeah. Which today I understand that even if you are not very responsible, also not easy to get infected, lah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and but that's the thing, like I think most of us came in because we researched. For the topic beforehand, and John like met with someone and and knows about the topic beforehand. But I think a, a lot of the public don't know that this is a disease that cannot be transmissible via saliva, for example. Right, right. Or or they they don't know there's actually meds that is pretty much yeah. Like already. only yeah. doing this, then I realized yeah. and then I learned all this. So and and to be honest, like like what what she's saying, right? Like like for example, if if I never kena like tuberculosis or whatever, I would never know about it or go and learn about it. I won't mm. bother. It's not something that you actively so, seek out. To yeah, but about. I think the main issue here is that there's discrimination from the people who don't have it or the people who don't know about it, right? Mm. So, I feel like it's the it's the people with HIV who should be more open about their circumstances, right? Around the people that they that they are that they are closer to. Like if mm. they're open about it, then I'm more inclined to ask, ma. But it's, then it's if also I ask, then I get educated. Then I can tell other people. It's easy to see why it's difficult for them, lah. Of course, lah. Of yeah. course, it's difficult. So la. if I go HIV and be like, no, lah, won't spread one. <laughs> one, one. You know what I mean? And then you suddenly lose all your friends. No, but I think he's talking about how it's like a bit of a vicious cycle because like they themselves are a bit scared to say. Then that itself forms a taboo yeah. around it, yeah. and then so people who don't have it and like uh, might have a more negative perception towards that. Also, so it's kind of a chicken yeah, and egg problem. Because when we tie it back to the article, right? I'm thinking like if say somebody join our company. And that person was HIV positive, we would I think like maybe okay lah. I don't want to be so like aggressive with this, but like <laughs> probably over a few conversations with them, right? I definitely will ask about you. Right? Probably the first ah. And yeah, that's right. At but the then I don't want to be so yeah. aggressive yeah. Like, like, The first lunch, the whole lunch time. Then, it tells really me. Yeah. <laughs> but then I think that would be my 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 like the the first point of access to this law to this kind of information. Yeah. Yeah. Or oh, just come on the show more yeah. 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 I mean, to answer yeah. your your question to the point is the daily catch up lah. <laughs> this is the answer. No, I, I think yeah. HIV has been overly mystified. Yeah. Yes. Yes. It's almost on a pedestal of viruses mm. that it feels very special and very scary. To be very honest, mm. yeah. Like if it was treated like uh, like any other like flu, flu. Yeah. Which it 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 seems like with medication is less than a flu lah. If it's if it's kind of treated and talked about it that way, I feel like we can educate the next generation. La. I mean, we grew up with Channel 8, really, so it's like this really. That's yeah, Channel 8, really. Yeah, Channel 8, really. <laughs> then heart attack. Like, oh, you know the <laughs> I mean, if I could just... Yeah, I mean, th- thanks, for, thanks for answering that question. I think the... Um, you know, one thing I wanted to pick on what you said mm. is that... Um, or other, you know, maybe expecting people living with HIV to speak up about it first is that... Uh, oftentimes, the environment is not always the best, right? We have people living without HIV or people with misconceptions have perhaps created an environment which makes it very difficult for those conversations Mm. to be had. So I always feel that 
maybe what we can do is continue this kind of conversation going at various levels so mm. that gradually over time the environment for people to feel comfortable bringing it up mm. becomes better and and just as a last point to what you said about personal responsibility i think in my seven you know seven eight years of of uh, being an hiv specialist uh, the the greatest fear that anyone living with HIV, whether they've been in fact just newly diagnosed or been diagnosed for a long time, is the fear of transmitting the virus onto other people. True. I've never yeah. met a single yeah. person who has been who, vindictive you know, taken, about it. Yeah, yeah or yeah. taken a, a, an irresponsible attitude towards it. I think... Uh, but that's TV also though. Sorry? The, the, yeah. yeah, people that have it, then they're vindictive, right? So yeah. if I can't have sex, you can't have sex. Yeah. So Stop I think the, the tragedy is that there's so much fear on their part of transmitting to people, especially people they love. Yeah. yeah mm. so but I can tell, like, I mean, like the, the, the mental toll, like we talk about the physical toll, right? but the mental toll of having to live with that paranoia mm. of mm. not transmitting the disease must mm. be also such a burden. Yeah. Like, with your experience, like, how, how has that been, like... In terms of it, their mental like state of mind, it, well. it, I mean, I've I've seen people who have been completely, you know, um, yeah, tortured by 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 a having to keep the secret, yeah. b living with the guilt, c living in this fear, perhaps irrational fear of transmitting onto people that they love and care about, people that they live with, and I would say that the real only thing we can do is to be compassionate about it mm-hmm. and to realize that some of these things I can help with, right? I can reassure them that uh, I am not afraid. I can create an environment that is uh, warmer and, and, and kinder to, to people living with all kinds of chronic diseases, not necessarily just HIV. Yep. Mm. Uh, and I think it's, you know, we, we talk about HIV being so, you know, you talked about like a ex, ex, some pedestal, put on a pedestal, right? We can remove it from a pedestal, mm. right? And, and just talk about it as with any other chronic diseases. But sometimes we also have to realize that HIV, like you pointed out as well, is not like COVID, it's not like the flu because it's sexually transmitted. And anything that's, sexu- that's related to, to human sexuality is often a little bit more challenging to address and we have to mm. sort of approach it from a slightly different angle. Yeah. So there's no simple answers, unfortunately. And, and yeah. that's why I'm really appreciative and grateful that you invited me here because it's really true having these conversations. Yeah. And then yeah. I always tell people, yeah. right, no matter where I go, if you can go and talk to one other person about this and then ask that person mm. to also talk to and one other person. Spread it like an infection. Yeah. yeah. There you go. Whoa. Not necessarily <laughs> 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 taken, but sure. <laughs> hey guys, thank you so much for watching. Also, a massive thank you to Dr. Wong for joining us today and also enlightening, like, enlightening us <laughs> enlightening. with like HIV knowledge. And I hope you learn a thing or two as well and you help to spread that HIV positivity. Yeah. Don't spread mistruths lah. Okay. If you still have uh, any questions, maybe you can drop it in the comments and we can ans- we can debunk yeah. them too. Yeah. The and fellow experts here will help you out. <laughs> we'll try. We'll try. And there's <laughs> also a link uh, down below in the description box for more information about HIV and its treatments as well. Thank you so much for watching. If you enjoyed what you watched, remember to drop us a like, hit that notification button and subscribe. See you. You have to have sex only in a missionary position and it must be under a blanket. Mm. No! Is that true? Do you still want to have four wives? <laughs> <laughs> this is a daily catch-up. What, tired, yeah? Tired. Four wives. Boom. 
Hey guys, if you enjoy the Daily Catch Up podcast, and I hope you are, and you're not yet subscribed, what are you waiting for? Subscribe to this channel and also hit the notification button. Hey guys, so if you haven't watched part one yet, uh, save this step by going and watch that one first and then come back to this. This is part two of our AMA with Ustaz Lukman. Thank you so much for joining us again. Welcome, Welcome back. Yeah. More questions, more answers. Go, 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 go. Welcome back. Actually, he never left. La. <laughs> never left. He yeah. didn't even leave to pee. Eh. <laughs> yeah, we all pee three times, he never pee. He got the most restraint Sorry, here. Yeah. What's in Mecca? What's in Mecca? What's uh, in the What's in the black building? Uh, there's nothing actually. Okay, in the bl- in the in the, <laughs> the, 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 the box, <laughs> uh, the the Kaaba, the Kaaba, right? The the Kaaba, the black box, right? The black box. Uh, yeah. You see the yeah, I want to say black box, but I feel like yeah. like roots. I say black building. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah. So there's nothing. Uh, it's actually uh, there are only pillars. Is there uh, pictures of it inside? There are. But I'm not sure where you can get it, lah. Wait, non-Muslims can never enter, enter right? the Forbidden City, yeah. Huh, we cannot even lay eyes on it. Uh. Lay eyes can, uh, enter can. Uh. Okay, okay uh, go inside one. Uh. Can, can, can. Oh, yeah. oh I so, thought it's like me for maintenance or what? Uh, no, no. Okay, so like, uh, for example, uh, I think presidents, uh, they like oh. given the, uh, yeah, they, they are able to pray inside. Uh. Right, right. So like, uh, so even like though, even though, mm, it's just like empty space. You can pray, because we pray towards the Kaaba. Right? Yeah, uh, so if let's say you are inside that box, uh, then you can pray in any direction. Uh. Oh. oh yeah! Wow, heck, like so. You want play on lazy Susan there? That's crazy. Then he busy after he. But the whole point is that like you are at the you are the epicenter. No, you're yeah, supposed yeah. to be like the closest. And everyone is praying. Mm. At no, no, like not not praying towards you, lah. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean, that's also. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. <laughs> <laughs> when you step out of the door, you like. Hey, girl, so you're <laughs> <laughs> also, maybe a misconception, lah. We do not pray. Uh, like we do not worship the box, the Kaaba, no. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. It's just a direction. Yeah. Uh, okay. So yeah, just yeah. to make that clear. Why? Why? Why must? Why must you face <laughs> it? Is it? Yeah. No. Yeah. yeah. Like, uh. why? Who decided? I mean, I, I probably know who decided, right? But uh, okay, who? I don't know. I'm your prophet, lah. I guess. Okay. Uh, yeah. But, but the, the the prophet uh, Abraham was the one who built the thing. Oh, oh. he built it. Yeah. Huh? This thing looks very he, new, eh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, over the years, well uh, then they, oh. they, they he, he commissioned it or he built it. Built, uh, Wait, prophet, prophet Abraham, and it's, uh, which it's is man. the same Abraham that appears in yeah. uh, the Bible with yeah. the seven children. Abraham, back Abraham then, were, people were bigger. Oh, Father right. Abraham has seven children. The seven son, children. Cam, cam song. That's Father oh, Abraham. No, no, no. Some of them were tall. Isaac oh. as a son. Isaac and Ishmael. Yes. Mm. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he built the Kaaba with uh, Ishmael. Ah. Mm. <gasps> Poor Isaac, he didn't get to. No, Isaac went the Christianity so route. We will never yeah, be able yeah, to yeah. see what's inside. From the top view. No, but he said nothing is inside. Yeah, it's, it's like, yeah. Have you, no, have you seen? I've seen pictures. <laughs> huh? um. So when you go to like hotels, right? That's where th- that's what the arrow is pointing towards, right? Yes, yes. What if you are in like, camping and then mm. you don't know which direction it is? Uh, use the compass, ah. Or now a lot of apps can use apps. Or if let's say yeah, you like cannot use your brain, <laughs> no, no, because like okay, so so before apps, right? Before apps, you can use a compass. It's a legit question. <laughs> You do yeah. So so before apps, uh, like everyone has a compass. Yeah. But different parts of the world is relative Sun to no, where yeah. the yeah. box is. Uh, so then, how do you know? Which you need to you need to study first, lah. So, uh, so for in Singapore, if let's say you don't have compass, you don't have apps, then you look at uh, the sun. Okay, it's usually in the northwest direction, uh. Actually, I have a question. Like, how common is it to see non-Malays in mosques, like nowadays? Non-Malays. Uh, yeah. I, but they Muslims or not? Yeah, Muslim. Uh, I think it's common. It's common. Yeah, oh. it's common to see. Yeah. Uh. So even in the mosque that I mean, uh, they are. I think there's a football player, uh, like Caucasian, uh, very tall. Oh, wow. yeah. mm. oh, you have to be Muslim to enter a mosque? No. Yeah. no. Huh? I've been in there. You do not need to be Muslim, but uh, the praying area, right? Uh, you have to be Muslim like you, because it's a praying area. Oh, okay, uh, but okay. if let's say you want to enter the mosque, then you have uh, meetings. So I cannot be a non-Muslim that just want to go in and pray? Uh, supposedly no. Lah. But you can uh, go in and look. Right, they right. got like, visiting hours to just to go and look mm, at architecture. Yeah. Oh.
But what about like lifestyle practices, right? Like for example, like now Christians can eat pork, ma, even mm. though Old Testament say cannot. But for mm. Muslims, you still cannot. So yeah. what is the what is the rationale behind it? Okay, when it comes to fundamentals of religion, when it comes to the rulings and everything, uh, it won't change, lah. Uh, it can never change unless there are circumstances that allow it to be changed. Okay, but if let's say it's like uh, eating pork, for example, I take eh, uh, Muslims cannot eat pork. So uh, there are instances where they can if there are no other food. So survival, lah. Uh, okay, right. but then when they get back to humanity, they cannot eat pork anymore, lah. Uh, but okay. but what what is the rationale for not eating pork? Because at first, I my understand was my understanding was not just pork rice, animals with with hooves or some or like uh, trotters, claws, right? Right. Uh, yeah, the rationale for eating pork is uh, more to scriptural and uh, divine uh, reasonings, uh. It's not not so much of logical. Right. Uh, it's not cause uh. the animal dirty. Uh, yeah. That that's like kind of like a misconception also. Right. Although people oh. might say that oh this one dirty, that one dirty, and maybe then scientific now it's research. All in, you know Australia, then airport, then not uh, really dirty, you know. Uh, so it's <laughs> true. <laughs> that's a good point. Yeah. Do you take airport? I mean, I took all the pork. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, lah. So uh, that could be a scientific reason. And everything in religion, uh, be it mine or be it yours, there could be a scientific explanation. Ah, but for Islam, especially, uh, we do not like you. You cannot hold on to the scientific explanation alone. Mm. It needs to be based on faith and also the scriptures. Because if let's say the scientific uh, explanation. Like becomes nullified, like the yeah. airport. Uh, then what happens? Okay, mm. your whole faith crumbles. Uh. I heard that there is this. Um, uh, you cannot eat duck. Ah, uh? uh, duck can. Duck can. Yeah, duck can. Yeah. No, so, so you have no an internal debate. Also. I heard right <laughs> that duck you cannot eat duck because some somehow it's related to like the web feet of the duck or something like that. Oh, uh, no. Have no. you heard that before? I have not. Actually, I, I heard the web feet thing before. Okay, uh, I have not. Okay, but there are. <laughs> 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 yeah, but he's still one lah. So yeah, I mean, yeah, who yeah. am I, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, but there, there are maybe accounts of uh, creatures that live in the sea and also in the land. Okay, amphibians, it. Mm. Uh, crabs are one well. Frogs, uh, frogs definitely cannot because we have a scripture that says you cannot kill frogs. Oh, uh, specifically okay. frogs. Yeah, specifically. Is there a reason? Because they're cute as shit. Do I love frogs? I think a lot of people disagree. Yeah. So uh, maybe some some crabs, okay, some crabs are yeah lah, amphibians lah. Right, right, right. You you mentioned earlier that there might be a logical reason and then there's also a spiritual reason, mm, right? Faith based. Did, yeah, faith based reason. Did the Quran or your religious studies provide any answer as to the faith based reason for not eating pork? Uh, no, okay, as in not specifically pork, right? But uh, the overall uh, guidance for a Muslim is that you follow Allah, which is uh, our God, and also we follow the Prophet lah. Mm. Uh, so whatever that Allah asks you to do, you do. Whatever the Prophet. So it's about obedience yes, lah yeah. at this mm. point. Right, right, right. Mm. I I have another question, uh-huh. which is that like in terms of practice also, right? Um, so like I have Indonesian friends who are Muslim, mm-hmm. but then they have dogs. Mm. Like and I I'm also generally curious like why why is there a difference and why why cannot have dog? Okay, uh, this one is also because of scripture. Uh, so the same thing about eating pork. The uh, same thing also about uh, touching dogs. Uh, so we cannot touch dogs. Uh, if we want to, then we need to wash in a certain way. Is uh, cannot touch dogs or just the saliva cannot? Uh, that one school of thoughts, ah. But in oh. uh, in Southeast Asia, it's cannot touch. If you touch, right, it's not a sin if you touch. Okay, but if you touch, then you need to wash it seven times. One of the seven needs to be with soil. Right. Uh, okay. yeah. But why? What's wrong with dogs? Like, what is the? Uh, uh, there's nothing wrong. That's just the scripture, lah. 
Uh, that's just a scripture. Maybe the saliva thing, there's a logical explanation or scientific explanation, but I, I'm not to that standard yet. Lah. Right. Uh, so when the, maybe your Indonesian friends, they have dogs with them. Uh, they, they, it's expats, is it? Expats. Oh, expats. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, expats. Uh, uh, actually, also in uh, Islam cannot. Lah. Uh, but maybe they have not learned that part. I don't know. Right. Or they're just in a different school of thought. Lah. Okay, back in the day, right, I actually, I, I'm, I'm born into like a Christian family. Mm-hmm. And then like I was raised somewhat Christian, but I was given my own choices, right? So I think around 16 or 17, I, I actually, I was very active mm-hmm. in, in a church. Right? All my friends were there. The, the, the main struggle I was facing was that I, I, I couldn't understand or grasp the idea of this religion. I couldn't feel anything that made me want to believe. Mm-hmm. So then I was talking to like cell group leaders, church leaders, and finally like, I talked to the pastor of the mm-hmm. church, right? Mm-hmm. And the only answer that I was kind of getting is that you just need to take that leap like of that faith law. and believe. Yeah. And because he said that, right, I just, I gave up on religion completely mm-hmm. already. Yeah. And I've never looked back. La. But mm-hmm. so then my question is that like quite a few of the answers that you share with us today, right? It, it feels like it always leads back to It's in the scriptures Yeah, it's in the scriptures You just have to believe, right? Yeah, like I feel like that's something I would struggle with also And I would mm. assume A lot of the youth That you work with Probably struggle with right? How do you all deal with that? Yeah, uh, Honestly, uh, youth nowadays They they ask more questions uh. Okay, and back in the day Like maybe uh, Our generation I think maybe 10 years ago <laughs> When they when somebody asks a question That is not supposed to be asked Then the uh, Ustaz, Ustazah will scold uh, Hey, why you ask this question? Uh, like, but these days you cannot do so to the youth because they will probably turn yeah. away from faith. Mm. Okay, so it is the challenge also of the Ustazah to come up with an answer that satisfies their logical thinking. Okay, and at the same time, uh, an answer that they can accept. Uh, okay, scientifically, logically, and if, it's true. If let's say I always say that hey, it goes back to the scripture, it's because Allah has said it. <laughs> okay, yeah, at one point in time, maybe they... They cannot tahan anymore lah. Again, it doesn't make sense to me. Mm. And why everything makes sense. It's difficult lah for me also lah. Okay, uh, like the dog question also, right? Uh, maybe when I want to teach that particular lesson, I need to dive more into the sliver bit. Okay, why is there sliver? There's bacteria or not and so on. Okay, for the pork question, uh, even though we say that airport is like very clean, but maybe there are instances where other pocks are not so much. Uh, yeah. So yeah, or back yeah. in the day lah. So mm. the, the question is why don't update right? Mm. But I mean, I had a thought just now. We're feeling the water right <laughs> on on the western side of of religion. Mm-hmm. It seems a bit more acceptable today because they dominate pop culture and that they seem to be able to evolve mm. the rules of the church or the religion mm. to update, to change with times. Depends on the year that you are born with and the perspective that you hold. Is that more or less respectable than one that followed the prophet from the get-go? You know what I mean? Like, mm. right now, I think we are in a... Like, it's easy to think that back then, worse mm. dirty lah right because mm. pigs eat trash lah right and they roll mm. on mud and shit whatever right mm. and so maybe a prophet or a, a religious leader came out to say like guys mm. don't eat this shit you'll die right it was a quick way to prevent people from getting ah, sick so don't mm. or we don't right yep. and okay lah then that worked for the first like 1500 years right then after mm. that now we have cleaned up that point then it's like mm. should we update the religion mm. should we update the rule book mm. but who and, and for us because of Western influence, it feels like, yeah, we should totally update because it's no longer applicable. For the Muslim faith, it's mm. just no. Lo. There could be one million other reasons they say mm. don't eat the pork. Maybe yeah. that's just one reason. And we're, who are we to question it? Yeah. Can we survive without eating pork? We can, then let's just not eat pork. Yeah, and I think that in itself could also be beautiful. Mm. Maybe one, yeah. one thing that uh, like I can ask back to the youth, right, is... Why do, what do you think is the reason? So maybe they can do their own research and they can find an answer that convinces them, right? So one thing uh, that also I think a lot of youths ask nowadays is, 
uh, why do we need to pray five times a day? Mm. Uh, so when you think about it, then the answer would be like, hey, uh, because God asks you to do so, okay, it's prescribed to uh, ordain to us and stuff like that lah. Yeah. Okay, but the young people uh, don't take that. Uh, yeah. yeah. So uh, maybe for the ustaz or ustazah, they they might need to find answers like, okay, this is the point where you uh, you connect with God, or is the, the the part of the day where you meditate. Okay, you cleanse your thought and yeah, like a lot a lot of it's things. Like a reset of your life, in, for yeah. example. Yeah. And also nowadays, also you speak in English, right? So uh, back in my time yeah. okay uh malay was the more dominant language uh. right so the asatiza or the ustaz also need to have a mastery of the language and like if let's say they can throw out the bigger words then the better it's like that uh. it's like that uh. yeah actually one of the ways i reconcile that right with but by my religion right mm. actually it was influenced by a movie mm. and then something that i think i read or my priest And the movie was, I think, um, Arrival. Oh, I love Arrival. Or, or Passenger. Oh. No, 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 I think it's Arrival. 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 I love Passenger it's, less. It's about how aliens write differently. Is yeah. it Arrival? Yeah. Mm. It's about language. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that don't assume just because humans lead, read from left to right or up to down, or that we, we consume things sequentially, yeah. that other races, other species mm. of advanced life form also do the same. They can look at a symbol and it could communicate to them a whole movie already, yeah. mm. like a two-hour plot within looking at one symbol. And that was how one of the ways I reconciled with my religion <laughs> in terms of like you think about why would God create us to worship him? Like that's like a narcissistic thing to do. Mm. You know, why would God, why would everything good we attribute to God? Why everything bad? We, oh, that one must be Satan. And it's like, mm. hey, then why didn't you kick Satan's ass so that we don't get cancer? You know what I mean? Mm. Like, yeah. And then I realized, okay, I'm thinking the way I would if I was God. Yeah. But I'm not. You're limited mm. by your human. Yeah, and yeah. We, don't, we don't understand. Yeah. And so if you believe, You take it. Yeah. Actually, something that I'm trying, I want to understand, and and that I notice, right, is that every time you said like a prophet's name or something, you will say like peace be with you uh, or something, right? Let's be his name. Peace be upon him. Why? Why? Ah, for the prophet Muhammad, okay, we say peace be upon him, or in the Arabic language, is Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, lah. Because the the prophet wants us to make this uh, prayer for him, okay, and also there's a narration, okay, that states that uh, whoever hears the prophet's name but does not recite this salawat, eh, because uh, yeah, salawat, then uh, in the day of judgment. Uh, the prophet cannot uh, or rather would not intercess for him intercession yeah, yeah. Right, right. Intercede, 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 yeah. intercede 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 for him yeah. okay okay right. that's interesting so every time his name is mentioned you must follow up yeah. uh, uh, for a particular um, let's say this seating right once is enough like, actually lah. okay but uh, lah, sometimes it feels weird it feels just to weird safe, and, uh, just to yeah. Yeah. check all your muscles <laughs> <laughs> also have it ready right, right. or habit, just in case we edit we cut out then never say oh. <laughs> 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 What what's something that you think a lot of non-Muslims misunderstand about Islam? Because I I know of people who mm. voluntarily convert and they always like mm. to say Islam is a beautiful mm. religion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Like yeah. what's something that you think a lot of people get wrong or like misunderstand? Oh, misunderstand. Eh? Uh, despite lah the 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 extremism part. Again, then Islam is barbaric. Uh, then the part where Islam is restrictive. Cause uh, everything is uh, seen from the third party point of view. Right? Mm. But if let's say you are born in a proper family, you are born in a in a family that like, really loves you and like this is the way you grow up already, then things would really look good lah, and you would love the way you live. Ah. I, I guess mm. the flip side would be that if you look at someone who is not religious mm-hmm. as a Muslim person, you might actually see them as so like a non-Muslim might see Muslim uh, Islam as like very restrictive. Mm. But on the flip side, you might see someone who is non-religious as like 
uncontrolled almost or a little bit. Yeah, when when it comes to like the actions like uh the that is prohibited in Islam, mm-hmm. right, and then yeah lah possibly okay. But for me yeah personally, I do not see people that way lah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it goes back to the personality and characteristic of the of the person lah. Okay, if let's say you are wild also but you are well mannered, then okay lah, I can be your friend. Let's not call more religious people wild. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was my word lah. So. Okay. <laughs> So bringing up, uh, I mean, John Paul earlier spoke about Indonesia, right? And I think there was a recent article, like it was almost, I think it was last month, it was January, mm-hmm. um, where an Indonesian woman got flogged a hundred times uh, for adultery, right? Mm. Oh. But her male partner was only flogged fifteen times. Mm. What is flog? Flog is like to kena, kena. the wooden pedal. Huh? I think it's a whip. Huh? You know the ancient Chinese when they pull out to flog them is with the yeah. wooden uh, pedal. Uh, like. BDSM. Like when Jesus was whipped, it was flogged also. Huh. Yeah. Also, just that action, lah. Yeah. Yeah. Like so, like, so, like, how, how, how extreme of a case is this, right? Like, I think, like, with every religion, there's always extremes. Even with Christianity, mm. um, a case like this of someone getting caned or whipped mm. for adultery, right? Is this closer to an extreme version of Islam, or is this actually closer to moderate Islam? Okay. Uh, to be perfectly honest, this is actually closer to the original way where Islam was practiced. Okay. okay. So for us, uh, I think I mentioned just now that the, the family institution is like very, very look up to lah. Again, okay, very preserved, right? Mm. So uh, adultery, extramarital affairs, and stuff like that is uh, a big no. Mm. Uh, okay. So uh, when this happens, uh, uh, the Sharia law, okay, which is not practiced in Singapore, okay, is uh, practiced in that particular country. Uh, the Sharia law uh, states that flogging needs to happen. Okay, mm. but actually not in this on, on not in this manner lah. Okay, there's there's an even worse uh, punishment. Okay, there's stoning. Okay, there's flogging. Right. Okay, uh, I think the cutting of hands. Right. So while we are at it, yeah, each has its own uh, set of like criteria how uh, this will be uh, whether to confirm whether the person is guilty or not. Mm. Okay, so in the particular article, uh, I'm I'm actually not pro of the article lah. Okay, I'm pro Sharia law. Okay, but I'm not pro of the way that is handled. Yeah. Okay, so the the in in Islam, there's the set of laws. For example, you are single and you cheat. Okay, then you are supposed to be flogged. Okay, if there are witness that see you in the act, okay, the insertion to be uh to be perfectly uh, like uh, the penetration. Okay, or if let's say you admit. Okay. Uh, okay. So uh, but uh, yeah lah. Uh, for this particular article, the the guy did not admit yeah. and the the lady admit. Yeah. Right. I'm not sure what's the circumstance also lah. Okay, but both of them are married already. Mm. Okay, and the flogging uh is done. To like so, teach a lesson lah. Uh, it's done mm. in public also. Okay. Set an example. Uh, set an example, right? So to whether it's ex- I I personally don't think that it is extreme ah. Okay, but whether it is the true Sharia law, okay, uh, I cannot comment on that. I guess in the context like, like if it happened in Singapore, like caning is still is still is still happening. Yeah, mm. it's but just I this one's for it, not not just govern the legal side but the civil side. Yeah, as well. yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. I feel like it's not that she's not gonna she's just ne- not gonna admit it again because or, that or, feels or, like the difference. Or people in the future are not gonna admit it. Yeah. Mm. Okay, but uh, one thing, uh, why why is the uh, the punishment like so uh, so called barbaric and like why does it seem so like inhumane like that? Uh, it's because when you go through these punishments, uh, you do not need to be punished in the hereafter anymore. Right. Uh, okay. So, so go through it um, now. Uh, better go through it now rather than suffer more in the worse, fires of uh, hell. Uh, worse right. Yeah. So is this counted as repentance almost? If the person is repentant, then yes. Okay. But mm. this is the law, lah. Okay, and this is the punishment. Lah. It's no longer repentance. Lah. It's punishment. Okay. Uh, but we don't practice this in Singapore, right? No, lah, no. <laughs> no, no. So there's no Sharia. Oh, okay. You seem so worried. Huh? That's not. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I, I just actually want to ask you guys since we are on the topic of law 
laws. Uh, like what do you think of uh, some of the Singapore laws that uh, might not make sense? Uh, like what what do you guys think about it? And like would you support it? Right. What's yeah. an example? Okay, one example lah. Uh, this one can uh, go different ways also lah. Okay, for smoking, there's a limit, right? Okay, uh. do you think it makes sense or it doesn't make sense? Because the age limit. Ah, uh, the age limit. That at what age then can you start smoking? Then vaping, shisha. And uh, I know a lot of the youths do not agree lah with this kind of rules ah and laws ah. Okay, but I'm just interested to know, like, do you guys agree? And how would you defend it? To me, I think that anything that's over, over regarded as a vice and banned right excessively right doesn't help anybody. So, um, like I have quite a lot of friends who were when they were younger, mm. like children ah, under age ah, their parents would actually like let them try like the beer that they are drinking, the wine that they are drinking, the whiskey and this kind of stuff. So as they grow up, right, they are ex- ex- exposed to it, but in a controlled way. Mm. And then when they're older, right, these are all the, they all don't, they, they know how to control their alcohol. Right? Mm. Yeah. But then when you keep saying no, right, or you don't allow something, then there's, there's that constant curiosity. And then there's that, the possibility that you'll go overboard. Like once you are able to get access to something like that. Mm. Yeah. So I think early exposure is actually better. Actually, I can relate to that. I think like my, my parents allowed me to drink alcohol when I was younger because like they would say like next time in the future when you want to have business meetings, mm. it might involve alcohol and you need to have your inhibitions, you know, so that no one can take advantage of you. That kind of thing. My <laughs> dad has friends that always give him alcohol, but he cannot drink. He gets drunk, he gets raped really quickly. And so you try and train me and my sisters to drink so we can drink for him. <laughs> 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 But, but I think what's interesting because you brought up about laws and smoking, right? Uh, yeah. Um, I'm Malaysian, so I'm particularly like invested in this. Malaysia actually introduce is going to introduce a law right, to ban smoking completely for people born oh, nice. after 2005. Oh. Uh-huh. So like there will come a time where if you hit 18, right, you can't even smoke anymore. Like, right. Singapore got something similar, also, right? I think yeah. so. They yeah. are they are they are increasing the age of of smoking right, progressively right. Yeah, in Singapore. Well, I don't know, man. No, but I feel like there's scientific proof that it's bad for you. Then they just want to make sure that if you do it, it's not because curiosity or you really want to do it. I'm gonna put some hurdles there. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna make it really expensive. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna make sure that you are spending your own money, not your parents' money. Mm-hmm. Then you can buy it. Long. I think these are all. I I don't think people should follow laws when it comes to <laughs> to gauging these kind of things because uh, right because right sure. almost every single one of these rules and laws are economic decisions. Like alcohol kills more people. Like alcohol is the yeah. one of the, the mm-hmm. worst vices ever, right? Yet it is completely legalized, mm-hmm. like for the most part. Smoking, to me, I think this transfer is just because they're going to move on to other types of substances or like vaping as another option. I don't think this is really because of your health, lah. I don't think they really care about you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I think the protection is for your health, lah. Banning, then you have to take. But if you want something, economy, lah. But you also create the the forbidden apple effect, the forbidden fruit effect where like when it's, it's so hard to get it, it makes people actually want it a little bit more. And mm. I think there's an excitement of hitting 18 and suddenly being able to buy alcohol. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And you also look at some substances that were banned back in the day, right? That are now becoming legalized. Um, and then we are discovering that there are actually so many benefits to it. And we are also disproving all the past research, right? That has proven that these things are bad, right? Mm. Now all of them are getting debunked already. So, mm. Is it really for us again? I mean, but flip side is also true. I don't know, man. Like the cigarette mm-hmm. stuff, they were it was it was medication, right? It was to mm-hmm. help you breathe better. In fact, mm. for me, like if let's say you're for uh, legal age, for example, yeah, like if let's say you're old enough, then it's okay, lah. But if it's like early introduction, some more like cigarettes, there's uh, nicotine and stuff, mm. like to make you addicted Addictive to it. Substances. Yeah. Yep. So, like, then the question is like, how young can you be? Will you be able to smoke? Yeah. Yeah. So mm. yeah, it, it bugs me lah when you when I see a lot of youngsters. Then 
they're not even legal yet. I mean, primary school, secondary school, smoking. Ah, then you catch them, ah. Yeah. <laughs> like they usually for for good offence, ah. Oh. Uh, so I cannot catch, lah. Right. Yeah, but if like say the most then catch, ah. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So like say, let's say lah, you are in my position, right? Then what we do? Right. Uh, I think interestingly enough, I, right, I mean, like I don't <laughs> have a, I don't have a solution, but I think the forbidden fruit. Uh, thing that Dan mentioned is quite interesting because it's a conversation that I think John Paul I'm not sure whether you were there that we had that if all the drugs right were legal mm. and like all everything's like legal at, at like whatever age right people actually probably wouldn't want to do it that much I agree like it's because it's a vice right like people kind of think they're like cool to do mm. about doing it or you something. don't know that though I feel like there are certain things that like vice as a vice mm-hmm. like like I know Singa- a lot of Singaporeans that drink. I don't know a lot of Singaporeans that are actually alcoholic in that sense. Yeah. I I know the statistic that alcohol kills more people. I think that is also because it's most prevalent. Yeah. Right? Just like there are probably more traffic accidents in tiny Singapore than whole of Africa, for example, right? Mm-hmm. More roads or whatnot, you know, for example, I'm not saying Africa no roads, okay? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but uh <laughs> No, so going going back to to the point which I forgot. <laughs> Tell me again so the, the forbidden fruit effect. No, like, I was gonna say like I think it's all, interesting. Oh yeah, because there are there yeah. are chemical chemical addiction is a little bit different different than right. No, but it's it's similar to like high, so for example yeah. for some reason if all sugar were banned right, I think a lot of people would be seeking out like soft drinks and coke and cakes a lot more than they do now. Uh. Or like for example the flip side is that if people were walking around naked and having sex in public. No one's gonna watch porn. Like the porn industry is essentially collapsed. Yeah, I was gonna kind of bring yeah. it to that because I'm thinking like a lot of like I mean not a lot like Some of the friends that I know right that are like staunch Christians right like to the point that like don't want to kiss before marriage that kind. Yeah. In their younger days right they've done it. So it kind of so mm. then yeah so then my question kind of is like is it just a matter of like because it's forbidden right? Then people have that extra inkling to want to try it. But then mm. if we let them experiment. But safely, like how mm. John Paul's parents did, right? Then would this have been the solution? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I agree to a certain extent if it's not a chemical addiction inducing. Okay. Yeah. Mm. I for me, like uh I jump in a bit. Uh. Mm. Uh, my my own theory, lah, okay, that I've I thought about this quite quite well so uh that men will always try to search for a greater high, you know. Okay, even though you say like okay, maybe everything is already there, so people won't stop mm. anymore. Okay, whatever that is there, they won't take lah. They will search for a greater high. Mm. Uh, so right now Supposedly the greater high is uh, after smoking is maybe drugs. Mm. Then when they are already accustomed to drugs, then they search for a greater high. Mm. Yeah. So if let's say drugs is already the benchmark, then let's search. Uh, let's search for a greater high. Mm. Uh. So actually, it's not that bad because with drugs, right? Even though it's the greater high, <laughs> oh, oh, uh, don't let me go. No, no, no. We kind of we kind of aware of we kind what of mixed it there. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's bad, but we know what the yeah. negative effects. If we legalize are. everything, then we start playing with poison dart frogs. Uh. Yeah. Exactly, exactly, exactly. exactly. Yeah. So, mm. so maybe the greater high doesn't even like mean high anymore, but could be dangerous really. Yeah. Uh. So it's good to manufacture this greater high and keep drugs illegal. But if you don't keep pushing the boundaries, right, of what <laughs> of what the world has to offer, then how so do you many know? independent thinkers in this room. <laughs> <laughs> no, then, then it goes back to the whole you don't know what you don't know, ma, right? Mm. Things uh. you've never heard before, things you but never <laughs> smell before, things you never taste before, things you never smell before. You have to reserve oh. that, my head. <laughs> 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 yeah, like. <laughs> oh my god, they found that smell. Must I really know what I don't know? Yeah. Just where I think. Must I really be? Must I really be so out there? For no, I don't know, right? It's to within the limits of what I do in my career. I don't know what I don't know, so I need to go and learn experience so I can make build a better business yeah. and yeah. then it ends there yeah. I don't need to go and experience the life of an experience like if by that logic I would need to have kids so that I can fully understand 
the joys of parenthood, which everyone around me is seemingly telling me the joy of parenthood is different, different. I'm like, cool, 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 cool. <laughs> Open to it. Yeah. But if don't have my life still great though. I feel hey. like you, you got the limited, otherwise you're never gonna feel satisfied. Yeah. yeah. Then like, John Paul, you, you cannot say have, you yeah. don't want kids. Yeah, you should want kids. If not, you don't know what you don't know. Because sure. yeah, okay, one no. of the biggest hype in humanity is apparently having kids. Okay, no. <laughs> 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 There's someone that has kids here, you think? Yeah. Oh. No, but it's for you to I try and fail. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. they're also like in the ups like. and downs. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not roses. It's the most political. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, you got them real with us for a second. <laughs> yeah. uh, he, he got one question. Uh. He want to know. Ain't no trouble. He want to know about um, sex. So like, apparently, <laughs> apparently <laughs> you cannot have, you have to have sex only in a missionary position and it must be under a blanket. Mm. No, is that true? Uh, no, uh, that's not true. Next. Okay, so in Islam, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no need a blanket. <laughs> a lot of people celebrating, no? What? It was so warm. The blanket part is uh, part of, I guess. Uh, there's this thing in uh, Islam. It's called adab, uh, meaning it's like manners. Uh, okay, maybe uh, the, the shy part and stuff like that. Okay, so but it's not like uh, must or not. Okay, uh, the thing that is forbidden in Islam is uh, anal sex, uh, mm. uh, okay? Unnatural sex, lah. So. so so that one is uh, forbidden Islam. So for the rest, uh, there's a scripture that states that you can come to your wife in uh, any ways that you want. Uh. Mm. Mm. Scripture okay, said that. Come to your wife. Ah, uh, yeah. Does the Bible say that? Two, no two, no two, no two, two not on. <laughs> 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 so there's no loophole for you know. You trying to move on? No lah, no. As she should lah. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, there's no loophole. <laughs> there's no. Loophole. <laughs> <laughs> wow, you trap him. You trap him. <laughs> How how does the um, Muslim community approach um, homosexuality? Uh, homosexuality is uh, something that is not accepted in Islam in terms of practice. Okay, uh, the feelings that you have, for example, for someone with the same sex can happen lah. Meaning, it's not like it's allowed to, but it's it's your feelings. You cannot control it, mm. right? But what you do uh, to address those feelings, that is the question. Okay? So it's recognized that you may have feelings for someone of the same sex, mm. but you're just not allowed to act upon it. Yeah, you're, you're not to act illegally upon it, like illegally in the Islamic faith. Okay. Mm. So then if, for example, like if I'm attracted to women, right, then clearly I don't want to marry a man, right? Mm. Then is me staying single for the rest of my life also like frowned upon or is there some form of stigma against that? There's a scripture that says that uh, you should get married. Lah. Okay, it's, very, oh. it's encouraged. Okay, it's encouraged for you to get married. It's one of the traditions of the prophet. But if let's say you do not want to marry and you, because of your own reasons, can it's okay. Right. Uh, there's no problem with that. It's like Christianity in a sense, or yes. Like you but to some form, celibacy is looked up to in Christianity. So I'm just wondering whether it's the same for Islam. Is it really looked up? Like a monk? Eh? Uh, for Islam, there's no such things as monks or priests that cannot marry. Uh. Mm, yeah. uh, love is love. Uh, again, love uh, again <laughs> it's, it's because of the family. Lah. Okay, we want the, uh, let's say the imam has a family, he's a role model for everybody to follow. Mm. Hey guys, thanks so much for watching this episode of the Daily Catch-Up Podcast. If you have any questions um, with relation to you know Islam um, that you want to ask, Ustaz Lukman, do drop them in the comment section below. I didn't even ask him whether he'll answer them, but hopefully he will. Uh, <laughs> and also, thank you so much, Ustaz, for joining us today. It's my pleasure. Do like this video if you enjoyed it. Also, subscribe to this channel, and we'll see you in the next one. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. 
Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.